and welcome to RPG Digest! In this live stream formatted podcast, we discuss tabletop role-playing games and comment on the RPG hobby as a whole. Oh, there's going to be a lot of commenting today. It's going to be great commenting today. I am John Maxley-Oshlo, your favorite, most cherished curmudgeon critic and judge. And along with me, among some other people, but we'll start with him, is the eh, somewhat reasonable and centered Brett Heathen Dog Grismer. How are you today, sir? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Hope uh, hope we find everyone well. And uh, I want to say that uh, your particular brand of introduction today was very Muppet Show. That was nice. RPG But yeah, I want to go ahead and get on with this because, you know, you got a lot of people here. You want to tell us how your week was? Good, because I don't think anybody wants to hear it anyway. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about my problems. All right. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep this What is RPG Digest up for everybody to look at, but I'm going to go through what we're going to be doing today. First of all, I want to thank all four of our guests. Oh, let me slide this over. I got notes. I have to read notes. Otherwise, I'll forget somebody. And yeah. But uh, I want to thank, first of all, I want to thank everybody. Uh, two of these guys apparently didn't suffer enough the first time and they came back. That's weird. But uh, thank you very much. I want to thank the two new ones, uh, OG GM and uh, GM Dave, which we'll uh, meet in just a moment here for their first time being here. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very kindly for being here. Now, today's format, we're not going to have a segment one. This is an RPG Digest live stream, so Heathen Dog and I will control the overall stream. However, whoever's topic we're talking about, that person owns the floor. That person controls the conversation. That person has the stick and can bonk us on the head with it. So for that time frame, that person is the host or moderator. Because of how this stream is going to be chopped up, each guest uh, can show his own uh, website and products and so on and so forth. I have most of it available here ready to go uh, to show on the screen. Uh, during his segment, simply because, uh, like I said, I'm going to chop up each individual segment into a YouTube video. So right at the beginning of that, you guys can show your stuff. And bam, look at that. It'll be there for everybody to see on YouTube. Cool with that. And let's see. Oh, yeah. For the, for the folks out there. Hey, Dark Knight of Hibernia. How are you doing today? Uh, we are going to read any super chats immediately or bit chats on the Twitch side. Uh, normal chat, we're probably going to ignore until the end of a segment so that we're not constantly interrupting. There's already going to be six people here. It's going to be herding cats as it is, and we'll get to it at the end. So please make sure your comments are contextual so we know what the F you're talking about. And lastly, with that, let's introduce our four awesome and amazing guests. And I'm going to start 
with uh, our short notice inductee here, the OG GM. So uh, go ahead and tell us who you are, what you have to do with tabletop RPGs, and frankly, why we give a crap. I don't know why you give a crap, but uh, <laughs> apparently I was the uh, 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 stand-in, uh, to be mentioned later, uh, Alan Smithy choice, because the guy you wanted was off doing something. Hello, wow, the guy we wanted. Wow, hold on, a little wow, violin. Wow, <laughs> Self-deprecation is real. <laughs> Uh, hello, I am the OGGM host of the OGGM Adventures over at YouTube-ish. I am a, uh, like many of you, a commentator on the world of tabletop and geekdom and have been uh, doing it on this YouTube for a while, but have been doing it for about 45 years related directly or indirectly to the gaming community, including writing, playtesting, and having people complain about me and tell me I make D&D &D no fun. <laughs> so that's who I am. All right. Uh, next, we'll get the other new guy here. We got uh, GM Dave. Uh, thank you very much for being here as well. Go ahead and tell us a little something about yourself. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm GM Dave. I also go by the man behind the screen. Uh, I've been playing in the hobby for about 25 years myself. So OG's got 20 years on me there. Uh, I oftentimes just sort of think of myself as some schmuck on the internet who happens to be talking about something that he likes. And for whatever reason, people think some people like to listen to me. You got a couple of viewers, right? good, Yeah, I, I, I got a handful. All right. So, so we'll move to the top of the screen here with Aaron the Pedantic, who, like I said, I don't know why you guys came back. Uh, I guess we didn't torture you enough the first time. But uh, let's start with Aaron the Pedantic. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. We won't get into my uh, my masochism, but uh, as far <laughs> as why people may uh, be interested in what I have to say, um, I, I really think the best way I've been described is just OSR super fan and uh, just a new guy that's interest, interested in this kind of stuff is kind of weird, I, I guess. Maybe that's why some people are interested, but um, yeah, that's that's really it. Uh, okay. I have made a few a few things, you know. I do I do obviously I do a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and uh, I do a blog, which I've I've been doing that for about a year, I think. And uh, as far as um, RPG content, I'm I've, I've started the module writing, you know, that kind of thing. Nice. And with the best background of the day is Grim. Welcome back. You were our first guest ever. You're the one that uh, broke our guest virginity on this. So uh, thank you for coming back. Not sure if that's the moniker you want above, you know, on your tombstone, but hey, no, whatever. <laughs> but seems, seems appropriate. Uh, yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad to be back, but in a, in a sadistic role, because I'm here to torture you, not to. Oh, sweet. Yay. That's, kind of, <laughs> that's all the fire. That's what the fire is for. <laughs> He's the devil. Uh, I'm, I'm notorious enough. I don't think I need a particular introduction and uh, I'll shill stuff later on. So. All right. Sounds good. All right. Of course, you've got me and Heathen Dog. Real quickly here, we have to do what we have to do here. We're going to do our one-time shilling right now, and then uh, we're going to get into what well, we're here to talk about. So let me get these back up. These are our links. Pause the screen because I'm going off these quickly. Discord is where it's at. Everything else is kind of like, eh, we'll get to you if we get to you. But if you really want to talk to us, let us know things. Come to our Discord. Uh, we don't have a segment three today. We're, uh, we're going to have a segment two. Uh, but if there's time, we'll, have, we'll let people come in and uh, scream at us about the things we're screaming about now at that time. I want to thank everybody. Already got a donation. Thank you very much, Crafty, for your donation. Absolutely appreciate that. He said he's going to watch uh, during the week, though, when we uh, split it up. 
but we want to thank all of our monetary backers, Twitch subscribers, those who give us cheers, Super Chats, YouTube members, Subscribestar backers, Streamlabs, and PayPal donations. Also want to thank the people who just sit and view. It's COVID time. Y'all don't have money. You get it? I don't have money. I don't back a lot of people right now, but you know, we're appreciative that you're here. And we need Grimm in Texas. <laughs> and, okay. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, to warm it up. There we go. To warm it up with that fire background. I get it now. I want to thank all of our chatters and lurkers looking at you, Spectral Fire. If you don't want to donate to Legion Myth, go ahead and donate to the Wounded Warrior Project. And you can hover over on the Twitch side, friends of the channel. And uh, you know what? If you've got something to add to that list, let us know. We'll look into it. And finally, there's our disclaimer, uh, because we're going to be talking about some stuff that's probably going to have us saying a few choice words. I'm not going to read it today, because I just don't care. If you want to read what it says, or if you want to hold somebody accountable for something, eh, whatever. It's your thing. Okay. All right. There we go. Went through it quickly. Did I miss anything, Heathen Dog? No, you're good. All right. So, fine. talking about Heathen Dog... All right. You have, you have kind of like the most innocuous thing, the most, you know, let's get us started a little slowly here. I like that. Let's ease into this. Exactly. Mine's mine is uh is uh it's not very controversial. It's just asking everyone's opinion. All right. Just your your opinion on this. And what this is, what do you think about games that uh uh, hit this hit the both ends of the spectrum on the number and varied dice that they use in the operation of the game system for example all right and i have like i said a 220 point slide that uh that i'm gonna share see grim took it literally this is a fireside chat and then somebody had to bring <laughs> the slide projector to the fireside chat i'm going back in my tent i'm out <laughs> okay <laughs> for example now i i, I put in a uh, uh, in in the in the Discord, the video I did on uh, Marvel Superheroes Advanced Set from the late '80s, Ooh. and that used a single set of die. They used this one. Yes. Or or technically, I suppose. Um, nope, not that. No. Te technically, you could use this. That was yes. DCC. <laughs> Who the hell would use this golf ball die? I mean, half the time it rolls off the table. You don't know what the hell number's on top. 98. Yeah, 98. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> it was, uh, usually it's this. Now, it was now, the status symbol. Nobody actually used it. Exactly. No one actually used it. it. It took five minutes to stop rolling. No one used it. But <laughs> this one right here, this one right here, this, this one right here, that literally the only two dice you need for the entire table. Oh, yeah. Because Everyone rolls one person at a time, and literally everything is rolled with these two dice. That is the extreme. That is this extreme. And then we have the example of Dungeon Crawl Classics, who, that uses the weirdest dice, the most varied dice ever, and everyone has to have them. Okay, you got a you got a D two, D three, D five, D seven, D one eighty seven, whatever you got. You got <laughs> all the dice, and everyone needs them. <laughs> All right, so you have now that's that's a lot of money. All right, just to be fair, just right off the bat, that's a lot of money to spend to play a game. All right, but it does give a I don't want to say cornucopia, but uh, a, a large amount of a variation option and uh, and ran uh, more simulated randomness in the game, which can make it more fun. So my uh, my question for everyone is. Starting with with Aaron, and we're going to go over. Uh, what kind of game system do you prefer? You don't have to use the two extremes, but 
Uh, do you prefer less dice? Well, less. Or more dice? And we'll start with Aaron. Aaron, what do you think? All right. Well, uh, in true uh, centrist fashion, uh, I, I, I honestly like it in the middle. Uh, I do appreciate a, uh, a single die system just because it it's, has its own fluid nature and it works just fine. Uh, I, I love DCC. I, I, I play it very regularly. It's a lot easier for people right now because we're primarily playing online. So we're just using dice bot and we can just say D whatever, you know, fuck your mother kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that isn't, oh, wait, that well, isn't, with, with, with that, that isn't everyone issue. subscribe. <laughs> Please. That, that's, Please. that's not an issue currently, uh, but it has first, been first an issue. Bomb, Aaron. Right back down. That that has been an issue at uh, at the table, you know. Whenever I'm doing a a road crew type thing for for DCC, where you know we're having to pass that that around because a lot of people don't understand that that you know uh, if you if you look at the rule book, there are some shortcuts, you know. So yeah. like for D thirty, it's like you you can roll the D twenty twice if you get eleven or higher, then you know you add ten to yeah, it. But and to, to to be fair, a lot of people will say, and it has merit that this will slow down the game when you have to, you know. Do maths like there that. are a lot of things in DCC that'll slow the game. Fair though. enough, fair but enough. I love it. I'm, I'm talking about the, the <laughs> we're, yeah, we're keeping yeah, the, it the dice themselves. So if yeah. you don't have the proper dice they call for, you have to roll a die, and then okay, if it's higher than eleven, you got to roll this, and if it's yeah. lower than eleven, then you're fine. And yeah. so even without thing. that, even without that, just the mere fact that you're having to fumble through a larger set of dice isn't mm -hmm. is in and of itself kind of an issue. I do Probably. think that it could be. Uh, handled better. And I would say that uh, that's probably one of the, the things that I appreciate least about DCC. There is some extra, you know, precision that you can get with that, that enhanced die range, basically, because of the fact that, you know, obviously a, a D24 is different than anything as far as like, you, you know, just doing a D20 and plus or minus, because you're getting, you're getting a different range of probabilities. Sure. Uh, and yeah. then th that can be that can be neat, but it also means that there's some confusion. You know, do you crit on a twenty plus? No, you crit on a twenty four if you're if you're rolling a d twenty four. It gets there. There's all all kinds of. So I would say that I would say that it's it's probably a thing that I, I would try and avoid. In that if I could change the system, I, that's one of the things that I would change. I would say let's not do that part. You know, we have the the cool spell tables, and honestly, a lot of people that I've seen run it. Don't don't even use the dice chain. It's just like you know, if you have a character that has an inherent uh, different thing, uh, mostly mighty deeds. So mighty deeds, you got a D three starting off, and then it just goes all the way up the die die chain as you level up. Right. Um, that's what I've seen uh, the most one adhered to. But as far as you know, the the intent that well, you're going to be at a slight disadvantage whenever you're trying to climb this thing. So instead mm -hmm. of a you'll use it 16 i've almost never seen it used that way uh, okay so, so what, what what i'm hearing you say is that uh you're you're more of a centrist on this you're like a uh ad and d type thing where you have your your d4 d6 d8 10 12 20 and you're good as I, long I, you can use all I'm that happy. i'm happy that there actually make you happy now uh there are there are other there are other ones that uh that use uh those same same exact dice, but more of them. Like for example, Earth Dawn with the step shift, you know, or or the, you know they'll, they'll use all those regular dice, but multiples of depending on what you're rolling. Or there's stuff like Old Fassa 
Shadowrun or Old World of Darkness, where they use D6s and D10s, but a lot of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of them. So seeing the, seeing that range, are you still in the middle? Are you still... I would, I would lean more toward the single die, in, in really. If we're starting to get into that that kind of thing, um, you know, one of the things that I've really appreciated, appreciated about going to uh, BX, you know, because I started it with 5e and go and went backward mm-hmm. um is that uh, with a lot of procedures i use it's just a single d6 and uh you know so you know, whenever it comes to a d6 game i'm like hey you know now it's just more of that more of that shit you know it's pretty good so uh yeah I, I would say i probably lean in that direction but at the same time i do really appreciate the the spread that you know just standard D provides i okay. wouldn't want to roll more of them uh with Slight, you know, I mean, obviously the, the advantage disadvantage mechanic has picked up a lot of speed and I have occasionally thought about incorporating that whenever you have, uh, for instance, uh, critical as far as damage dice, you know, just saying, well, instead of doing uh, max damage or roll the dice twice and, you know, add them both together, uh, maybe just roll, roll them twice and then pick the higher one. Uh, yeah. That way, it's going to be a little bit better, you know, you know, because you don't want to get shortchanged off of, you know, this 5% probability. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would I would be cautious about just adding more. I, I do feel like it does kind of detract from things. Okay, so what what, I, what I'm hearing is that uh, you're kind of you're in the middle, but leaning toward as little dice as possible without sacrificing uh, variability and uh uh, how else would I put it? How, how else would you put it? Uh, I would say just just the utility that a a, a different range of probabilities provides. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, a, a, the largest range of probability possible with the least amount of dice roll. Basically, yeah. Okay, great. All right, Grim. See, uh, yeah. you've 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 seen, you've seen our our two examples: uh, a, a single die for the entire table and a uh, hundred dice of of, of varying. Uh, complexity for everybody. Uh, where where do you stand in what part of the spectrum? I think I believe in the right tool for the right job. So depending what you're trying to do in any particular game would determine how I would, if I was writing a game, how I would choose what dice or other randomization method to use. You know, does it go together? Does it does it work? That's what's important to me. Yeah, um, but so I my think question it has is to... your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion is the best. That's not an opinion. One for the for the job. So Call of Cthulhu works well with the D100 because it's quite gra- easily graspable and it, it has a more sort of scientific feel to it. It feels right. more grounded and, and real. And um, it uses different dice for for it uses a D one hundred a lot, but for damage yeah. and, and, and sanity rolls stuff like that, it uses yeah. the varied the normal variation. Something sure. like Fate, though I don't so much like the newer edition. That works quite well for what it's what it's for because it's quite simple. You've only got so many dice, and everything else modifies that, so it's quite quick. Um, also, when you're using multiple dice of the same kind, like two D six you get a bell curve, well, a point, but you, you get a varied amount of results and they tend to cluster around the middle. So if you're going for something that's more realistic and grounded, then using two or more dice and totaling them together is a good way of getting that that cluster around the middle, the, the sort of average result. 
Whereas if you're using a single dice, it's, it's flat. You're as likely to get a crit as you are a botch, as you are any other thing. So that's good for more heroic adventures where random stuff can happen and you, know, you can abruptly succeed or abruptly fail. And then I think thematics plays a big role as well. Um, lots of the games that use cards as well as other randomizers, uh, like Deadlands, for example, that's quite thematic to the poker aspect of the world and the magic and so on. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, the right right tool for the right job um, is, is my opinion on this. I, I, I don't think there's a single die mechanic or any other mechanic that I particularly like for or prefer for everything. If I had to be pinned down, I would say... There I we go. I quite like dice pool systems because you get that visceral feel of having lots of dice okay. in your hand. Okay, like for, for, for the examples I said before, the old World of Darkness or the old uh, Shadow Run, where you got or, large amounts of maybe the same die, or yeah. uh, or, or Earth Dawn, where you have large amounts of normal variation of dice that you get to just roll on the table and blah, 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 and so do what, like one of the things I like about the D6 system um, is is that it's not huge dice pools, but it is dice pools, and I also yeah. like as a as a games master, right? You say okay, the the beast lashes out to attack, and you pick up one dice. And you pick up another dice, and you pick up another dice, and people's eyebrows start to raise, and you pick up <laughs> another dice, and they start to tremble. You get to five <laughs> or six dice, and you can hear urine spilling out over the side of their chairs onto the floor. You know, it's, it, I've never you heard build, that. You can build tension. <laughs> yes, that that is true. Yeah, you you can build some tension. Okay, so uh, from what I understand, your your uh, preferred uh, overall uh, system aside method is uh multiples of the same die when yeah. possible when when appropriate when appropriate yeah when appropriate okay just, good just, just, good just a smidge all right thank you very much OGGM. all right so we're like like i said before i'm going to say it again uh we have the the, the gamut of a single uh, uh, a single kind of die for the entire table or the the cornucopia of of mismatched uh you know island of misfit toys dice that everyone has to buy for their very very own thank you laura bailey <laughs> <laughs> where do you fall in that spectrum well you started with marvel phase I which i consider one of the best systems of all time okay um, I, I like you more now um so <laughs> and it's interesting because you would think if As you're putting fact, let's put you up here if you, you would think if you're putting stuff on the table <laughs> and you know you have your stack of D6 and your stack of the weird conocopia of bizarre shapes, people would graduate to the D6 because everybody knows what the D6 is. But for some reason, I have found, and again, this is I have found, I'm not insulting anyone, people are intimidated by the dice pool, but the weird shapes, people are like, oh, yes, I'll play this game. And yet when you're actually playing game that uses weird shapes, i.e. D&D, People get so confused. Like, what am I rolling? You're rolling a D8. Which one's a D8? The the one with eight sides. Which one has eight sides? Just, just any roll any dice, Steve. I don't care. So I am a I am a fan of like Grim tools for the thing. Like he mentioned Deadlands, which was such a great system. Um, not that I don't love Savage Worlds, but um, yes, I think tool for the job. But if we're talking Desert Island. Uh, just D6s or dice pools. I don't know why people are intimidated by dice pools. I love the West End Games D6 system. 
I loved World of Darkness. There's just something so viscerally satisfying, tactilely satisfying of rolling like 5D6 across that, you know, your mom's glass table. And then, you know, just that noise is just so, why is that not more satisfying to people? And then again, you know, pulling out one, two, three, four D6 and going, okay, Darth Vader's going to swing his lightsaber at you. And everybody's like, oh God, he's rolling 15 D6. I'm so dead. So yes, I, I am. I, I prefer the simplicity of dice pools, the weird shapes in D&D. I have never understood other than I guess that's what they had available. And they're like, okay, I've got this. I've got to use it. And then the rest of your life, you're like, I feel really sorry for the D12. <laughs> he never just sitting there gathering moss. 90% I'm rolling D8 and D6 anyways. Why do I have these other dice? Well, fair enough. Okay, so. That, well, that, uh, that's our new challenge. Somebody's got to create a game that's D12 centered. Just yeah, that. D12 only D12. Only. Yeah. There is D12 one. Dice pool. There you go. There's a D12 <laughs> game called Roll for Shoot. Okay, so the, the OGGM, he, uh, he apparently falls uh, toward the... the uh, uh, single die, but prefers dice pools because you know they they are they they do give you variation, but they also give you a simplicity and ease of understanding what you're rolling. You just have to know how many of the same thing you're rolling. Great. Okay. GM Dave. Well, same I'm question. Gonna... Only I expect a completely different answer from you because you look like a contrary man. <laughs> well, I want to expand a little bit on something that the OGGM was saying first. You know, I mean, I mean, look at these guys. Look at all these crazy shapes. Aren't, aren't they just so enticing? Aren't they just so exciting and unique and different? And I think that's why people are drawn to them is everybody knows what a D6 looks like. Yeah, everyone's, played, and, and everyone's played Yahtzee. Everyone's played Monopoly. We, we all know what these fucking things look like. We all know how they roll. But, ooh, the eight-sided one. Well, that's exciting. That's different. I've never seen that before. Of course, we have. We're a bunch of losers who've been doing this for, you know, 20-plus years, except for Aaron. <laughs> but as, as for where I lean on it, uh, I actually am. I lean a little bit more towards Grim, where I am kind of a whatever one fits the task best is what I'll go for. But gun to the head, forced to choose. I tend to prefer two die systems, two die like you know D one hundred, two D six, that sort of thing, because I like the snappiness of the play. I like how much faster you can play with a system like mm -hmm. that. There is definitely some fun that gets lost with that tactile feel of having the big handful of die that comes with die pulls. There is something very satisfying with that that is absolutely lost when you go to a system that uses smaller amounts of dice, but I think that is counterbalanced by, if you have a, a good GM, a good group, that's counterbalanced by the snappiness with which you can play using a smaller pool. And I've really come to prefer that over the years, especially most of my time was played using the standard D20 system over my gaming life. And every single time, it, it doesn't matter, every single time, once you hit a certain point, you hit a certain level, you hit a certain stage in that game, Combat just becomes a goddamn slog because everything slows to a crawl. You start having to look at all the different dice you got to use, gather up your pools, gather up your individuals, roll, roll, roll. You spend more of your time rolling than actually doing anything in the fucking game. And for myself, that's colored me to really favor smaller systems like that because I like 
to keep pace going quick in the game. I like to keep my players engaged. And I think that for myself tends to work better using a smaller system like that. Okay. All right, great. So that's everyone. And uh, since I'm the moderator, I'm going to make the, 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 the final adjudication wait, 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 on wait, this. Wait, wait, That's not everyone. <laughs> That, that's everyone. You don't count. Yes, I do. Your opinion <laughs> counts. No God. one told me that. I just remember who show this. Remember who pays the bills here? Who might not pay you? <laughs> oh, well then, carry on. No, please. Carry on. Carry on. What, what is your opinion? Now, now, remember, remember, the the entire group seems to be leaning one way mm -hmm. on this one. So I fully expect you to be contrary <laughs> just because you're you. So, Crafty is right. He he actually pays the bills right now. Well, him and Bruce. Uh, <laughs> no, no, so I, I was scribbling down. I, I wanted to kind of see what they said. But uh, so for me, this is what's weird about me, because I've been thinking about this for a long time. Mute Max. <laughs> for a long time. Like what I like, especially since I'm designing my own game. And my own game has gone through the process of it started as a D20. Then it went to D6. Then it went to percentile. Then it went to dice pool. Then it went to because I'm trying to I'm trying to get that magic in there that blends together. I finally have a system that I like and I'm moving forward with it, which surprisingly kind of went full circle. And it's back to kind of more of an Earth Dawn system. Go figure. Me and Earth Dawn, right? Um, but uh, but really, I, I go through moods where I'll have like a range of where I want to play just something simple. D20, roll it. Just be done with it. And then I'll transition over and I'll like that dice pool thing. Like, like you guys have been saying that visceral thing of holding the dice. But I have a caveat to that. I didn't like the White Wolf dice pool system because I thought holding 10 D10s and separating them all out was too much. Uh, so the Shadowrun stuff where you're holding like 15 D6, it becomes too much. On, on the flip side, Forbidden Lands, for example, the Year Zero engine that doesn't get into that unless you're the Game Master, where you're pretty much limited to 3, 4, 5, if you're lucky, 8 dice. I think that tempers it down to a point that actually makes that pool feel awesome in your hands, but not get confusing, especially since you're only looking for the sixes anyway. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I really go through moods. What, what it really comes down to, and I'll keep this short because I don't really want to add too much more on what you guys said because I pretty much agree with all of it, is uh, if I'm looking for tension, I want the dice pool. Partially for the way Grimm said it and partially for the whole thing of like, I'm holding them in my own hand to say, here I go. Come on, baby, I need six of you to come up. Let's go boxcars, boxcars, boxcars. Let's do this. But I also agree with GM Dave where it's like you want to keep the game moving where sometimes you just want to take that 20 and go, I got a 15. What is it? Uh, 2D6, my favorite game or the game that kind of just got me into the hobby, Battletech's 2D6. All right, I rolled a seven. I hit center torso. Let's move on, you know. So I kind of see both sides of it. Ultimately, the right tool for the right job, yes. Um, but I just kind of go through those phases of... Uh, Sometimes I like simplistic. Sometimes I, I like uh, to feel it. All right. J just as I thought, you have absolutely no answer. You're, yep. you, you equivocate everything and have no real opinion. Awesome. Yeah. You're, it, it, was, it was great that we, that we had moments for you. Hey, if I got all a right. set of nine dice, though, I want to use all of them. <laughs> all right. There so, is a for my hate. Absolutely. Yeah. What's, that? What's that? Novelty dice. Like yes. Legends of the Five Rings or uh, the Middle Earth that Cubicle 7 did or anything where you have to buy a specific set of dice Fudge for dice. that game. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, then... Uh, that's uh, a subscribe. Yeah, no, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, where is it? Yeah. Boom, there yeah, it is. Subscribe. There, there it is. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> subscribe for the curses or the fake curses. But, uh, all right, so... 
Uh, I am the I am the moderator and the adjudicator in this instance. And so, according to the panel, the panel is leaning toward the le- the lesser varied amount of dice, but having uh, rolling more than one die is still understandably satisfying. But having the giant amount of variation in dice can be confusing and, in my opinion, expensive. And in the case of DCC, which is my extreme example, if you don't buy the the specialty dice that literally no other game uses, you have to you have to stop and use regular dice and do math. And like, oh, I got to roll another one because I rolled high on this one. You know, so nobody here likes that too much. I'm sorry, DCC. You have some really, really great advantages in a lot of areas. Oh, but, but apparently, according to most people here, your your dice variation is not one of them. Sorry. You hate me now. It's fine. No. <laughs> All right. Do you want you want to? Should we go through chat? Yeah, let's see go. People through chat. are saying, let's see, see how far back I can go in this thing. So I just want to remind everybody. That uh, if you give us a super chat or chat with bits, we'll read it pretty much right away. I'm not going to interrupt somebody who's actively talking, but we'll, we'll jump it in there. Otherwise, we will hit uh, chat at the end of each segment. So, hello, Aaron. Other people saying hello. Crafty donated. Thank you very much. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, watch your language. Yeah, I said tried that. to get on your chat here. I couldn't. Uh, All right. See. So, I, I am back. I am back with uh, We Need Grim in Texas. So uh, Crafty says, I like the idea of rolling a D30 in place of two D20s for advantage. That's, I'm, I thank you for all the money, man, but I still got to call you weird. <laughs> I got to call you weird on that one. I mean, uh, I, I I think the, the advantage, disadvantage thing for y- using a, a D20 for most systems is is appropriate. That that take that take advantage of it. You make, making a D30 just seems weird. But two people on here say that uh, they like the Earth Dawn dice. Yeah, there's a couple people like that. Uh, White Box by Seattle Hill Games has two dice for players: a D20 and a D6. Okay, you you get you get a small variation, and I'm 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 sure that the that the that the D20 D6s are used in in different uh, you know uh, capacities. One's probably for attack or or uh, defense saving throw. The other is for damage or whatever. So though no, that's a that's high, that's a Dark Knight of Hibernius. That's his uh, his response on that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got Mahawkman. An easy way to fake a D twenty four is to use a, a D twelve in any die that's an even number. That's too Again, much work. It's too much work. Too much math. <laughs> <laughs> if a die is odd, then B die is one through twelve. Even if okay, see now it's, it's, it's like if, if, if you want to put the algebra. algebraic formula up there, <laughs> I guess you can. If it's harder than Thaco. You know, with all the people <laughs> who yell go. at me about Thacko, if it's harder than Thacko, no. <laughs> yep, and uh, we have we have Facebook user who uh, is a big fan of Earth Dawn. Yep. Got all capital letters on that. All capital letters there. That's good. Uh, so we go on. Uh, Grim makes some very good points. So look at that. A check mark for Grim. Wow. Look at that. Uh, or or uh, Marhawkman also likes game where you're not actually adding the die rolls, but counting hits and the number of dice determines how many hits you can get. That is like a uh, like a target number system, like uh, Old World of Darkness or or uh, uh, or other games like that, where where you're not adding up the total of all yeah. the dice you're rolling. You're looking for a target number on each die. 
Yeah, the West End games D six was yeah. The same. West End games is the same way, right? You're looking, you look at D six like, oh, I'm I'm hitting target number. I want target number four. Anything four or higher is a success. Anything three or less is not. And you can easily move dice away and then count one, two, three, four, five successes. There you go. He likes that's, that. That's good and that's valid. That's fine. I mean, uh, you, you you get to roll a lot of dice, but you also get the simplicity of not having to add up the sum total of these fifteen dice that you're rolling. Which is good. I'm putting that on the screen because that's so embarrassing. Except your Coriolis <laughs> dice, they failed you and need to be punished. <laughs> that was my episode or my segment last week. Yep. Uh, Lost Ogre likes everything but the D4. He hates picking them up. It's probably stepped apparently. on him. He, yeah. Uh, I, yeah they're, they're, to be fair, a, a, a D4 is structurally not dissimilar to a Caltrip. So no, yeah, don't either. drop it on the floor. Even less so when they start making them in metal. I've never understood yeah, oh why God, people would buy those in metal. metal dice? <laughs> I, I forbade those by the time I understood what, what they did to tables. That was like a 12 year old. dice were the worst I'd ever seen. I was like, what? Why? <laughs> to punish you for rolling. That's basically about it. <laughs> Unless that's your thing. Why? It just ruins everything. Who thought of building a dice out of barbed wire would be a good idea? Yeah, that was that was weird. That was that's that's a really bad idea. Uh, Indigo Dragon says Genesis RPG with its various die sizes that uses symbols instead of numbers. Again, uh, the 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 panel apparently has gone away from super specialty dice like that. Nobody I used to like them a long time ago, but yeah, yeah. a long time ago used to like them. But now, now that we've played a lot, a lot more games, trying to buy the the super specialty dice that have to have symbols instead of numbers. Yeah, I hate those. To be relevant, it's a pain in the butt. Unless you're it playing with pain in the butt. Yeah, I, I roll. I roll the stick figure and a squid thing. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> uh, can we talk about? Yeah, I just put that on the screen a moment yeah, ago. Put that on screen, yeah. I don't know what that is. You know, every place <laughs> I've tried to sell it has been rejecting my offer. <laughs> it's good to know your mom loves the D. <laughs> okay. it's, right. it's mosaicked out. You can't I see what it is. I wouldn't be here otherwise. <laughs> there you go. I, are you sure you're trying all the stores? Because I, I think there's plenty of adults. There's a couple in Germany right down the this road here. I can bring them to. Yeah. This one's just uh, down the street from me that I'm sure would love to have that. <laughs> oh yeah, I can. There's several of those here. The you Masai. can get you can get ball gag D20s and butt plug D20s. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I'd have to have the whole set. It has to come on as a four, a six, an eight. <laughs> Wait a minute. What am I? I mean, I no. <laughs> I didn't even no, mention no, beads. No, but what, <laughs> here we are. Butt plug D20. <laughs> <laughs> all right all thank right. you everyone for for answering uh, for, and answering my, my my question with your opinion and uh while while i agree with uh with most of you there 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 are some of you that are obviously dumb and need to change your opinion but i'm not going to tell who i'm going to let the viewers decide it's me so make sure you comment and uh yeah uh, i think that's uh that's pretty good uh, um, who had the next kind of innocuous, not too controversial one? I think that was either OGGM or it was DM Dave. And now I can't, I'll, you pick, pick Eden dog, which one you want? Let's go. Let's go GM Dave. All right. All right. Yeah. So my, mine is pretty innocuous. Uh, and it, it ties right into what I've been talking to about. Oh, first, first of all, first of all, 
Show yourself. What, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. got, I've got yeah, links yeah. and stuff ready to go. It ties directly okay. into what I was talking about on my channel, uh, which you can find here on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Minds. Uh, you can find me notifying on Parlor, Gab, and Instagram, but I don't really use those especially actively other than that. Um, I also write a webcomic for those interested in that. It's hosted over on Webtoon, uh, which is based in, well, the, I'm actually working on a game myself, which is based in the world of, as you see on the screen here, Phoenix Rising. Go read it. It's good shit. <laughs> um, I think that's the yeah. I'm putting yeah. the links into chat as well so people can. Uh, Thank you. Of course, don't leave the stream. Right click and select open a new tab. <laughs> Yes, please. I've got things to say. We all do. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's hard. Yeah. But Anything just, you want to say about, about your webcomic or your YouTube channel? Like what kind of things they can expect there? I mean, really, with the YouTube channel, you can expect sort of the, the kind of tabletop content you would expect from most channels. Generally speaking, I tend to focus more on talking about my experiences in the hobby over the years, tips, and finding ways that I can shoehorn other things that I want to talk about into making sense as tabletop game discussions like character breakdowns of video game characters that by no means should make sense as tabletop discussions, but I find ways to shoehorn that in there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, with, with the comic, it's, uh, I mean, if, if you like a fantasy adventure story that's sort of based around the themes of, you know, family, friendship, that, that, that kind of spiel, you'll probably find something to enjoy there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and in terms of, in terms of my topic, it ties directly into what I've been talking about recently on my channel, which is topics surrounding or little subsets surrounding the greater idea of longevity and extended health for campaigns. Because let's face it, that's the dream. Everyone who plays tabletop games, everyone who plays tabletop role-playing games specifically, we, we all want at least once to have that years-long campaign experience where we successfully run a campaign for five, six, seven, eight years and actually see it through from beginning to end. And 95% of us don't see that happen. So it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's had me thinking, uh, particularly this year, I'm not, I'm not sure why, but I just started thinking a lot about why, why doesn't that happen? What are some things we can do to, to make that happen? Just things that are more orthodox, like your typical, you know, making sure that you're sustaining the verisimilitude of your world, making sure that you're keeping to a schedule that you have trustworthy players who you know will show up, at least a small core of them, even if the portions of your group do have to move in and out. Uh, but then more unorthodox things. So we'll say, uh, let's move, uh, I guess on my screen, we'll go ahead and move to my right. OGGM, you just muted yourself, so you're gonna have to unmute yourself. How about, I mean, you've got 45 years experience. Yeah, you've got, you've got 45 years experience in, in the hobby. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What are some things that you've learned over the years that you think will help people to reach that point where they might actually be able to successfully maintain a campaign over the course of years? Now? I, I don't know if you can. I mean, just because the world has changed. Uh, when I was, I was very lucky enough to be in a campaign that lasted 15 years, every Sunday for like eight hours for 15 years, same group, same DM, sometimes we, to make things, you know, variety, sometimes we would switch up alternate characters or, you know, occasionally, uh, I don't want to play X this week, we're going to play something else, but basically the same group 
for, for 15 years. And I, other than the fact that the DM was extremely charismatic, uh, shout out to TJ Storm, um, World Martial Arts Hard Hall of Fame in the mocap after for Godzilla, ran the same game <laughs> 15 years until I moved up here um, in Ventura. Uh, I don't know why, uh, and, but you know, then he became famous. I'm sorry. Then he became famous and stopped running, but whatever. <laughs> but now he's a famous <laughs> again, but you know. So but it was again, it was just the consistency, the willingness, the forgiveness, I think was the biggest thing. Cause like now, if you piss somebody off at the table or don't, you know, fulfill the mandatory whatever, you never see that. You never see that player again. Or that DM again, and then 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 they like go off and start bad mouthing you. Or at least my personal experience, both as a player and a DM. Um, but back then, I think more than anything else, it was it was you know we were younger, we had more free time. But then there were like people there who were at the same game who you know had lives, had families, but just were willing to set aside that time and say, "This is my time." And you know what, you did you said something last week that I didn't agree with, but because I enjoy the group and because I enjoy the game. I'm going to come back and just like whatever that, but now, you know, because of whatever PC or because we're just dealing with a younger crowd, the longest game I've run since moving up here was I think six years. I ran a, a, a campaign set in Freeport, but since then I have not been able to get that magic. Usually my games last two, three, four weeks. And then, um, you know, I say something and suddenly the game blows up or somebody else like says something and or does something to piss everybody up. And then suddenly the game blows up I, and you just, you don't know how to fix that. And you, and you try, but just after a while, you're just like, why am I investing this energy to tr fix this? I, I don't know what that magic thing is anymore. So I don't know if you can, I mean, I know that since the world shut down, the, the numbers for online, have gone up. I've only played in one online game and it lasted for like two weeks. And then everybody was like, uh, this is weird. I don't want to play. And since then I haven't played a single fucking game. Um, fracking. Oh, single single fracking right game. there. Bam. Single fracking <laughs> game. Uh, I miss it. Um, and it's like my game store is open and they're like, come on in. But people are like, I don't want to play anymore. And so I, yes, yes. Naro. I am your wise man, only that I'm old, not that I'm wise. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can anymore. If anybody has hit that magic, congratulations. I think, you know, real life, families, jobs, there's there's a huge age gap now, I think, between um, OSR players like myself, you know, who are consistently been playing and adapted and people who've just come in in the last five, six years because of a certain web show whose name we, we will not mention. And, but they're a younger crowd. They have less free time. They're more, video games is definitely, I think, hugely affected how our brains work. And you, and most people want now want that video game. I want that quickness. I want that fastness. I want that instant recognition. I, I have these expectations now of the way this should work. And if it doesn't work like that, then I'm going to leave and keep looking for the game that does work. I don't know any game that has beat that 15-year mark since I moved up here. The closest I ran was like five years. The closest I played in that lasted consistency was two years. And that wasn't every week. That was like two years every three weeks. 
So yeah, I, I don't know if you can. If anybody has, please let me know how you're doing it and share it with the rest of us. But I, I don't I don't know if you can anymore. Sorry. Ah, what happened? I, I guess yeah, I I heard his feelings. Yeah, you heard answer. his feelings by not giving him an actual answer. I think that was well, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you can. <laughs> <laughs> wow you actually yeah, made it run away that's amazing <laughs> sorry yes. i forgot i was muted there i think he uh meant to hit the uh, mute button and uh yeah, unmute and he said yeah yeah he'll you be know, back the, the compassionate fellow just, just, player just click the link dude i've set you but the pro wrestling oh. heel to me is like oh. yeah, his browser his browser oh. crashed oh his browser crashed okay well that, that's something oh yeah <laughs> yes, I chased him away. <laughs> oh crap! My caps lock is on. There we there go. Uh, boom! Oops. Oh, I yeah, so I think my answer was I don't know if you can. <laughs> Come on. All right, heathen dog, run it. There you go. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. Browser crashed. That's all right. No um, all right, yeah, Jim, Dave, who's next? Hey, I've actually yeah. shut down the stream before by you know <laughs> clicking the X. So I mean. Yeah. Well, uh, let's just keep moving down the line. Uh, Grim, what are your thoughts on that? A lot of what OG said, I think, resonates, um, particularly with, with regard to newer players um, whose expectations are very different. Maybe they're having successful campaigns amongst themselves. I don't know. But I think there is a disconnect in what people expect. Um. The long-term games that I've run tend to have a lot of player buy-in. Yeah, they right. don't necessarily have any massive overarching plot. Um, we just kind of let things happen. And uh, maybe I've got some vague idea, and then we see what happens as we go along. Um, so it's a lot more open-ended. Um, more recently, I think... Well, and, and historically, I think the, the so having some kind of commitment involved helps. So, like um, live action organizations tend to keep running fine because people have invested time and money and effort into the costume and the character and learning to fight um, that sort of thing. Maybe there's membership fees, so that encourages people to to get involved. Um, running uh, a, a stream for money, as I do with tabletopless, the, you know that motivates people to keep going and to stay involved and, and to put the effort in. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky. The, the online play, I have run shorter successful campaigns to conclusion um, on my live streaming channel. Uh, we, I ran a campaign of Dragon Warriors. that was basically all of the pre-generated adventures loosely stitched together in Frankenstein-like like fashion. We, we managed that all from, from beginning to end. But it is... It's difficult. Online play, people don't feel so guilty or bad about stepping out, stepping away, not turning up. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as rude um, to not show up to an online session as it does to not show up to an in-person session. So that's a problem. My regular group meets about every month and a half. We're all friends and have long-term friends outside of gaming anyway. So that, that's something that can help sustain a long-term campaign. Is having you know, close bonds of friendship with the people involved. But we haven't managed to transition that group to online play. We've tried it a couple of times, 
But I think we just miss seeing each other and sharing food and the and the camaraderie there. I'm happy running games online, but transferring that vibe to online just doesn't seem to work. You know, you've got technical issues, all those other problems. So I guess trying to kind of bind all that together, I think being friends outside of gaming helps. Being more open-ended, getting people to buy in, giving people alternative ways to be involved, like downtimes over email, or if they can't make a session, you know, catch up with them at some other point. Hey, what was your character doing while we were doing this? Just you got to keep it going through through one form or another. And when you find those good players, you know, latch onto them like a lamprey and don't don't let them go. Yeah. Yeah, that's largely been my experience, too. Uh, Aaron, I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on this, since you are still very new to the hobby compared to a lot of us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually I've, I've had a lot of luck, I, I'm going to say, with, with this particular thing. So I usually run at least two, play, two games a week, uh, if not three. Uh, right now I'm doing three. Uh, wow. And playing, <laughs> playing in another two. Um, yes. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, but um, so I've had three campaigns that lasted a year. Uh, so basically, those, those have those have been those have gone really well. Um, and then my DCC Chalk game went for another six months, and you know, so I, actually, I think that was closer to nine months. Uh, and then the AD and D game's been for uh, about a year now. Um, but and that's not what I'm running. But anyway, uh, I have noticed that uh, there are some some particular things that seem to be the binding. Uh, aspects and one of them is uh, obviously buy-in. I think that's a huge thing, and that can be an issue because of a lot of things. For one, player expectations. A lot of players have this particular, you know, especially in the modern gaming scene, they want to have their OC. I don't know if you've heard the term. For oh, me, yeah. It's kind of a red flag. It's kind of a red flag term. But uh, basically, they have that. They, oh, you know, I've developed this character. They're so awesome. They're so awesome. I can't wait to play them. And then they play them, and then they they don't really mesh with the, the game well. Everything kind of kind of crashes and burns. And this isn't a problem oh, yeah. that I've had at my tables because my the the players that I've had have been more, I would say, invested in the world. If you have a game where the world is kind of the focus, then you know, obviously, you don't have this uh, dramatic issue with uh, my player character doesn't jive with this game uh, or I'm not getting the particular feature I wanted because what they want to do is they want to experience the world. So whenever that buy-in has happened, there's been success. Uh, whenever that fell apart, there was a failure. So uh, I just started a DCC hubris game that I was really excited oh. about. And um, for the most part, it seemed like it was going fairly well. But uh, within a few sessions, I was like, I could already tell that we, I was losing buy-in on some of this. And it was kind of getting that critical mass. And I was like, well, I could try and, you know, keep trying to resuscitate this thing for, you know, the next uh, few weeks and see what happens. Or I could just call it now and then kind of like regroup and say, all right, now what kind of game are we interested in running? Because clearly, you know, I'm pr trying to present a dark, messed up world here. I, I censored myself, uh, you know, and the, here, here I have players that are wanting to play characters that are, you know, the the light, the, the knight in shining armor, you know, trying to. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is this is supposed to be really messed up. Where like, if you're if you're gonna play things straight, then you're probably gonna get murdered within, you know, before you turn ten years old. You know, so uh, I, I think that buy-in is just 
hundred percent, uh, and also luck, you know. So usually the 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 games that I had that they lasted at least a year, um, it would kind of get to a point where there's there's some kind of important uh chain in the in in this uh this link that is about to break. And then I'm like, all right, let's go ahead and finish this thing. You know, so I had one player who was I, I feel like I- integral to the 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 spirit of the game. And, you know, he provided rides for everybody, showed up with snacks. He took notes. He was incredibly invested and uh, it meant it brought the other players up. And then there was a point where he had a change in his schedule. You know, so um, my generation, we changed jobs a lot, uh, a lot more than perhaps the uh, the older generations might. Uh, And so there are a lot of players that are going to be in and out, that kind of thing. And so whenever you have have that kind of thing happen. You know, that's that's tended to be where it fell apart or or you have a TPK that everybody's like, you know, I'm pissed off. I don't want to play anymore. But that's how my second campaign ended. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's go ahead. We'll move to we'll move to Heathen Dog. We'll save Max for last. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, game longevity and uh, and how to how to recreate what what many of us had in the past where we had long-term games. Well, um, the, the big problem now is I think the, the way that uh, Watsi turned to when they, when they changed D and D from uh, game setting focused to uh, just generic focus like uh when when they got rid of dark sun ravenloft like i don't i don't play dnd i play ravenloft oh we want to get rid of that that that's not dnd yeah dumbass it's still dnd all right you're, you're you're still making money you're still selling books now you're selling more of them all right because the uh, back in the day it was the world it was the it was the 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 entirety of the fleshed out world that people could immerse themselves in that brought them back to the table every week because how can my character thrive in a world that that uh, has to be navigated in this certain way? They they would invest in the world and then by just rubbing off, I guess, invest in their character, trying to push their character to success through the tribes and tribulations of this world. Now, to try and recreate that effect as a dungeon master... I have to resort to psychologically manipulating my players like little children. I it, it sounds like I have no respect for them. I do. I respect them as people, but at, but as players, I have to I have to mess with their little tiny brains, and I have to do it. Now I have to I have to uh, trick them into wanting to come back. The easiest way to do that is to end every single game session. With a kind of cliffhanger. Uh, and on a cliffhanger. Exactly. Another cliff. Every single situation. I will stop at a point at an emotional high where they know something is about to happen or something just happened. And I will stop before the final resolution. That'll uh, get them yeah. to come back. Yeah. If you can pull That'll that up. to come back. Another another way to to try try and ensure longevity is to uh, what I've had success with this in the past is at the end of every game session, I will, uh, that I, I did this with, uh, with my uh, old world of darkness mage campaign. 
Uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if I if I, if I did it with Max Liao, but I, I did it with my the with the people I played with here. Uh, where at the end at the end of every game, they would uh, I would ask them to write down things that they've learned that shows that their character has grown in some way. And for each one that was thoughtful or I agreed with or was, you know, whatever, I would I would give them one one uh, one experience point, you know. Now, the the this single experience point in the beginning of the game is really great in the world of darkness, but later on it's like one point whatever, you know. That's not going to do anything for me. I got to I got to I got to have 64 points to raise one dot, you know, what the hell. But what it does is it it tricks them into investing themselves into their character. And then that will make them come back because they, they want to uh, be that character again. They want to role play that character again. So basically my answer is, uh, is you have to, you have to trick the player to either be invested in the world, invested in their character, or use, use uh, cinematic tricks like cliffhangers to get them to come back next week to find the resolution. You know, it's the whole who shot JR thing, right? Oh, oh yeah. God, I just dated myself big time on that one. <laughs> that is really that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, at, at the end at the end of a TV show, you have that giant cliffhanger because they know it's going to be six, seven, eight months before it starts up again and you want to keep people coming back. But you, you have to do that, not every game session, but every couple of game sessions, you have to have that cliffhanger to get some people to want to come back to revitalize their interest in the game. So those are my three methods, a really, really an interesting and fleshed out world, uh, tricking them into, into, uh, uh, investing into their own characters by, by making them think about their characters, progress and future or cliffhangers. Every once in a while you throw out a cliffhanger that'll make people want to come back. Yeah. Those are the only ways I have succeeded in the in the in the in the current in the current decade and last decade of of keeping a long term campaign. Yeah, those are some damn good answers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Max, your turn, buddy. Save the best for last. Actually, that's not going to be true in this case. I actually only have one thing to add to this, but I want to piggyback on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, OGGM said. Uh, Eight hours at eight hour gaming. That that is one of my issues right now. Is I can't get anybody to want to play for more than three hours. I can't run a three hour game. Just gonna tell you that my games are eight hours, sometimes ten. And you know we'll take a break to eat, so on and so forth. But uh, you know between the combat, the role playing, so on and so forth. And uh, Heathen Dog knows he was in uh, one of my games. It's every week. <laughs> like like uh, you know you're giving up a Sunday. Well, football season. We're giving up a Saturday. Uh, in order yeah. to in order to do this uh that that it's kind of that commitment thing and i forget who mentioned it but whoever mentioned commitment that's that kind of ties in with the commitment side of it um but yeah that's one of the things now i understand the people who say you don't want to play online for more than three four hours i get that because i like watch bruce lombardo for example run games and will i like you know, the interaction with the channel, first of all, I distract the crap out of them. I'm sure they're not appreciative of that. But uh, but uh, but uh, even even with that, 
I don't know. It's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. Like talking with you guys about opinionated stuff is fun. I couldn't imagine sitting here and being in character and playing a role-playing game, not, not for much longer than three hours, but sitting yeah. around a table, looking at each other and feeding off like the emotion. And then, you know, Hey, uh, did you, Hey, did you do this? Uh, can we do that? You know, whether it's tactical or role-playing or whatever, absolutely. I, I could feel that. I, I guess is a, uh, you know, is my issue on that. Um, one of the things that I would say, and I, somebody hinted at it, but uh, with greater popularity, people have more options now, and they're absolutely going to be more apt to leave. So it's like, you know, I mean, the hobby's bigger. For better or worse, generally speaking, I would say better. The hobby's bigger, that means there's more options. How many of you, and, I, and I'm asking this just for a quick response from you guys, how many of you out there have struggled to find a DM? Or are the DM because nobody else will do it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I, I'm I'm the forever DM always, even right? outside of online. I've been the forever DM up until this year. This year was the year that changed. <laughs> but but you know what I'm talking about then. Yep. Sometimes once you find that DM, even if the game isn't the greatest, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to stick it out. Now if it gets too bad, people leave, so and so forth. But but generally speaking, if you're willing to be a DM, you have a higher possibility of having that long term campaign. It it seems like well, duh. But how many games have you played in that? fell apart after like three or four sessions as you as the player. So uh, let's see, what else did I put down here? Uh, da, 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 da. So it talked about, you know, the, yeah, the online consistency thing. Um, yeah. Being in person kind of hits what Grim was saying as far as that commitment. I think, because I think once you, once you tell somebody I'm going to be over at your place or we're going to meet at the gaming store or something. Once you have to leave your house and everybody's leaving the house, taking that 15, 30, 45 minute drive, whatever, you know what? This person's counting on me being there. It isn't just a button click to, to talk online. And then uh, do, 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 do. somebody said in chat that having a known group of people, like a core group of friends, is by far the best way to go. And I agree with that. Heathen Dog and I, you know, just for example, we were stationed in the Air Force together with Garthon and some other people and so forth. And we knew each other. We knew each other. We had that bond from being in the Air Force. We knew that everybody's going to be there every week. We knew our jobs, blah, blah, blah. And, and when I'm back home in Minnesota, it's the same thing. When I'm with my group of friends, we can play. But random gaming store, it's more like Monster of the Week stuff. And I don't know about you guys, so that just doesn't interest me so much. And then uh, I'm going to make one other comment, and then I'm going to add the one new thing. And But I, I have to be very clear about this, that my, so far to this day, my heyday in this was in the 90s. Before I met Heathen Dog, and Heathen Dog was there for kind of the end of it, even though I did some after I got out of the Air Force in the early 2000s. Gaming is so much different now. I tried to run a game, I think I started in 2017, and I ran it for a few weeks, and it was the most god-awful game. I'm admitting it. It was the most god-awful game. It's because, number one, I thought it was like riding a bike, which I think to some degree it is, but I hadn't recognized the changes in the gaming hobby. And again, people on their phones. Like, I, I, I have some very strict rules at my table. I'm going to date myself a little bit, but no, Bob, you don't get to have your Game Boy at the table while we're playing the game. Yeah, this. <laughs> right. No. Unless, unless you're expecting your kids to send you a message, get that thing off the table. I don't, I don't pass around the phones with the memes and so forth. What's up, Grim? We deal with that by people using their phones for the dice rollers or character sheets so that oh. they're actively using the phones for the game. That's I actually do this. Yeah. I actually do the same thing with my groups. Okay. Yeah. You've edumacated me. I like that idea. That that's that's a good one. Um, which will lead me into the one thing that I think that uh, that I do 
and he, again, Heathen Dog is somewhat aware of this because he's seen me do it, is I keep characters poor. If a module says at first level you're going to get a thousand gold and two magic items, <laughs> no, you're not. That's not going to happen. You're going to get enough gold to, to gear up one player. Now, I don't math it out like that, but generally speaking, that's what it's going to be. You're not gearing up everybody. And what it is, is it continually has them a goal for them to strive for. Also, I want characters or the players for their characters to write down what is it you want. You know, somebody in our forums, I, I don't, I know who I want to say it is, but somebody in our forums, you know, pointed out there that, oh, the bard wanted some daggers or a loot or whatever the hell it was. And he was all pissed off about that. I want you to tell me that. And I will try to throw that in the game for you as long as it's not game breaking. But no, I'm not just going to hand it to you. You're going to adventure for it or, or you're going to have to pay for it or the, or the party's going to have to pool things together to make that happen. That way, they're all invested. Well, who do we gear up first? Almost like an MMO. I hate to say it, but uh, you know, this is even though this is before MMO times. Who are we going to gear up first? Well, let's gear up the tank first. Then let's gear up the healer. All right, all right. You know, thief. You you know, you've been stealing crap anyway, so you know, you probably have all the shit you need anyway. But 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 you get what I'm saying. Keep them yeah. poor, not so poor that they're not having fun, but that they that they always are striving for that next thing. And then when they get it, they feel it. They're like I got it. This is awesome. I mean, like with with magic items. If you're level three, the chance of you having a magic item in one of my games is next to none. Unless it's a magic item with charges or something like that. I just don't believe in handing it out. Now, by level five, you're for sure going to have them because you're going to be fighting things that require like a plus one to hit. Mind you, I'm talking AD&D or second edition AD&D here. I don't know about fifth edition at all. But but you see what I'm saying. These people come to me with characters and like, oh, it's level three with a plus four. No, that's never going to happen. You can just write that off. I'm not going to let you keep that, you know. Yeah. So... But I, I hope I hope that kind of answers that I, again, not to be a dick, but keep them wanting more. Now, combine that with what Heathen Dog said, end them on cliffhangers and end them on on something that makes them want to come back for, dare I say the word, the story, uh, you know, and you've got a combination there. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> oh, wait, you, you said story. You swore. Well, look, <laughs> <laughs> five-letter word is a four-letter word. All right, that's 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 all I've got. Yeah. All right, uh, G and Dave, can can you read the the comments? Can you scroll through there and? Sure. Let me see. Where did we leave off? Uh, I don't remember where about we left off. All right, I think I'm. I think I'm there. Uh. So. Perfect. Yeah, Indigo Dragon begins with, uh, I've never been part of a long campaign like that. It makes me sad. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the experience of most people out there, it seems like. And with uh, with the age of the internet making things shorter and shorter, it seems like that's going to continue to be the case unless we can find some real clever tricks to fix it. Uh, Wizard Jim follows up with, my current campaign has lasted two years and going strong. Rotating DMs is a good idea, not just because it lets everyone be a player and a DM, but keeps the game fresh. That's a very good point, uh, which, I mean, in my own experience, that's one of the things that has been a quick killer of games, aside from just scheduling issues, is just people start to get bored of it, which, uh, I mean, Mac, Max, you were bringing up all the points you were bringing up, uh, Max, and then you as well, Heathen Dog, for me, it just, yeah, it sounds like doing things to keep the game fresh, doing things to keep it exciting, to keep, you know, that investment stuck in the game. It's absolutely key. 
Well, uh, I, I, have, I have to add something in for for, for Wizard GM. Uh, ro rotating dungeon masters, or 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 for Grim games masters, uh, it is a uh, it it can be difficult if you don't have the right core group of people. Some people don't have the desire or even the ability to be to be a a, a dungeon master. They just don't. And a, a, a lot of us understand that because a lot of us are the forever DM, you know, because because no one else wants to do it or no one else thinks they can do it as well or whatever. So Wizard Jim, the, you have an amazing group if, if everyone can be a DM that everyone else likes and wants to rotate. That is awesome for you. And I am jealous and I, I hate you just a little bit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I had to hate oh, it. That's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wizard Jim again follows up. If you want a long game, don't play with randos online. Yeah, play with play with people you know. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing to add to that. Um, let's see here. And yeah, a bunch of comments about uh, about, <laughs> about my death, my brief death here. Indigo Dragons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um. Grim hires Legion of Myths stream IQ. <laughs> Dude, you gotta shut your wife up, all right? Come on. Uh, Noro Ryukus, it's a new generation thing. Job changes, schedule changes. People can't keep staying the group to play the games or any other activities. I hear some complaints from nerd friends in Tokyo as well. Uh, and as uh, Max pointed out earlier, Bloodworth did get a chance to join us here, at least in the chat. So I actually want to piggyback on, on that comment uh, because it was something I kind of forgot to say is like, I've moved across the world so much. Now it, you could say I've been in Germany 10 years, partially true. Um, maybe I could have done something more here, but I wasn't expecting that necessarily. So since I got, believe it or not in the air force, I was more stable than after getting out of the air force. Again, this is something Ethan dog knows how many, t how long have I been in any one location? So a long campaign would have been difficult for me. Uh, you know, in that regard. So it's something I'm hoping that in my new location I go to that uh, I can find that core group like uh, what uh, it Wizard Jim was talking about. Yeah. Uh, let's see Indigo here. got something for you for Paizo, GM Dave. Yeah. Although Paizo isn't the best company, the one thing Paizo does is try to support long-form campaigns with adventure paths designed to go from level 1 to level 18 to 20. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that is that is something I can credit to them. I've played a couple of their adventure paths back when I used to play Pathfinder, which I'm talking like 10 years ago now. Um, they weren't they weren't too bad. I mean, at, at least in terms of uh, building something that could last a longer period, but it's it still runs into a lot of those same problems. You still run into the scheduling issues. You still run into pacing issues. Pretty much everything that was mentioned here. Really, you got to have the group has to be able and willing to stick through with it, especially especially if you're playing online. There's just so much you have to change about this to make that work. Uh, it's just even when you have tools like that, it's still a huge challenge. Uh, Mar Hawkman, yeah. So for Max, it's in large part about hanging out and not just the game. <laughs> uh, and let's see. Lost my place. I'm bad at this. <laughs> uh, Wizard Jim again. Published AD&D adventures are often remarkably treasure rich. We played the haunted halls of Evening Star recently and came up with a couple thousand GP worth of gems and 16 magic items. 
that is, yeah, that's true. Um, I got, I remember getting my start and my actually very first thing, very first game I played was uh, third edition. Um, I know Max, you're going to hate that. <laughs> uh, third edition Sunless Citadel. And by the time we got out of that, I, I didn't think about it at the time because I was nine years old, but thinking back on it now, the the amount of equipment, the amount of shit that we had that we could play around with that we could do was kind of ridiculous. Time out, time time out, time out. You were nine years old with thirty. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, bring on. <laughs> yeah. Um. My prostate problems are older than you. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My artificial hips order. <laughs> hey, man, I never said I was that old. I'm only in my mid 30s. <laughs> get out of here, you dang kid. <laughs> you say you big get off my lawn. All right. Dog. Now, uh, yeah. I, I, I did see a question from uh, uh, someone I haven't seen before um, Asura. Uh, what are the scenarios you have made that you are most proud of? And uh, if you would answer that in the in terms of longevity, in the next one, that's the next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, in terms of uh, proud of having lasted <laughs> as long as it did. Yeah, in terms of proud of lasting as long as it did. Um, funny enough, actually, it ties into one of the Paizo adventure paths when uh, I had a guy that I knew wanted to learn. Pathfinder, I figured simplest way for me to do that would just be grab an adventure path because then I could focus on teaching him how to play. And uh, one of my longtime friends, uh, a guy I've gamed with and known for 17 years now, out of the blue, completely derailed one of our sessions and turned it from what was supposed to be moving into the last, last leg, the last segment of the middle portion of the adventure completely derailed it by turning it into a uh, a player versus player chase because he had beef with one particular NPC and wanted to see that guy dead. And more and more moments like that started happening where the more experienced players, the ones that I've known longer, the ones that I've gamed with longer, would take the reins into their own hands, surprise everyone else, and rebuild that investment. Make those moments like you were talking about, Heathen Dog, where you get those cliffhangers, you get that investment, and it starts feeling like, hey, you know, we're not just walking along the rails of an adventure path, we're actually affecting the world. Um, so really, for, for myself, oddly enough, the, the moments that I'm the most proud of are the moments where I could see an opportunity for me to sit back let them do something and then let them the experience, the consequences of what they did. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. Those are good. Like we just talked about that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where were we here? Uh, Mar Hawkman, if you're going to give players 1000 gold, you probably need to give them 1500 worth of things to spend the thousand gold on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that goes back to the old modules and just the Gygax level of ridiculous money. And then you go into, you know, town and it's like, what am I going to spend this on? 
Yeah. What do I need? Destroying economies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the main goal of adventuring back in the day was not adventuring, it was just destroying small towns' economies. Yeah. Drop Magical a platinum research piece in, in, in a village and then yeah. have have everything just fall apart. The, <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole trade system of the area just be destroyed by your platinum piece. Yeah. Exactly. Just ridiculously overpaying for simple things. I'll give you Aaron, Aaron, Aaron made a really good point right there. I don't see DMs actually do that, though, force players to actually pay for the magical research. Man, I'm, I'm running my uh, my old school essentials public game where, you know, they are spending money on all kinds. Sorry, microwave. <laughs> they, they're, they're spending their money on all kinds of stuff. There's no shortage. And they come up with with new things because we're using mundane items like crazy. You know, it, it, there there was recently a, uh, a massive shortage of dogs because, you know, they were using dogs as a buffer and something went wrong. And uh, so now now they're having to come up with with other schemes. And now you have people wanting to build strongholds, you know, because you need you need money to be able to do it. And uh, doing so will let you have a little bit more control about what enters the region. And, you know, all this all this kind of stuff are the kinds of things we're working with. So I you know, a lot of times it's just level of engagement. You know, if, if you're doing the epic game, especially like a, fi a 5e game. Yeah, you don't need gold for anything. Everything is given to you on your character sheet. So, yeah, yeah, and that's really the the key thing with maintaining any long long term campaign is you have to find ways to maintain that engagement. Um, and uh, looking looking back in the chat, I can see two more comments that directly relate, but uh, the rest of it just seems to be good discussion from everybody back and forth with each other, which is always nice to see. Uh, Wizard Jim for Heathen Dog says, I do have an awesome group. I am worthy of your hate. <laughs> and uh, Noro would like to say to Max, be nice to, be nice to the young people. <laughs> you didn't read the most important comment from her. She was surprised that Heathen Dog hasn't banned her yet. Yes, she's away. because I'm not on my normal PC. Uh, she's, away, was, she's away from her she's computer right now feeding the cats. She'll be back after she's done feeding the cats. So uh, we, we, I've got a reprieve for a little bit. By the way, for those who aren't aware, that's my wife, actually. So. All right. Well, thank you, GM Dave. Thank you. All right. Shoot. Who's next? Max? Uh, I'm last, so I think um, I think actually the OG GM or because uh, Aaron was going to pull one off the list because I think his wasn't so uh, so crazy controversial either. Sorry, mine's not controversial. I could go controversial if you want to. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't planning on it. This is our first time, but you know. But you first, let, let's let's introduce you, the OG GM, and uh, now show yourself. Tell uh, we got web pages and stuff for you here. Hello, well, uh, I YouTube. Oh GM. I'm the host of a YouTube channel called the OG GM Adventures, and I've now just started a second one called Fish Shorts to experiment with the spiffing briefs uh, break the algorithm thing, if anybody watched that video uh, about how shorts break the algorithm. But yes, I'm the host of the OG GM Adventures. Normally, I just do um, news, uh, GM tips, uh, monthly themes like build an adventure, and then occasionally I will go uh, either intentionally or unintentionally controversial. So usually sometimes I will be uh, intentionally controversial simply because I am a heel. So, um, and you know, for some reason the, con the controversial ones tend to get more views than the actually interesting ones. So 
Uh, I also do something called, uh, you know, food, I occasionally do food things where I will, you know, do the I will eat it so you don't have to adventures, but those are rare because it's just too expensive. So mostly, yeah, just news and commentary. All right. So uh, this, my topic to, I wasn't planning on going controversial. So uh, <laughs> it follows kind of up on something that uh, Aaron uh, talked about in uh, creating um, unnecessary challenges. Uh, we hear a lot about, you know, player um, advocacy and DM advocacy, but one thing we tend to not talk about enough is adventure advocacy. And I think the one thing over and over and over again, especially with newer players and newer DMs that I have found is the, especially if like you're running a module, module, um, one of my favorites, um, you know, and you get locked into this has to happen, you know, A to B to C has to happen. And then what is the one complaint, the one universal complaint that game masters have had throughout history that's the players aren't doing what they're supposed to do and i think that breaks down into and this is you know talking about controversy uh, uh creating unnecessary things is if you let the players be their own worst enemies you you can do the least amount of work and it usually breaks down into three main things the first is what i call the grandma's house scenario which is no matter how hard you try for some reason, they want to go someplace else. They want to go to grandma's house. And you're like, no, you have to go to the temple. And they're like, and then the and the more you fight them to go to where you need them to go to, the more they will rebel. Uh, and the best way I have found is, you know, is the remember, you know, and I've had this problem too, where I've table flipped and seen DMs table flip where they just they're not going where I want them to go, and they've just completely ruined the adventure. And then suddenly it dawned on me, I can just move it. Because until they're actually there, it's intangible. So if the module says they have to go to the giant king's blah to get the MacGuffin, but they're going to grandma's house, move the MacGuffin to where they're going. And once I started practicing that, and once I started telling DMs, you know, get out of that locked box and understand that as long as the trigger happens, it doesn't have to happen where the module says it happens, you know? R2 doesn't have to give the plans to Luke. The plans just have to end up in somebody's hands. So that's the first one. The second one, of course, is the, the cute and fuzzy scenario where um, they, fall in love with an NPC and they suddenly become so obsessed with the NPC. And then you're just trying to get them to move along, but instead they want to spend the entire adventure buying stuff for the NPC. And again, that's a narrative just where the narrative suddenly breaks down because players have suddenly become infatuated with something innocuous. that has nothing to do with the adventure. And you're like, look, we've only got five hours. I want to get this going. But they're like, no, let's buy Steve more shoes. I am in love with this bear, you know. Um, and again, it suddenly dawned on me and advice that I've shared with other DMs since then is, okay, use this to your advantage. Don't see the fact that they've become infatuated with this DM as this NPC as a bad thing. Use the NPC as your shill. Use the NPC as the plot device to get them to do what you wanted them to do with the first place. 
have the NPC be now, if they're in love with the NPC, fine. Use the NPC, you know, Lois Lane, the NPC, have them get kidnapped every week. So I think the second, that's the second one. So let us, uh, we will, we'll see if we can get to the third one, depending upon how everybody responds to how, um, tricks to get regain control. And again, this follows on Aaron's thing about unnecessary challenges. And my response is you don't have to unnecessarily challenge them because you're old, you're lazy. You want to do as little work as possible as a DM. So let them create their own disasters, you know, let them stick the head in the glowing sphere at the end of the hallway of tomb of horrors, you know, they're going to do it. So why try and stop? All right, who's who's first? Uh, let's go with Aaron, since this kind of was inspired by his thing All right. yesterday. All right, so I'm uh, still trying to trying to keep uh, my my cursing in order until uh, what was it segment two? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to worry about that. Okay. Oh, pop okay. Gaff, thank you. Uh, yeah, because right. every time someone curses, I just put up the subscribe button. It's fine. Okay. All right. Well, listen here, you son of a bitch. Going on <laughs> my channel, talking to my commenters, and then. Uh, presenting an awesome video for them. How dare you? How dare Hi. you? Uh, but <laughs> it was it was it was really cool. I, I have a lot of respect for you know just somebody asking you a question in the comments. You're like, well, here's a video. I think that was really cool. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, so what you say is true. I, I I completely understand that. I do have you know there's some points of contention I would make that are mostly on the side of the kind of game that I'm running, you know, so uh, moving, moving the, uh, you know, the, uh, well, MacGuffin, um, there is no MacGuffin really. And as far as all that kind of stuff goes, it's like, well, it, I, I run mostly player directed as far as uh, they decide the direction that it goes. I just put a world down. Uh, and uh, so as far as that goes, you know, if there is uh, nothing that uh, is particularly challenging about a particular spot, chances are it's be, it, there's there's nothing really to gain there. And so they have their own objectives in mind. And uh, if they're going to dilly-dally, well, I mean, they're not really going to, to get anywhere. There is a certain point where I would say, okay, um, are you sure that this is the game you want to play in? Uh, because maybe this is going to bring things down for the rest of the players. But uh, once you have that uh, that buy-in, it's not really an issue. So most of the challenge in my game comes from, you know, risk versus reward. If there is something to be gained, there is a lot that you can lose. You know, uh, they in this this happens very organically. You know, so uh, they they decided recently to go into a the lair of a uh, a, a mage, a very powerful magic user. And uh, obviously, there's a lot to be gained. There's you know all kinds of uh, spell scrolls. There's potions. There's just all kinds of all kinds of stuff. But there's also so much to lose because you know whenever you're dealing with them, you're dealing with magical traps. You're dealing with the potential of encountering somebody who can wipe out an entire party. You know with with uh, a single utterance. You know all that kind of stuff. And also, uh, I just utilize a lot of procedures to make sure that things remain tense. So that way. Uh, I'm not. I'm not having to move things behind the scenes. It, it's it's already set, and uh, they know what the stakes are, and then they go for things. I mean, sometimes they don't know what the stakes are, but that's whenever they try and do some reconnaissance. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't do a whole lot of that that uh, moving stuff around. I, I guess I would say. Um, and really, for me, the artificial challenge thing I have a problem with is 
um, a, a lot of what people do in in fifth edition and um, you know maybe may, maybe Pathfinder, and I think that's kind of like a probably a, a almost a requirement with Pathfinder, just because the the scale goes so incredibly high, uh, and a lot of DMs have issues with trying to keep up with the power levels or whatever, but. Um, you know, just basically increasing the hit die of, of the orc to where now you have a 15 hit die orc because, you know, they're able to take it down in one round, you know, kind of thing. That's one of the artificial uh, challenges that I'm desperately against. Um, I'll, I'll pass it on because I'll, I'll keep rambling. Rambling <laughs> okay. away, sir. Who's next, OG? Uh, let's see. Uh, Grim looks very intense there, so. That's just my resting bitch face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and there we are. We get another yeah. subscribe. <laughs> I don't like published campaigns, and I don't like to overprepare because it feels like a straitjacket. So when I'm running my own games, I don't have a plan. I have some free-floating... Yeah. ideas of things that are going that need to happen that are going to happen that I can move around here and there it's also why I prefer low preparation games um because Those you just great. don't have the you don't have the option when something is really complicated like like fifth edition d and d I mean it's not as complicated as third edition but you you can't just pull an encounter out of your ass particularly easily um in that kind of game encounters need to be balance to some degree you need to have all the monster stats and everything ready whereas other games like some of the more narrative games that i'm not particularly a narrative game fan i am in the middle i i'm i'm aaron on that topic <laughs> so <laughs> other games you can just okay uh right they've got 25 points of armor and the stat plus skill is 12 you know, and then you can just happily run along with with that, and that that's enough. But for me, yeah, when I'm running my own games, they're they're free floating. I, I I don't want to railroad. I want them to have, if not genuine choice, an illusion of choice. <laughs> so these encounters are going to happen, but where and how they're going to happen, or or where and how the information is going to be dropped, that's that's free floating. Yeah, so yeah, I don't, that's kind of what I mean, yeah. Yeah. So when I do write scenarios for publication, it's really going against my own personal philosophy of gaming. But there isn't really a good way to write down that kind of style of GMing. Uh, White Wolf tried in some of their later adventure paths and modules and things, but it, it's it's not something you can pin down on paper very very well, unfortunately. All right. Uh. Uh, is it Hearth Dog? I guess the Heathen, Heathen Dog. Yes. All right. Uh, I'm wearing the wrong shirt to answer this question. Max knows. Uh, player agency is my enemy. The yeah. the player does what I want, whether the player likes it or not. And the trick is to to make the player think that it was their idea. So uh, module play. I love module play. Every uh, I, I started modules. I love doing modules when when I make my own when I make my own world and my own overarching uh, campaign. In my mind, it is in module format. Yeah, there are milestones that the that the players need to get to. There are things they need to do. They need to get the the mysterious aforementioned MacGuffin. 
to 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 defeat the Lich King, and to defeat the Lich King, they have to do that be, before they they can uh, they they can even try and encounter the Frost Queen later on. You know, as they get higher and higher in level, the the, the you know the the world the world gets in more and more in danger until it's finally saved. Yay, team! When you're twentieth level, you're finally saved, and we can move on to to a, a new game. Uh, I uh, force my players to move to my milestones by tricking them as much as possible. Whatever works, I do. The only, the only rule is they can't realize that I'm railroading them. They have to have the illusion of agency at all times because it makes them feel good. I don't want them to feel good. I want them to be good. That's that's the difference. I don't care. I don't care what they feel like. I I I care what their characters succeed at. I want their characters to succeed. Sometimes a player, I'm sure everyone here has had this instance, will actively fight their own goals for some ephemeral reason that you can't wrap your brain around. <laughs> you, you cannot understand why the character doesn't want to go to the temple because they know at the temple is that sword that not only will make them badass, but they know they will need it later to do something they want to do. But for some reason, they will, they will jack off on over here. Yeah. And I, I just subscribed myself. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so my, my, my job and, and, uh, and my, my view on this as a, as a game master is to, is to invisibly pull strings on these fools to to get them to to finish the story that I painstakingly created. It, it it it's a module. I always run modules. And Grim doesn't like them. I understand that. I get it. But uh when with 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 printed modules and and campaigns that I create, I do my best and, and the people who made the modules that I run have done their best to make not only a compelling, but a satisfying story as yeah. long as the players follow along. Now you Those can't are four letter word, subscribe yourself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You, you can't make them follow along. You have to trick them into following along. And I'm all about fooling the players. It makes me feel good as a person. Does that make me bad? Yeah. Okay. Fine. It, it makes me a bad guy. All right. Fine. I, I, I'll I'll own it. I'll, I'll put on that hat. I'm, to I'm to, bad, to I'm be clear, Heathen Dog has an entire video. We've we've got. I don't know what episode it was, but in our segment two playlist, he's got an entire video on on, on this philosophy. Yeah, on the on the philosophy of of uh, of Geppettoing all these all these bastards in, into what I want them to do. So uh, freeform gaming, I. I loathe. I loathe it. Sandbox gaming is my enemy. Complete enemy. Because it's not fun for me. I hate it. Because I hate not knowing what the characters are going to do. Now, I understand that a lot of players hate the, the rigid rail structure. Well, they because see. they want to do what they want to do. So my compromise is me tricking them into thinking they're getting what they want, but really the only person getting what they want is me. That's 
that's my answer. So uh, module uh, uh, to, to keep people in a module, uh, what, what the OGGM was saying, everything, every, the, those three examples he gave was tricking the player into continuing the quest. And I agree with every single one of them. Any, any underhanded tactic you can do to trick your, your, uh, your players into continuing your module like quest is fair game. As long as they don't realize you're railroading them. Yeah, totally. Because if once they realize that, now they feel you, well, no, now they know that they're being used. As long as they don't understand they're being used, they can have fun. So that's that's what I do. So this yeah. kind of sounds like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on that one. That's Trick them. Cool. Uh, I guess uh, Dave and Max. So uh, uh, we'll let Max go because normally he seems to be going last. Yeah. Actually, I want to defer my time to Aaron to counter that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, it's just wild, wildly different, you know, because I mean, uh, we. So my my public game, you know, we've been running for what like six weeks, and I've had probably at least fourteen PC deaths. Um, the, the 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 quest the quest is basically to reach name level. Uh, and to be the first one to do it, perhaps, uh, and to, you know, to lay down roots and things like that. So it's, it's world focused. It's, it's, you know, but the, the, uh, the kind of organic emergent play is really what the, um, you know, what, what ends up consuming people, you know, they, they just, they're, the players are just, you know, coming together in the discord and having all kinds of ideas about what they're going to do. But, uh, you know, ultimately when we get together, we're going into the dungeon, you know, that that's, that's what, that's what the time at the table is devoted to. So it's just entirely different, you know? Uh, so there, there's really no, no point in like contesting or fighting over it. You know, we're just playing different games, basically. Uh, even if we're playing the, the same game, technically, you know, see now that is a reasonable answer. It didn't turn into some, uh, I'm waiting to see a couple of people in chat go crazy. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to take my time back. <laughs> <laughs> so, expected I, more blood. I know. I was waiting. I like. I wanted to turn this into a real segment too. No, um, it's not Aaron's <laughs> style. Let's let's be honest about that. So, um, I used to get stuck on, on that problem. It used to really, really bother me. Like red in the face, bother me. Like, no, you're not doing this. You're doing it wrong. Without the uh, the idiosyncrasy, without the uh, subtlety of of like what Heathen Dog would do, I just get pissed and be like, no. That was a long time ago. I, I don't do that anymore. What, what I learned over the years, and Heathen Dog's probably bored of me saying this, but uh, and I think I heard Aaron say it on a stream or something recently, is I love timelines. I don't care what you do. Because if you do nothing, this timeline is still going to progress. Yeah. You know, so I, some of the things, like you said, like move the MacGuffin or, or you know, the, you know, Yes, I've had to do that. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm willing to. Sometimes I'm not willing to do it. You chose not to get the MacGuffin that would save you. Was it Heathen Dog said the sword? You you chose not to get the sword. Sucks to be you. This is gonna be a tough fight. You know? Yeah, uh, you know it. It kind of depends on the game. It depends on the group. It depends. You know, it depends on certain things. But ultimately, like you said, being lazy, I put too much thought. My my biggest problem is both a player and a game master is I overthink. It's why I hate puzzles, especially when the puzzle's easy. Because I'm always looking for the trick, and I'm always wrong. 
It's like, dude, you could have just done that and everybody won. You were trying to take stuff, teleport it over there, you know, stick it in your butt, you know, whatever. It's just, it's, I overthink way too many things on that. And I, and I think I do that as a defense mechanism or anything else. So, so I, I've just decided, you know what? You go where you want to go. I gave you enough hints. And, I, and one of the things, so like with traps and puzzles, I learned something. I want to say I read this in a book, but I can't guarantee it. Maybe I heard it from one of you awesome guys. I don't know. But always give people three ways through a puzzle. Ooh. The right way, an alternate way, and if the other one has to be it, just have them crash down the door or whatever it happens to be. Because, And give them the hints for it as well. Because the first hint, like, uh, again, I forget who said it, but it's like the characters are just not going to listen to you. It's a big red flag saying, warning, warning, do not press the red button. Or, okay, let's use the, to the Temple of, uh, 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 not Temple of Elemental Evil, what's, it, what's that? Yeah, Tomb of Horrors. Whoa, look, it's a big black ball suspended in the middle of nothing. How, how many people are going to stick their head in this? Uh, sorry, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but my point being is... Uh, give mul you know give multiples in that but at some point the characters just have to live with the decisions they make and this is where heathen dog and i are different he wants to get them to the end of the story i don't care how the story ends necessarily you could join the bad guys yeah we'll have to have a week or two to break break while i flip the script a little bit but you get what i'm saying like uh so I use timelines. I'm not in a pure sandbox, but I'm also not a story gamer. I'm kind of in the middle. I like campaigns and I like things that, that make sense. So Aaron, I I don't know enough about how you do your game. Yeah, I think but but what's that? I think we have to watch Aaron's game. <laughs> so 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 I can't handle like I would not be in in a campaign or adventure group or whatever long if it just was. So today we're doing Tomb of Horrors. I know this is impossible. Next week we're doing Temple of Elemental. Next week we're doing this other thing. Why? How does all this string together? Ah, it doesn't matter. Nope, I'm out. I, I can't do with that. I have to have something that bridges that, that makes sense. Uh, I, I, I have to have story in the story fact thread. that... Yeah, a, a thread of some sort. Even if yeah. I'm making it up myself, you know, it's not the game master making it up. I'm cool with that. But I have to have something that isn't just, we're playing the first season of Supernatural, Monster of the Week, nobody cares why, or it'll rhyme or reason, you know, until the second half of the season when they start talking about Yellow Eyes again. But outside of that, I don't. I also don't do the heathen dog thing, where it's like this is my story, and it's going to be, it's going to be like this, pop, 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 and now it's getting told. So, um, and the last comment that I had written down here was, uh, I do use the high hit point orc, but only if it makes sense for like what I'm doing. Like, oh, this is the orc that is actually uniting the clans. Now, is it going to be a fifteenth level, you know, uh, shaman, thief, mage, dragonkin? No, 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 no. But it, it, but it, I'll use it in that context. But other than that, no, I don't think I have anything else to add. Yeah, I've got I've got no problem with that. As far as you know, uh, it, basically, you don't you don't raise the hit die just because you want to add challenge. You raise the hit die because it's appropriate to the context. I believe, Dave, you're last. All right. Um, let me start by saying. Uh, hello there, Aaron. I hear that you're a fence-sitting centrist. I'm going to need you to move off that post so that I can firmly saddle myself between Heathen Dog and Grim. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, what, what Max was talking about is pretty much very close to how I tend to handle things. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this in kind of a weird way. I'm the oldest of five siblings. I've got a lot. I've got four younger siblings, uh, including two younger sisters who were like 10 and 12 years younger than me. 
respectively. And, you know, Sorry for your mom. you see a lot of, uh, <laughs> we're all adopted. So none, none, of, them, oh, okay. none of them came from her. Uh, we, so lots of children's programming on in my home growing up, including SpongeBob. And I remember a particular line from one Patrick Starr, we should take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else. I am all for doing that at the start of a game. When I'm trying to build and contextualize the world at the start, I will pull the heathen dog tricks of, I'm, I'm going to railroad you. I'm going to put you where I want you to be. You're going to go there one way or the other. I'm just going to not let you realize that's what I'm doing. If I've got the temple set up in the mountains and you decide to go into the plains, well, I guess that temple's in the plains now. And yeah, you're still going to find but it. When you say that, you have to do this. There you go. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beyond that, in terms of the greater whole of the longer running campaigns that I've done, um, I run it as a, as, a, as, a, as a history. I approach it as a history. I've got key events that I know I want to have happen in that world. Whether the players decide they're going to interact with those events or not, one way or another, they're going to live with the consequences of that. And if I've done it, if I've done my job correctly, if I've made the world engaging for them, if I've made them want to play in the setting that I'm presenting them, if I've made them want to engage with the NPCs, yeah. the, uh, the history, the, the locations, then they're going to follow the things beat by beat as I'm setting it up naturally. If they want to kind of go their own way, okay, yeah, go your own way. If you decide that friend that you've been traveling with for the last 12 sessions, like, well, I'm, we're going to go do something else while they're going over to the port that we just recently learned is now being overtaken by snake men. Well, guess what? That friend of yours is probably going to get captured by those fucking snake men and sacrificed to their God. Put up the subscribe and just drop the F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to live with the consequences of their actions. Those consequences sometimes, depending on what they decide to do, are going to involve their deaths. I am all in, all about, all for playing the Grimdark games. If that means that they're going to do something stupid and they're going to risk their necks in a way that gets them killed, then sorry, your character's dead. Roll up a new one. You don't like it? Tough. Find another table. <laughs> um, but... So, yeah, generally speaking, when it comes to fitting things in the world, fitting players into the game and, and making sure that they feel challenged, that they have that that difficulty, that they feel the, the difficulty and the danger of the world. I mean, yeah, in the end, it's going to boil down. Like, There's, there's going to be the element of luck. I won't shy away from that, but it's going to boil down to their decisions. If, if they make a bad choice, if they split the party, one guy runs off by himself as you as you so pointed out in your own video on this OG, you get the one guy running off the complete opposite direction from everybody else. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're the one who's deciding in this dangerous world full of goblins and monsters and dragons and stuff that can eat you in a couple of bites. You're deciding to run off by yourself. Stick your head in the behind. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but my plot armor, my plot armor. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Plot armor doesn't exist in this world. <laughs> you're going to have to try again. You forgot to buy that. <laughs> Forgot yeah. to buy that. Yeah. That, that, see, that, that's what we were talking about before. That'll be the next thing that my characters will want to buy, and I'll always keep it like five or fifty gold just out of reach. The price just keeps jacking up, inflation. Yeah. And so the other thing that I would note for that too, in order to 
kind of help boost their engagement with that world is, you know, let them play, let them play around with the NP random NPCs they decide to cling to. If you had a character planned for a different NPC, but they decide like, oh, well, I'm more interested in this rando that I met in the tavern. All right, well, you know, retool that character to make it the rando in the tavern. It's fine. You know, be willing to be flexible, be willing to kind of shift things around a bit to make them engaged. So that way when things go wrong, they feel it. And they re hopefully realize, well, it's you know, this is kind of my fault. <laughs> exactly, it was all your fault. Why did I die? You ran off. <laughs> so it kind of feels like we're generally all on the same page, except for Aaron. <laughs> except, for, except for me. <laughs> Aaron and his, his magical sandbox that somehow works that I guess, so either Aaron is the one who's getting it right and we're all getting it wrong. Or... Well, Grim, Grim and Aaron bo both have the idea that, uh, that uh, the, the uh, player uh, has, has the ability to, to uh, a, a greater extent than, than most to set the tone yeah. and pace of the game. Whereas I don't trust the players with the tone or pace of the game because players are uh, uh, inherently more foolish than I am. So I don't I don't trust them like like I wouldn't trust a five year old with a gun. Yeah, and then let me let me make my, on my on my own part. Let me try to make it clear too. When, when I say that I let my players kind of run around and do things and then experience the consequences, these are the experienced players that I know. Yeah. If I'm playing with somebody the first time, or especially if I'm playing a one shot, tough titties, you're sitting on the goddamn railroad. And you're going to experience it as I lead it to you. Once I get you to where you want to be, once you once you're in the dungeon, once you're in the haunted mansion, once you're exploring the the little playground I put up for you, okay, you take whichever route you want. All those tracks are going to lead you, you know, to this to the same resolution one way or another. But you know, past that point, once I know that once I'm once I'm confident that okay, you know, I can trust these players to make some decisions, and you know then they'll have to live with the consequences. They've learned that make a bad choice, you're gonna live with the consequences yeah, in my yeah. game. I, I have a question will, to add to this, yeah. if you guys are cool with this. And and again, quick quick answers if you have time or if you wanna answer. What do you guys think of cutscenes? Like, I, I actually will add cutscenes, narrative cutscenes into the game. They're usually pretty short, but I'll t I tell the players in the session zero, I throw these in and know you are not shooting the bad guy in the head, head while he's giving his, you know, ah, oh, Mr. Bond soliloquy. He's going to monologuing. give it out yeah. there. What's so I uh, monologuing. right? No, no, but I, I do, I do that intentionally. One to kind of give it that little. Uh, I don't want to call it Gonzo, but we'll, I, I like to say it's a 007 feel. But thematic flair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do put that in there. I keep them short, but I always remind the characters: Look, when this happens, you're going to know because I'm going to tell you it's a cutscene. Number one and number two. If anybody says, "I just shoot him in the face," it's just not going to happen. You're going to stand there and you're going to listen to this, and then we're going to roll initiative, and then you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, uh, real quickly? Uh, I've used them. I don't use them a lot, but I think, especially like if you want to do a cliffhanger ending, like Heathen Dog said, or if it's like you know paramountly important you know to have the cutscene or the villain monologue or the the four you know altars combined together and video game level cutscene whatever yeah you know for voltron it's like why why do i just shoot the robot this is taking 20 minutes the cutscene you, you can't shoot the robot <laughs> so yeah i i think is if you use them sparingly especially like to have a cliffhanger or to give that you know your player, your characters don't know what this is going on, but I need to show you this is going on type of thing. You know, Vader talking to the Emperor, kind of thing. Then yeah, I think they're they're cool. 
like any tool in our toolbox. Yeah, uh, I, I use them as well, but I, I tend to I tend to work them into situations where I can set the players in a scenario where they can't reasonably do something to stop the guy from monologuing. I want to have my bad guy monologue. Well, most of the time I'm going to have you captured, stripped of your equipment, and stuck in a cell. You're not going to be able to do much change against the wall if he's deciding to monologue his plan at you. Oh, you well, got magic? Magic field. <laughs> Well, most of the time, it's their agency that ends up getting them stuck in that cell anyway. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I tend, I tend to only use them when I want a scene to be particularly impactful. So I take a bit more time to set the tone, set the scene, describe what's going on, give a give a fuller description. Otherwise, I don't so much like the the cutaway to, like you say, Vader and the Emperor talking. That's a bit too metagamey for me. Unless we're doing a game that is meant to be really cinematic, like Feng Shui, for example, then that kind of that kind of um, that, that and then that kind of cutaway can work um, because you're trying to emulate that style more directly. So I think it works there, but not so much elsewhere. You know, you actually make a good point there, and I probably should have clarified that a little better. I don't like the cutscenes that are away from the character. Like, meanwhile, in blah, 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 oh, and you see it over there. No, 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 no. It's always something that's in front of the character when I do it. But that's, again, that's that's me. It's also, yeah, what, what, what you're running. I mean, right. probably nobody's going to be surprised by my answer. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't do it. Um, the only, really the closest thing I could think of is just the starting scenario whenever we're kicking off a campaign. Uh, and even then it's still focused on, all right, now what is the, the, like, what is the immediate situation and then go. And um, aside from that, I mean, it, it actually was kind of funny because um, I think everybody expected that the first time that I uh, DM'd and uh, you know, so we'd been playing for about a year and then finally at one point, uh, they they asked the big bad um, what uh, what exactly was um, was their deal and you know and basically I said I'm glad you asked and then they all laughed because they knew that that they could they could absolutely just try and stab them and I wouldn't stop them you know I wouldn't stop them from trying um, I I don't really it irritates me anytime and you know this is from my experience as a player it irritates me anytime that that agency is taken away I understand if if you're completely you know um, affected by some kind of in-game thing you know for instance in my dcc game at one point uh there was a fear spell that i used and i i rolled like a nat 20 or something and so it basically everybody was you know just terrified for like 15 minutes and uh so i was just like yeah so she says this and then uh and then after that you know she has she just waits for it to expire to see what your response is going to be um, and you know, but as far as just taking it away from them, no, I, I don't really do that just because I know it would bother me. All right. Uh, OGGM, you ready to wrap this up or do you have more to, more to add? No, that's, that's good for now. I don't want to monopolize too much. I mean, I could talk, you know, for years, but whatever. Well, we uh, I think we all just sort of all said the same thing kind of just different ways except for Aaron but then he's just sort of this magical freak <laughs> I think I'm going to have to wow. talk, talk about my game because y'all 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 are probably really overselling it <laughs> <laughs> You're over can, can you see the chat then yeah how go, go ahead and go through chat 
All right. Uh, how far back should I go? Um, uh, let's see. When did your segment start? As far back as you want, damn it. Longest campaign. So uh, I'm Dragon saying, bring on the controversy. We need something to rant there, about. Part two. There you go. That's, that's, that's about where it started. Yep. Uh, we want more Max Salt. Uh, let's see. Play, play blah, blah, blah. Uh, here's Wizard Jim talked about, uh, you know, player characters adopting Michael the Wizard. Let him, let him take the pets, let him adopt the NPCs, and then make them suffer. Why did you bring this zero-level blacksmith into the tomb of a perpetual death, and now you're upset that he's dead? <laughs> or or you're, you're, you're upset that he's now possessed by some kind of demon lord, and you got to kill him. How the NPC has better stuff than we do? You gave it to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PC falls in love with NPC. GM can now put NPC in danger again. For no, that, that's what you said, Lois Lane. Yeah. Yeah, Lois Lane. Um, uh, Mar Hawkman said, to me, having players fight the DM kind of ruins the game. Isn't that what we're doing? They are constantly fighting us to try and succeed against the challenges that we set. You, oh, you just... no, 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 no. I completely di disagree. The The players are not against the GM. The, the GM the is for the world. The players are against the world. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not, you're not and uh, having an, an antagonistic uh, dynamic with your players is the wrong, is the wrong idea. It, 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 uh, it'll, it'll make I, players I, angry on the table. I'm, the world kills you. That's not my fault. Yeah, Except exactly. When the game you know, master I mean, says I... the players are stupid. Oh, hmm. well, then players are stupid. Lost <laughs> uh, Ogre said, if you want them to go through the dwarven mines, but they insist on going over the mountain, just have frost giant throw boulders at the party till they change their mind. That was the third suggestion I had is when in doubt, throw mooks at them. You know? Yeah. Uh, if, if nothing else is going your way, you have an infinite supply of mooks to throw at them. So if you really, really, really need something to happen, open the door. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And here, oh, Mary Hockman again said, you know, in response to, uh, I think, both Hedgehog and Grimm and uh, Max, if they get the MacGuffin because the players didn't go there, and so then let the dad, bad guy get the MacGuffin and see what happens. So, again, like say, if there's a triggered event that you need to happen and for whatever reason, but you also have a timeline, then yeah, why can't the bad guy get the magic item? I mean, they have to get all those magic items you take from them at the end somewhere, right? <laughs> so I think that's a great idea, Mark Hockman. Yeah, if, if if the bad if they don't if they refuse to go, why not let the let the let the, the it fall into the bad guy's hand? And the, then there's a lot of ones from Steam Labs shilling us. So that that's about it. So we can move on to the next topic, which I think is Max. Uh, no, no, I'm last. Nope, uh, he's last. It's going to be. So uh, Grim, Grim's is pretty, pretty deep, and, I, and uh, I'm waiting to see how he frames it. So Aaron's picking one off the other list, so we don't even know what Aaron's going to talk about. He's going to surprise us now, so we're all going in this one blind. So I, I would like to go with Aaron next. All right. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is this is something that, that's come up quite a few times, uh, and so I was, I was happy to see it on the list, uh, and that is – uh, is it is it better to welcome new people into the hobby, even if it means that the hobby is, quote unquote, leaving us behind? Now, I think that that us in that statement is kind of subjective and it could involve many different things. 
But um, I think that that's that's an interesting question. And uh, rather than you know, like me giving my spiel first, I'm kind of interested in. I don't want to poison the well, so I'm really curious about what y'all have to say. So maybe we'll start with uh, Dave. I have a feeling for some reason. Oh, that's that's a hard one for me to answer because I've seen a lot of the problems that have risen up with uh, not so much necessarily with the a new generation coming in, but really with the way they've been coming in. And for myself, I think that's more the bigger issue. Uh, new people coming into the hobby in and of itself, I don't have an issue with. But depending on how they come in or the attitudes they bring, which is something, I mean, we can't really necessarily know 100% of the time what sort of attitude someone's going to bring into the hobby until we see it happen. And, I mean, we've all seen it in the live scenarios, um, convention play, and, you know, the attitudes that come with uh, live play, D&D shows and the like. The sort of attitude that comes with certain people of, you know, basically, I don't like the way this hobby is done. I'm a newcomer and I want to completely change everything. Mm. Naturally, that's that, that's that's a problem. You know, if you're coming into a new hobby, one that's established, one that a lot of people have been a part of for many, many years, and your sole goal is to upend everything, obviously, you're not here for that hobby. Obviously, you're not here to enjoy it. You're just here to stir shit and cause trouble. And in my mind, if that's why you're coming, as far as I'm concerned, you're not welcome at my table and you never will be until your attitude changes. Uh, thing of it is, though, is realistically speaking, that's always been and always going to be a minority of people. But that minority is so loud and unfortunately right now so influential that it, it, do, it does sort of, uh, I mean, it, it, it does sort of for want of a better term, even though it's not really the correct use of it, it does sort of poison the well of other newcomers who might be more genuine and just wanting to come in and experience the hobby and, you know, grow from there. I've myself have played with people over the years from all around the world. Uh, oh, as far as, you know, played people from Japan. I played with people from the Ukraine, from Ireland, England, Germany. <laughs> I've, I've even played with a couple of guys from Nigeria before. Every one of them who's come into the hobby has come into it for different reasons. Um, and I think in all those scenarios, I've only ever had it happen once or twice where I've had somebody come in in bad faith wanting to, uh, I think it was you who mentioned the OC yourself earlier, Aaron, wanted to come in, play their OC, getting mad when they couldn't have their way and to uh, steal some parlance from Grimm's, uh, Grimm's end of the world chuck all their toys out of the pram. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one for me to answer because I am one of those guys who's brought a lot of people into the hobby, both successfully and unsuccessfully. So I think on the whole, it's not necessarily a bad thing because as much as the more public side of it might leave us behind, in private, a lot of these people are willing to try new things. I've gotten many people to try new games, branch off from D&D, branch off from Pathfinder, give Savage Worlds a shot, give Call of Cthulhu a shot, give uh, 
well, not yet, unfortunately. I've been trying to get people to give Dark Heresy a shot. That's That's been hell, getting people to try that game, unfortunately. Um, but the few times that I have gotten them to try it, to try something different, to break out of their mold, they've loved it. And would immediately ask me, hey, when can we play uh, when can we play this one again? When can we play that one again? But, so, I mean, I don't uh, yeah, I don't know. My my, my answer is very wishy-washy here because uh, I'm I'm fr I'm very firmly kind of in in a in a middle point here as somebody who has brought people in successfully and unsuccessfully. I don't know. That's just that's a difficult one for me to answer. All right. Uh, OG. Okay. Now we're spinning the controversy wheel. All right. So let me let me paraphrase this by saying that ninety percent of my gaming life. For the past 20 years has been playing at a game store so this is response to game store environments and i have been told repeatedly that i am a toxic gatekeeper um you know and i make dnd that fun because of you know so yes i'm gonna spin the controversy wheel and say that um well without without new players we, the hobby would be dead especially if you're trying to support a game store uh in the last few years, due to a certain phenomenon, uh, there has been an influx of new players, lots of new players, especially lots of new younger players. And those players have had a very high expectation level of the way the game should be and wanting to only play a very specific game. If you try and get them to play a different game, this is, again, my personal experience, pitchforks and torches how dare you how dare you even suggest we play something that isn't the game we saw on youtube i don't want to play superheroes i don't want to play dark heresy i don't want to play i only want to play fifth edition DD, and i only want to play it the way i saw on the internet so i'm all for new players but i do paraphrase every new player and i and i hate that i have to do this now but my experience has been so toxic. And again, this is my experience, but for some reason people just think whenever I bring it up that I'm pissing on the hobby. My experience has been very toxic in regards to the cult of, well, somebody already mentioned it. So the cult of Mercer. I have had a very toxic, to the point where somebody physically threatened me when I said, I do not run my game like Mac Mercer. I have seen, an. A, my personal experience is when one group was playing and another group was playing and somebody said something about Matt Mercer and Critical Role, that guy came up from his group, came over and kicked the player at my table in the face because how dare he insult Matt Mercer. So that is why I paraphrase that here, my personal experience in Ventura County at the game store I played in, very toxic. So when now, whenever I meet new players, I'm like, yes, I want new players to come. I want to teach you how to play. But please do not compare me to Matt Mercer. And if you're going to, turn around and walk away. And I did have two young ladies who approached me about four months ago wanting to play D&D, but they mentioned Critical Role. And, you know, one of them had an OC character. And I'm like, I really appreciate you've done all this work and you've made this. But understand, you're just starting. Let me teach you the game. And please understand then my game's not going to be like him. And before we get into your OC, let's just learn the game together. And then maybe we can get to that point. I got this. And then they turned around and walked away. 
So new players, you're welcome, especially since I try and support a game store. But if you're coming in with these expectations that any of us, any person on the planet can do what they do on that show, you are going to be disappointed. And I'm not going to want a game with you. And I'd rather not play at this point. I think part of the reason why I haven't played in so long is because I just can't compete with that mentality. I can't give that to you as a DM. And you as a player, you can't be Laura. You can't be Travis. You can't be, what's his name? You can't be Marissa. Only Sam can be Sam. Only Matt Mercer can be Matt Mercer. And to expect anybody else. See, now you've started my controversy engine. To expect <laughs> me to run the way that web show, multiple camera, professional trained actors, it's impossible. So please stop for the benefit of the hobby. Please stop. So that is my new players welcome. But again, just having to deal with that, that landmine, which thankfully, hopefully is now dying down, has definitely been a problem for me. Can I ask anybody just a show of hands if any of you, you know, like uh, if you've ever seen Critical Role, um, let's let's take away the, uh, the the prestige, you know, the 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 cameras and everything. Would any of you actually want to be in that game for an extended length of time? I don't think it's a very good idea. Mac, not not to beat them up, Max, or to uh, deride no, no. them. I was going to say just for the exposure and to wear wear my shirt, but you, well, then you no then, cameras, then, no cameras. Then you, then you said for not extended period of time them to actually yeah. play. I would, I Come on, would sell out for the exposure. I, as I've said, I would sell out, but no, I don't think so. Yeah, not, I'm not their target audience. But. Yeah, yeah. Grim, what do you what do you think? Uh, I've got quite a bit to say on this, so I'll oh, wow. try and keep it as short as possible. Um, I'm all for bringing new people into the hobby. And I even don't mind if they like to play in a different way. Uh, I don't mind being challenged about the way that we do things. Maybe they have a good case to make, in which case I'll change my mind. Maybe they don't have a good case to make, in which case I've strengthened my position through understanding it from them attacking it. I do think it's deleterious to the hobby to have people so fixated on what is essentially the WWE of tabletop gaming because it's, it, it, it's fake. <laughs> yeah. It's over, it's overproduced. Yes, exactly. Uh, the WWE of, of gaming. Yeah. It, it doesn't have any of the, the mess that goes on in a normal game. Now the tabletop plus game that we run is somewhere between a, a real game and critical role. I think because we do make some decisions and things behind the scenes and just to keep it punchy um, and, and to keep it more entertaining because it's more for the audience than it is for the players at the table in that case. And I think that's also the case with Critical Role. But we kind of do it half and half because I, I want people to see gaming as it really is, um, warts and all, as much as possible. We did have a previous controversial invasion of the hobby during the White Wolf era. Now, personally, I was very happy to see a lot of cute goth girls join the gaming scene and turn yeah. up at conventions and all the rest of it. And sure. I enjoyed getting into the LARP scene. Um, yeah, you know, all of that. But that was controversial at the time. 
and you had a lot of old grognards grumbling about all these new kids with their newfangled story gaming ideas and, and all that. And also you had a lot of arrogance on the other side, but somehow it didn't tear the hobby apart in the way that this kind of kind of professional facade level sort of gaming streams and so on have. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess we didn't have social media. We didn't really have YouTube. But we did have the internet and message boards and email lists and all the rest of it. So you would think that kind of fighting would have taken off then. It didn't really. There was a bit of sniping, but there was still some sort of baseline of of respect. The problem, I think, is the lack of tolerance that the new people have and the lack of respect and the lack of understanding that they have of the hobby. When someone sounds off and calls Dungeons & Dragons racist or something, Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. we're getting yeah. into the controversy now. But that is deeply insulting to generations of people who haven't been racist, who don't see fantasy races in that way. They see them as species or as have bearing no relation whatsoever uh, to reality. But there's a complete unwillingness to listen to your point of view. Um, I've suffered with demonization. I, I, I don't know OG's complete history on his level of demonization. But yeah, I would... I've been tried to be cancelled several times, banned from selling things and so on. And it's all really down to misunderstandings or different priorities. Um, but that's the problem. A lot of them have made this really toxic atmosphere, particularly in the in the social media panopticon. They're just watching for you to say something even slightly wrong, a slightly outdated term, or um, to defend something horrible that's actually fiction and something you don't actually believe in yourself, but you put it in your game. Anything, anything at all, people will leap upon. Um, and that's a downside of having this, this, this larger influx of people. The other downside is I think we're seeing a replay of the third edition Gold Rush boom and bust era because a lot of the stuff on, um, I can't even remember the name of it, it's on... Um, on Drive Through RPG, they've got a special subsection for DMs Guild. DMs Guild stuff. It's uh, most of it's trash. I mean, it looks pretty, but most of it is trash. And there's so much of it. Uh, maybe I'm just jelly. I, I, I don't know. But it, 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 I can't help but have traumatic flashbacks to the to the third edition Gold Rush. Um, OGL. And I, yeah, and I'm expecting it all to fall apart <laughs> any minute, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of people producing really good stuff but you tend to get drowned out by the noise. Um, I think that's about it. <laughs> Max? Well, I'm a little disappointed because this actually covers about half of my topic. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, so the good news is I've come with notes. <laughs> I can go on this for days. <laughs> yeah, no, well, my topic's going to be a little different. It's just going to have to uh, drive it in a different direction, uh, frame it a little differently. But uh, so, yeah, I've got notes. And uh, I want to say, I think it was uh, Jim, or not Jim, uh, Grim just uh, said this. And by the way, if I get wrong who said what, sorry, I'm, I'm again, writing notes. Look at that. I'm like a legal scholar here. Um, but Jim Bloodworth said uh, when he was on our show that they don't respect the traditions. And, and there are some traditions, whether they're tropey or whether yep. they're right, <laughs> whether they're tropey or whether they're they're founded in, in some generational whatever. I, I, I mean, what, what is a goblin? I honestly had to look up 
Goblin. And the reason for that was because Vason, uh, a freely publishing game, uses the Nordic version of Goblin. You come to find out when you dig deeper into it, Goblin, Hobgoblin, so on and so forth, has a starts to have a completely different meaning. But there's still the basis in uh, D&D. Gygax didn't want to be Tolkien from everything I've read. If somebody out there has better knowledge, fine. But everything I've read, he didn't want to be Tolkien, but he understood its importance. It's the reference points of it. So no, is it true mythological fantasy? No, it's, it's a game-oriented fantasy, but it still has its traditions. Here, here's, here's my problem. My problem... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me do it, because I'm going I'm to sidetrack myself. I don't follow my notes here. So th th you've already said it, but I've got to say it myself. First of all, is the hobby better for having more people in it? Anybody who's been in the hobby, and sorry, Aaron, I'm not trying to call you out on this one, but anybody who's been in the hobby, since, especially since the, the 80s, maybe the 70s, for those who are a couple years older than me, um, knows for the life of us, we were trying to get more people to play. I don't know about the rest of you. I was hung up on a flagpole because I played Dungeons & Dragons. People used to come by, kick our dice. Some would pretend to play and then, you know, steal our shit. I had a so crossword on my lawn. Because I played Dungeons Well, see, I went to Lutheran school, so I had to kind of hide it. Well, I actually didn't do it while I was in Lutheran school, but yes, I... But when the hobby, whether it was due to social media or whatever, when the hobby grew, at first I was like, this is awesome. But I'm going to be honest with you. Say it for the world to hear right now. I wish we would have get, uh, gatekept people. Now, what do I mean by that? We let... We, we not, not let, that's not the right way to say it. We let people in the hobby. That, that's, we embraced people coming into the hobby. We wanted them here because we wanted new people to play these games. But then, as has already been said, they found what we did to be problematic. And get that subscribe button up a lot because I'm about to say some fucking choice words here to all these little cunts out there who changed the goddamn game. You fucking ruined D&D, &D, you little bitches. <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> so fuck all you people. You come, we embrace you, we bring you into the fucking hobby, and then you dumb cunts, God, that's like, give me epilepsy here. Then you dumb cunts come in like, oh, you can't do that, and then you fucking change it. But do you know whose fault it is? It's your fault. I'm pointing at, at f at least four of the six people in our channel including myself, because we embraced them. We let them in. They came with their dumb little fucking imaginations who thought their imagination was more important than the traditions that we had before them. And then we're like, no, 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 that's great. They'll learn, they'll understand, they'll come, they'll come to their own uh, realization of where this stuff comes from. Or they'll go make their own stuff. Isn't that great? They make their own stuff. Yes, that actually is great. I want them to make their own stuff. No, they didn't do that. They fucking came in and said, what do you mean racial uh, limitations? Fuck you. Ah, third edition D&D started the garbage path in this bullshit we have now. D&D's dead. Anybody who thinks, for, for us grognards, anybody who thinks that D&D could ever come back and be a good game, you're wrong. It is dead. It died after AD&D second edition. I know some people have problems with second edition as well, but at least that stayed somewhat true to the original visions of the game. If, if not in nuance, at least in spirit. Once you removed, once you added all race, all class, prestige classes, and everybody can do whatever they want because imagination is so important. No, it's not. Imagination within a framework is important. That's what you cunts ruined. So fuck all you people who let it happen, that includes myself, and fuck all you people who did it. Because you fucking ruined my hobby. But you know what? I got all those goddamn books behind me. I don't need your bullshit. I don't need it at all.
<laughs> I don't have to pay you all a fucking dime. Everybody who I give money to right now is somebody I actually support and I think is a, is a good game, like D-Genesis. Everything it's not something that like, costs like 100 bucks. Uh, 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 yeah, it was almost 300, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. 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 But it's for free on PDF. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and I apologize to, to the panel here if they're not comfortable with what I'm saying, but hey, I put the disclaimer up way at the beginning. But the, this, this shit hits home. It's like, oh, look, Max is raging again. Oh, look at him. He's whining about this stuff. I'm whining because, number one, I wish I could put the baby icon up right now. But number one, because we let it happen. I feel partially responsible for this because I didn't speak up against this crap. I just said, fuck it, go play your own game. I don't care. Because honestly, that's what most of us wanted. Most of us are like, you know what? You got your house rules. You have your dwarven wizard, which is stupid as shit. But you know what? You have it. Fine, that's your game. Do it. But when it became rote, when it became canon, when it became this this concept of like, oh, not, now even to the point where races can't even have mo modifiers because that's some sort of biosensualism. Fuck that. Biosensualism in these games is real. And Grimm and I agree on this. Absolutely. They're species. I made a video on that before it even became important in the D&D world. Even before D&D started talking about it, I made a video. Well, openly talking about it. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I made a video on that. It's like three years old now. Where I said they're more like species. So bioessentialism is absolutely real in this stuff. They're not fucking cosplay humans. Otherwise, what was the second edition said? They're not humans in funny skin suits. They're not Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> right? They're not Star Trek. Um, so, Aaron, before this segment's over, don't forget to shill your stuff. I actually wrote that down here. Because we, we didn't well, get you to I shill it. My opinion in. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> there, there you go. Perfect. Um, you don't want to go last, right? Yep. And somebody put on there that we're pushing women away. I played with more women in high school. And by the way, I graduated in 1991. So I graduated a long time ago. And I played with more women in high school than I've played with since. Yeah. Just saying. Definitely. More, and, more and, women, high school, college. Uh, but since here, especially post, yeah, less right. women. Maybe it's just where I live, so I can't say. And lastly, because I have to jump on the bag bandwagon with this one, I, and I ran into this here. So I ran an Earth Dawn game. It didn't go as well, like I already said in like a previous segment. It didn't go as well as I'd, I'd hoped. My fault. I played with the guy who absolutely is like, have you watched Critical Role? I'm like, I don't even know what a Critical Role is because I don't watch people play games. I'm sorry. I do watch Bruce, but that's because I distract him so much. But I don't watch I don't watch people play games because I just I I'm not interested. I'm sorry. If you any of you five run games, I'll watch it to support you, but I'm not gonna watch it because I'm interested in it. I just don't care. But I did watch some critical role. Second season, never saw a single episode of first season. And I looked at these guys and I said, first of all, why is there a fucking goblin next to a wizard? Somebody should be stabbing that goblin. And anybody who plays a tiefling, like, oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're half fucking demon. What the fucking part of that do you not get? I don't get? know who you're talking about. <laughs> God damn. Oh. So, so fuck critters. Come after me, bitches. Look, last week we had uh, uh, Chris Gonerman and Clownfish TV. We stirred some pot on that one, <laughs> uh, which was kind of fun. Uh, so it was my first experience. Unfortunately, I en ended up antagonizing two people I like, which was Clownfish TV and Chris Gonerman. Uh, but hey... I don't care if the critter crowd comes after me. I'll I'll be living in the United States soon. Try it. My weapons, my firearms, always loaded. Okay. But, yeah. but with the but with that, the, the I want to see if there's any. Uh, da, da, da. No, I'll save the rest of it for my topic. But no. Uh, long story short, 
I, I wish we would have gatekept or I wish we would have set more tone like this is how it's done and this is why it's done and not be like, oh, just do whatever you want. Your imagination is so important to us. It's like parents in the 80s who are like, I'm not my kid's parent. I'm my kid's friend. No, you're a bad fucking parent. And look where we are now. I'm done. All right. Heathen dog. Well, th this is where uh, this is where the, the opening of, of this entire live stream comes in. I, I am the more centered person here compared to Max, but uh, I, I do share some of his sentiment, just uh, not the uh, uh, ruined D &D for me. The hate. Um, be, maybe maybe it's because I was in the military. when when you uh, go into a new a new area when when you when you want to start into role playing games, when you want to start into doing in, in, into any established group, you have to learn the rules. You have to learn to follow before you can lead. So if you go into a new group wanting it your way all the time, you're doing it wrong and you should be, you should be kicked. You go in. You mind your manners, you learn the game, you learn the way it is, and after you learn how to follow, then you can try and lead. Then you can try and change things because now you know how they work. It Everyone's had that shitty boss that comes in and makes changes for change's sake. Everyone's had that, that guy or girl, and it's always turned out badly. And that that's exactly what some of the new players who want to come into the hobby now are doing. They want to make changes just for changes sake, just because they don't like it. So it has to be wrong. That is categorically untrue. You come into an, uh, a new game, a new job, a new environment, new, anything you learn the ropes. You don't rock the boat immediately because no one respects your opinion. No one who's in the hobby is going to listen to you and actually respect your, your opinion because you have no credibility. Go in there, learn, learn the way they're doing it, get good. And then when you have your ideas that you want to change the game, it's coming from a place that everyone understands is from experience and wanting, genuinely wanting to make the hobby a better place for everyone. Because you've paid your dues. You've put in your time. You know how it's done. If you don't do that, I don't want you around. Because you're just a bully. That's basically it. You're just a bully at that point. You come in, want it your way. And don't respect anyone else's way. Because it's obviously wrong. Because it's not yours. That's a bully. Yeah. My very first experience with, I didn't even watch the show. And somebody was like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. How dare you not know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how that person got back inside that game shop, but whatever. Yeah, but they were, yeah. I, uh, but back, uh, uh, going to to the original question, like new people in the hobby. Yes, of course, you have to get new people in, into into every into every yeah, system every once in a while, or that ecosystem will die. You need injection of fresh people, fresh ideas. But 
if those fresh people have absolutely no respect for the people who were already there, then all they're going to do is cause unnecessary trouble and create drama when it doesn't, it doesn't have to exist. I want new people to be absorbed in. And then after they've gotten their feet wet, after they, they know how to, how to play the game, the way the people are playing it now, then their ideas on how to change it, how to make it grow, how to bring it forward into the future will not only will not just be from a place of egocentrism, it'll be a place from experience and genuinely lo genuine love of the game and wanting it to be better. I, I have never seen that online. I've never, I've, I've never seen that on Twitter. I have never been experienced. I, I've never experienced something like that in social media. Every single person who, who, who wants to change a game. If, if you dig deep enough, you will realize that they've never even bought it. I mean, come on, really? Yeah. How much, how much credibility do you want me to give you? If you've played the game three times and and now I have to listen to you saying that this entire fundamental part of the game is wrong. Come on. I I I, I that gate gatekeeping, blind gatekeeping is wrong. Never ever do it. Women, children, elderly, disabled, differently abled, whatever. Play the game. I love it. Love it. If you come in wanting to dominate the game, you got a problem. And that gate slams shut. So, so, so chat chat's going a little weird here, and I want to I want to nip a couple of things in the bud so I'm not usurping too much of uh, of Aaron's time. First of all, from my perspective, I don't care that other games are made and they allow dwarf wizards or whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, Earthdawn's got dwarven wizards, rock people, uh, lizard men. A little fairy creatures and so forth. I don't care. It's not D&D. &D. What my problem was is quite specifically, don't change what we already like and what we have. Make your own shit. That yes. is the right answer. Yes. And, and for the de debate that's going on in chat right now between D&D &D sucks or D&D &D doesn't suck, I don't care if D&D &D sucks. I really don't. I, I enjoy other games than Dungeons & Dragons. I'm sure some of these, uh, if not all of these folks here, Grim makes games. He better like games that aren't just D&D. &D. Uh, so the, the point being is we want those other games out there. Oh, speaking for me, I'm sorry. Uh, we want those games out there. I'm not saying d and is the best game ever. I tried converting. Actually, I converted a lot of people to Earthdawn as I an example. <laughs> uh, but... But but I, I'm not too much of a fan of the current iteration of the people who make it, but 4th edition is a good game. Otherwise, I'd say get 1st edition. 1st or 4th. Um, anyway, the uh, um, I forgot what I was saying. But, so I, I'm not saying you have to stick with D&D. &D. What I'm saying is if you come into the hobby, D&D &D being the 800-pound gorilla, and then say it's problematic and change it, you're the problem. Make your own thing. Uh, you know, other games just happen to be smaller. Palladium. If somebody were to come into the Palladium system, whether you love it or hate it, and say, no, this game's problematic, it's got to change. Well, Kevin Simpita has his own attitude in, in the gaming industry that a lot of people know. He wouldn't put up with that. But the, the point being is, no, go fuck yourself. You don't, you don't get to make the change. Uh, I mean, they already have, because we let them, like I said earlier. Anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah, I'm done with that. That's a problem I had recently. Okay. Yeah. Aaron. 
you, you, you started this nonsense. <laughs> yes, go yes. ahead. Do and you want to shill first or last? Yeah, do you uh, want to shill now or do you want to shill after? after, I'll, your, after I'll, your I'll shill after. It's not really much. Okay, much okay much go ahead. Um, So I would say this. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here in my current state if it wasn't for Critical Role. It's not because I was a Critical Role fan. I never really was a Critical Role fan. But basically, the, the DM who ran my first game was inspired uh, to return to the hobby from his tenure at second edition and like, you know, 15 year hiatus to run a game because of the uh, critical role phenomenon. That's kind of how like I kind of fell into it. So ironically, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for critical role in my current state. I probably would have gotten here eventually. You know, it's just a matter of when. Um, but all of that being said, I think that uh, really it's not so much uh, the, the, the baggage that, that really I, I think a lot of you are experiencing isn't coming directly from uh, new people in general in the hobby, because a lot of them actually have been in the hobby for some time. But instead, what it is uh, would be very enterprising, uh, cynical assholes, I would say. So these would be people that have been in the hobby for some time, uh, and they are designers who want to give you a problem and then sell you the solution. Because a lot of times, uh, I, either they, they are brand new and they're trying to get a foot in by saying, look, I have I have the, the solution to your problems. Or, you know, they're the kind of person that says, well, D&D is a problem. Uh, and here is my game. My game doesn't do that. My game is better than that. And I'm also, you know, I belong to a particular demographic, so you should also support me for this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it all kind of compounds from there. Whenever I look at my group, because uh, well, actually I have, I have to break my group into two categories. My in real life group, uh, all 5e people, I am the most uh, experimented among them, I would say. Uh, now, none of them, none of them know anything about any of the controversies that we deal with in the RPG uh, sphere. They don't understand, you know, why there's being this, this talk about race or species. They don't understand any of that. They don't, they don't, they don't have the context for them. All that matters is that they're able to make their, uh, their uh, war forged uh, paladin, basically, you know, that that's, that's their, their part of the hobby. So for me, the, the new people, which, you know, I kind of fall into that category, but the new people that I tend to have issue with, um, it's more due to the fact that I have to parse through so many people to get to the ones that I might enjoy playing with, especially if, if they're running it. You know, if I'm running it, I can often make them happy because sometimes people don't know what they really want until they experience it. So I can run a game. I can be like, yeah, I'll run fifth edition. Uh, I am going to I'm going to take away these things, though. We're not doing multi-classing or feats. And then whenever we get to the dungeon, I'm using these procedures, you know, so I'm using things that they don't even know about, you know, as far as, uh, you know, wandering monster stuff, like a lot of people don't use that as far as, you know, uh, trying to get rid of passive perception and things like that in place of more question and answer kind of exploration, you know. A lot of people don't know about that. So getting them, getting their 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 feet wet in that kind of stuff, you know, brings them into more of this. Now, uh, so the other side of my of my my experience, my group. So my other group, these are primarily people that have been in the hobby for like three or four times longer than me, at least. And these are people that are dying to have the old school experience that they had growing up, perhaps. And um, so for the most part, uh, that's what I deal with. But there are people like me who end up in my, my public game discord who say, 
Um, you know, I've always wanted to play this kind of game ever since I heard about it. And, you know, I've only been in the hobby for two or three years, but I just wanted something where that felt, you know, dangerous, that felt uh, like, um, you know, I wasn't just using uh, skill roles all the time, you know, something where we're, we're experiencing it on a whole different kind of way. And so to me, that, that tells me, you know, along with my own existence, that there is a lot of hope in the hobby uh, with new people coming along. I think that it's just, it's a really fucking small percentage, you know, because whenever I look at all the people that I play with in 5e, I mean, most of them, they won't try anything that's not uh, belonging to some kind of um, franchise that they're familiar with. You know, they want to play Call of Cthulhu. They want to play um, perhaps Warhammer Fantasy, not very likely, uh, but uh, they want to play um, Alien, you know, maybe Alien or, you know, Game of Thrones, you know, Dragon Age. They, they want to play those RPGs. Uh, and I'm specifically tabletop because, you know, people might be like, oh, you're talking about video games. No, talk about tabletop. Um, they want to play those because they're familiar with the franchise, but when it comes to trying to get into like OSR play, um, it's fucking, you know, pulling, pulling teeth basically. Um, and that's my biggest frustration as far as like the activism, they're just very, very loud people that really don't have much effect directly on anything that I do. And I would say that D and D, uh, is already moved beyond people that have the kind of that want to experience the kind of D and D that I like to experience, you know? Uh, so really I don't have a problem with it at this point. My thing is just, you know, try and try and put that net out there. It's a, it's a huge, you know, like it's a huge pool right now, but you got to put the net out there and then try and catch the, the little squigglies that are maybe, you know, they have, they got something in here saying, you know, I'm really not enjoying everything the way that it's being run right now. I wish I could try something different. Uh, and I do want to also, you know, somebody brought up about, you know, you're, you're uh, keeping women out or whatever. Uh, so most of my uh, games from my in real life table stuff, um, primarily female, uh, I have very regularly, uh, well, two, two trans players at my table. Um, and, you know, so if you actually listen to my uh, Chalt game, you know, uh, because I do sometimes do actual plays or whatever I, I record it basically and upload it because i'm lazy and sometimes it's easier than keeping notes um then you know you'll notice that uh so that's not entirely the case i will say that it so is are, primarily... are you admitting to an anime harem but but what, what i'm saying i will i will admit that when it comes to the very old school dungeon crawl play um there does tend to be primarily a male interest you know, that's just, that's, that's just what, what has happened. Uh, but you know, I, I try to make, make sure people understand what kind of, I'm not going to change my game to appeal to certain, uh, you know, interests. If that's not the interest that I want at my table, ultimately we're here to enjoy the game that we're running and playing. So, um, instead I just try to say, look, this is what we can do with it. Uh, is this something that interests you? And then go from there. So, that's all. That's, I think that's all I have to say on that. All right. Well, it's time to shill for you then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. Back. Show so, away. Show. I, I, show I'm going to go show. So, while, while I'm getting this prepared here, there's two things I thought up in the meantime. You know how many times I've been told, and I know you don't know the exact answer to this. It's you know, a rhetorical question, obviously. How many times Hi. I've been told that uh, I would never play in your game? And they've come to love my game, especially when I say things like I keep people poor and I don't, you know, give them what they want, so on and so, or I make them work for it and whatnot. 
they end up loving it because they can come to find out that when they get it, they cherish it more. It's not just a stat block. It's like, holy crap, I finally got this sword. Now I want to use it or whatever it happens to be. And you said something and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to you know piggyback on it. I have hope for the hobby like you do. But you're right. D&D is lost. And anybody who does not realize that anybody who and somebody can say I'm doing this as well. But anybody who argues about Dungeons and Dragons still to this day, like there's some hope or saving it. There is none. It is lost. It started with third edition. But once fourth and fifth, specifically fifth edition came out. If you thought that there was any chance it would ever be Gygaxian again, it's not. Or, or Arneson, if you prefer that. So move on to a different game. Stop paying people that hate you. Yeah. So here we here we go, Aaron the Pedantic, and I'm going to put his uh, this link. Actually, I don't want that video portion of it. I just want that <laughs> in the uh, in the chat. Please subscribe to him. What kind of things do you talk about on your channel, sir? Yeah, so uh, I do I do quite a bit, honestly. Um, so I talk about some DMing philosophy. Uh, I talk about controversies when they arise. My podcast with uh, Chelsea, the Pedantic podcast that primarily covers controversies and just like what we think about about games. So it's it's really kind of wide, but basically whenever uh, shit hits the fan in some capacity, then we're going to talk about it. And usually she's the spicy one that uh, sometimes Makes I have you to make uplo stop uploading your videos that I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to make them private. I don't want to lose my channel. I'm sorry. Um, so we, I do, I do that. So I have my videos. I have that podcast. Uh, now, uh, Vendra Satanis uh, contacted me recently, and uh, we're actually doing another podcast uh, together, uh, where I'm really just going to be. <laughs> I'm really. He's he's to me like one of the the Gon Gonzo masterminds because I love Chalt. I love I love a lot of his his Gonzo products. So we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a monthly podcast uh, where we just talk about Gonzo-fying your games, basically. Uh, and um, so he's he's all, really the star witness in that capacity. But we're still going to have a great time. Uh, so I do my blog, which is um, that one. Yes, yes. Um, and interestingly, so that particular entry right there is all about how I um, view the proper way to play D and D in old school. Oh RPGs. crap. The proper way for you. Yes. Well, I'm. Th this is how I want to do it. But anyway, Aaron, the gatekeeper. Uh, God. Yeah, yes. Uh, so there is that. Um, and also, I have my module that I have like released, but it's really I'm really going to be tweaking it. Um, it's uh, called uh, "What Remains of uh, Richter Kronkenhaus." Uh, it's. Uh, I have another one that's that's coming down a few. I have a few that are coming down the pipe, but um, that one's basically about a. Uh, 1930s uh hospital in germany uh run by future you know uh not so good people uh <laughs> and um you know being experiment experimenting on people and stuff like that it's uh, kind of lotfp in a lot of um uh interests i would say sorry i did not have the link for that prepared but that's on drive through it's rpg fine. right yeah it's on drive through rpg yeah if you just search for uh what remains of richter and you'll you'll find the rest um Okay. And I think that's it. All right. Oh, 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 one, more one more thing. Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. So more, the, probably the biggest thing that I'm doing right now is my public uh, Discord game, which is kind of West Marches in a lot of ways. Um, so uh, if you if you go on any of my videos, you'll, you'll usually find in the description a link to the Discord. And basically people schedule a time. They, they look at what sites are available for exploration or whatever. And then they, they choose the ones they want to do. And there's there's a lot of really cool stuff happening there. We've got 
uh, more referees uh, running theirs. So, you know, if, if this keep, if the trend continues, we'll probably have games going, you know, in the old school fashion, pretty much uh, almost right now. It's at least twice a week, but it, it's going to be increasing probably. So I was never cool enough to get the link to your discord, but heathen dog has it. Heathen dog. Can you put that in our chat or do you not have that anymore? I don't have that on this computer. Oh, okay. Oh. I'll I'll find I'll find it off the plug. If you if board. you put it in our Discord chat, I'll put it in uh, all the chats. Okay. Okay. Uh, anything else? Or are you good? I'm good. All okay. Right. Then uh, go through chat because oh, chat yeah. was a blaze. Chat went crazy. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. You might have to scroll oh, back yeah. a while. And then uh, uh, then we'll get Grim going here, and I'm looking forward to this topic because I I want to see how this is framed because I have my brain went in a bunch of different directions on this. Man, there's there there's there's so much to parse through. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Treat like a pizza. Everybody, take a slice. Oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't even scroll back all the way on this one. No, is there is there anything in particular that anybody wanted to to jump on there? Um, um, there there was there was a discussion. We'll just say between Shot and Shadzar, but uh, I think everybody knows how Shadzar posts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is a D and D thing. I think are my two big ones. What's that? I think the two big ones I got is the D and D isn't D and D, and the the th thing about girls not playing. <laughs> yeah, keeping yeah. is a civic duty. I I mean, yeah. So so clearly, clearly, I'm I'm not really. Uh, I don't want to gatekeep in that capacity. I just would say that we need to have more focus on what um what kind of game we're playing and be upfront about it and uh one of the problems that people have is that they they don't have any idea they just want to show up at the table with their character and think that all everything's gonna be fine because you know we're just we're just gonna have fun together and you know riff off each other or whatever but chemistry is a lot more uh in practice uh complex than that you know so uh, basically i'm not going to enjoy a game where characters are often just you know role playing quote unquote you know this is the word that they use uh character acting for the sake of character acting i only enjoy it if it's character acting because of an encounter that we're dealing with you know it needs to be under the context of there's some kind of problem at hand so if you know if you're if you're going into detail about how you draw your sword or how you wash your hands or you know where you take a dump then you know because it really may maybe you had your character had a bad experience at one time they took a dump where somebody laughed about how bad it smelled so you, you have to you know go into your ritual about how you have to go out outside like a mile away you know before your character takes a dump i don't want that kind of stuff at my table and there are people that do um, rick is a shy so, pooper yeah i think i so i, I think <laughs> that that's an important thing to I wish that that was the discussion more so than um, some of the other things that, that come up, I would say. Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of hate on shot, uh, <laughs> uh, which I would say uh, I, I'm not, you know, it became an, an SJW, anti-SJW thing. And I, I, okay. I always think those things are entirely unproductive. Um, and artificial for the most part. Well, and, and a lot of it's too late. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we were talking about here. It's like if... That the hobby has changed into what it is. But the good news yeah. is we have the OSR, 
And it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a specific OSR title game. See, one of the things that I do is I say certain games are OSR and people freak out on me, even though they're not technically OSR. I don't care. They have the feel of OSR. They bring yeah. back that old style feel. So there's there are a lot of options out there for everybody. And now everybody's an indie creator, anybody. Anyway, yeah. I think we've all made like four games here. <laughs> uh, well, not me. Not me. <laughs> Someday. All right. All right, uh, unless there's anything else you want to catch up on, I think we now go to Grim. And uh, Grim, uh, go ahead and let's let's get your stuff up. I don't want to forget you this time. I'm going to shill you. You didn't forget him last time. Come on now. Well, I forgot. Aaron. Well, I kind of forgot Aaron. He he, he changed the tone of everything, and that screwed me over. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, good luck, like Aaron. Ruin the dynamic. Excellent work. We, we, all right. we were all being really, really, you know, in, insightful and informative on until until you push max's button as soon as the milk toast guy gets here you know all bets are off all right I, I posted uh grim's uh uh oh my god youtube channel in our chat there please subscribe to him as well and go ahead and tell us a little about yourself grim and i've got you i also have your two web pages up or available you are muted sir There we go. I'm a game designer of over 20 years in the industry, um, mostly freelance and self-publishing. My videos are just basically whatever takes my fancy. So quite often it's gaming, game reviews and things. Other times it's controversies. Other times it's politics. I try to give a more rational, old school left sort of position on a lot of this stuff that goes on. Um, that that's kind of my niche, I guess. I, I'm bad at YouTube. <laughs> Why do I keep clicking the wrong one? I'm showing off other people's stuff. There we go. Uh, that's we... my own web store, uh, post-mort.com, uh, where I sell electronic copies of everything that I've made and make. Um, and it also links off if you want print on demand. You can go and get that at lulu.com. But yeah, I've written a, a shitload of stuff. If the last time you're here, we went over blood. So if anybody wants to check out that, you can find that in our YouTube channel. And boom, we've got the blog. Yep. Thank you to my fans. So that, that, any, any that foot screws with my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one. A perspective killer foot right there. Actually, I completely <laughs> forgot to do this in the last one. So let me... Uh, Okay, this is the blog going into lots of links going out there. Remember, right right click and select open a new tab. Don't leave this stream. And uh, let me go back to, there we go. I'm going to put that out there. We want to get to the homepage on this one. There it is. And let's get that. Anything specific you want to say about your blog? Oh. Go on. Oh, uh, your, um, oh, my God, your Kickstarter thing. Uh, my God, your donate. I donated uh, to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'll quickly blurb on that. I mean, the, it's it's over. The money's been raised. So um, oh, every year I do a charity fundraiser um, in memoriam of an artist who used to work with me uh, to raise money to give to young artists mostly or hard up artists who work in the genre space. And uh, if they apply and succeed, they get five hundred bucks or more, depending how much we've raised. Um, and whatever work they submit goes on for sale as stock art to help raise money for the next year. We made the money this year, but entries have been extremely thin on the ground and rather lackluster. 
So if you know anyone who does fantasy, horror, science fiction, or other genre art, who's hard up, or they're at college or university, um, send them over to, to my, my pages or get them to contact me on social media. And um, they've got a very good chance of winning at the moment. <laughs> so if, they, if someone wants 500 bucks, send them my way. All right. So I, I want 500 bucks, but I don't think I qualify. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I'm, I and I'm not a good figures. artist, believe That's me. That's all I can do, yeah. yeah. So, all right, Grim, what is your topic for us? So my topic is transgression in games. And I want to take it in maybe a slightly different way to what you're expecting. But I may use some very big polysyllabic words. Uh-oh. So... I gotta go. Hold on, hold on. Let me look that up. <laughs> it's a professorial hat on. Professor stuff now. Hold on. <laughs> that pipe is only cool if bubbles come out of it. Uh, sadly, I'm out of bubble fluid. Oh, damn it. It's so hard to get the nicotine bubble fluid. You, you wouldn't believe. I just saw some bubbles yesterday, had I known. <laughs> All right. What do you got? Right. Conflict and controversy is where story is in sure. the same way as fat is where the flavor is in food. And transgression is one of the big ways to bring conflict and interest and dynamism into your games, into your characters, into your settings, and so on. There's been a trend, particularly in D&D, to move away from the hyper-realism of the early versions of D&D to a more metatextual self-analysis. I will explain what those terms mean <laughs> just in case. So hyper-realism is when you create a world that is entirely fictional or an item that is entirely fictional, right? So when Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, he was creating a hyper-realistic world. It was fully envisioned and realized and it made internal sense. And in the same way, D&D used to try and do that to, to at least make internal sense within itself and to be somewhat plausible. It's moved away from that in subsequent iterations and has become self-critical in a lot of ways. This is particularly observable in 5th edition, I think. But 4th edition was essentially a whole new game in, in a lot of ways. So it kind of stepped outside of that, but it was a failure. I can, I right. can turn fourth edition or burn it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we see this successively now, not, not only in the rules. Yeah, it's much, much harder to kill a player character now, you know, even if you're trying. And there's this drive for every setting to involve absolutely everything, for nothing to be excluded and so on. And this is all a kind of metatextual criticism of the previous games. Criticisms that may not even be valid also turn up. But you're not really allowed to, to stray from this new orthodoxy. To do so is transgressive, but again, that is where the most interesting parts of the, of the story are, where conflict is, uh, where characterization lives, where, where plot and story lives. Without a conflict, without someone doing something wrong, there is no conflict for you to, for you to come to. There are topics that are transgressive. So uh, I always get a bit wary about this because I've been bitten over it so many oh, times. Hey, you know but, what? Um, Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll put up the subscribe. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
if you look at something like Game of Thrones, they've got incest, they've got rape, they've got torture, they've got mutilation, <laughs> all of these things. <laughs> no, no, I actually want to jump in on this real quick, just for a second, just to say that when somebody had me read Game of Thrones, the third book is already out before I read the first one, within the first 48 pages, you got the kid pushed off the, uh, the, the, the tower, you've got the, the execution, you've got the incest, and I, I looked at the guy who let me borrow the book and I said, I'm going to love this series. <laughs> well, it set up all the conflict, everything that was going to happen and made you hate a whole bunch of characters and want to see them get their comeuppance. So that hooked you, right? Because there's so much conflict and story and transgression there. Ooh, is this incestuous relationship going to be found out? Look how far they've gone to protect you know, their, their secret already. You know, how's, how is this going to come out? And that's what makes for good stories. So there's transgressive topics. There are transgressive settings, like if you set a game within a repressive dictatorship, that is transgressive, and your characters are almost certainly rebels who are transgressing against the social order. If you have a setting where a church is particularly powerful, then they're going to be enforcing their taboos. But we... While we still have that kind of thing in a, in a general sense, if you were to create a setting with a historically accurate Catholic church that hated gay people, that uh, hated Jews, that engaged in all that kind of behavior, even though you're not endorsing that by creating that setting and you're probably just creating a, a historical setting, that is a transgression at the meta level. You're transgressing what the environment of the hobby um a lot of these new players who come in they don't want that yeah they want to play their their bisexual half orc cupcake cook or whatever why they want to play that in a in a game that's about adventuring into dungeons i don't know unless they want some rare ingredients or something but <laughs> but this this new orthodoxy is is incredibly stifling if you want to tackle transgressive topics difficult topics um colonialism is a is another one that people have been going on about about recently but in a fantasy world you could reframe colonialism where the natives genuinely are monsters or whatever that's something i would like to do but i feel inhibited even though I'm naturally contrarian, I feel inhibited from exploring these topics because of the environment, perhaps a bit more than, than some of you guys. You've done some publishing, but certainly the, the pressure is much stronger if you are a publisher, um, that the hate comes at you wherever you go, whatever you do. And yet you're not advocating for any of these things. You just want to play with them, explore them, even show them up as bad, create a villain who who transgresses to show that they're a villain you know they're doing doing villainous things but you're not even allowed to do that because you're held responsible for the evil things that your villains do your npcs your your organizations and so on there are new transgressions so like not incorporating everything into your fifth edition dnd game is transgressive and will disappoint people and send them away from your table you know if you say no halflings or whatever else it might be, however arbitrary, you know, it's your setting, it's your game, you know what you want to achieve, you know the bounds in which you want your players to create their characters, but the moment you say no in any way, that's hugely transgressive. If you kill off a character... Oh, yeah, that's a thing. That, that is yeah, that is not something that happens 
anymore. You know, I'll I'll be as fair as possible, but when it comes down to it, I will I will straight up straight up shank a character. Um, but there was that whole controversy on Critical Role about one of the characters dying and a and a retcon, and we've seen similar things happen in other ones. But that's if there's no stakes, there's no game, you know. But losing a character ups the stakes, makes the game more interesting, the the threat more real. And the transgressive characters is is another thing. So, what is the point of playing your bisexual half orc cupcake cook? If the world around him is completely accepting of who and what he is, then there's no story there, and you might as well be playing another character. Whereas if the world is intolerant, if some of the people around that character are intolerant, whether it be of half-orcs or his, who he takes to his bed, then you've got interest, then you've got conflict, then you've got enemies, then you've got a point to be that character and to have those those traits. It gives you something to work through. Do you Do you challenge the social order? Do you go after the villain? Do you try to get yourselves accepted? Do you create a, a pressure group in Waterdeep to stand up for the for the rights of Harfox? Or whatever? yeah, that's much more interesting, while still playing into the concept that you want, but not just making it meaningless. And I think that's a big part of my problem with a, with a lot of these scenarios and ideas that go on. I mean, what is the point of your character being in a wheelchair if being in a wheelchair? has absolutely no impact on that character whatsoever or is actually a boon or a benefit. What is the point? I mean, there are bad examples of transgression as well. Like the the, player, the classic one is the thief in the party who steals from the other members of the party. That's just a dick move. And, and you obviously you Well, well you let's counter that with the paladin who then cuts off his hand. Well, yeah. Yeah, intra-party conflict can work if the gm's kind of in on it and maybe they're an npc or something but most of the time that's that's not a good way to go about things or if you know that the adventure is going or the campaign is going to be centered about around raiding dungeons and piecing together clues then playing your half orc bisexual cupcake chef it's just not really a appropriate that would be then transgressing in a, in a bad way so my question to you guys then to to launch from this is what are some good examples of transgression? What are some bad examples of transgression? And do you feel at all scared or inhibited in what you say or what you incorporate in your games or products, as the case may be, by this atmosphere? Who's first? Uh, let's go with Heathen Dog first. Okay. All right. Uh, the uh, uh, Your... Example of not an example, but a definition of transgression as uh, necessary for uh, for story because story requires some form of conflict. I'm completely on board with the the the, the premise of your definition of transgression. I'm completely on board with. Uh, now your your bringing in of the meta transgression, which is uh, people's personal feelings on things that are by definition fictional. And them being offended by things that don't exist. Like, yes, in if you wanted to make a game historically accurate about uh, the 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 evils of some of the of 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 people who have held the office of the papacy, and you wanted to make a historically accurate game about that, and someone is personally offended by that, you have to say, "Listen, I'm making this historically accurate." 
but this is a game. None of what is happening here is, is real. Okay? It's based in historical accuracy, fine. But, the, but the, this game doesn't really exist except in our heads. So if you want to be offended by things that aren't real, then I want you to go be offended by things that aren't real away from me. Now, the, the, the same thing I would, I would say to someone who, who objects to um, orcs being, being treated like, like, like a monster class in a game that they're playing. Um, orcs are not people too, because orcs aren't people. Orcs aren't real. A anyone who is meta transgressed, that, that literally means you, you are, you are butthurt by things that aren't real. I have no time for you. No time for you whatsoever. I, I give you no amount of thought quarter or uh, air that I want to breathe. You have a right to exist and I have a right to ask you to exist away from me. And that's it. I mean, I, there, there's really not, nothing else, else to say about, you know, you are right. You need some kind of conflict in a game to have a story. You know, wh whether whether the, the, the game master created the conflict or the players created the conflict by by making a character that is naturally conflicting to the world that you that you framed. Either way, that is a story. Now, if you if, if the player as a person, not as a character, is offended by something in your game. They need to calm down. They, they need to take a step back and understand they're being offended by things that aren't real. And if they can't do that, uh, that I, have, I, have, I have no place for them. And that's it. I, I have no place for them in my life, at my table, um, you know, or around my family members. You know, I, 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 they're, they're, in my mind, these are bad people. The, these, these are people that can't think critically, logically, and cannot separate what they believe is true to what uh, may actually be true. What they believe is true to them is absolute. And I can't stand people who don't leave room to be wrong. And people who are meta-transgressed in their own minds cannot be wrong. That's why they have the ability to be meta-transgressed. So I have no room for them, and I would happily ask them to leave any table I was on. And if, if I'm not in control of that table, and the, the, the people who are this way are in control of that table, I will say, thank you for your time, please excuse me, and I would leave forever. That's how I deal with it. Cool. Again, I think it's a bit different from a publisher's perspective because I think if I did, you're absolutely right. When 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 it, when it comes to someone's uh, uh, living, there there is there is a uh, a uh, pander pander to the base because you need the money. I understand that. I I can't speak to that because I've never actually put something out there for money, so I I can't yeah. speak intelligently to that or about that. I can only speak to my you know, what I've done and what I can do. So I mean, if, if you did make a historically accurate game around the Spanish inquisition, you, you might well have trouble 
at putting up for sale anywhere at this point. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You know, my, my, mine would be like you know, pit and the pendulum nonsense. You know, it would be it would be crazy. Has and uh, didn't I, I like five get, of those games. Oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> not I, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Twitter would be ablaze. You know, doxing me, uh, maybe trying to go after my dog. You know, whatever. So. Yeah, there, there, there is a, a a certain. But the thing is, again, this is the this is the the more losing respect for these for these meta transgressed people that they that that uh, have have no have no room in their heads for for other for pluralism. You know, just just holding two different ideas at the same time, both can be true. This is possible, and it is the hallmark of a thinking individual. And and people that 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 you are afraid of as not afraid but concerned about as a publisher are people who are unable to perform this this uh, this what I believe to be a simple act of humanity. Cool. I know. I have uh, no time. Should we move on to Dave then? Because he's been quiet for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's largely because my cat had been spending the last half hour whining. Um. So. So uh, my background, a large part of my background is in writing. I, I studied the craft of fiction for 10 years from high, going high school through my time in college. I studied it for a long time. And what you talk about with conflict, uh, just like Ethan Dog said, conflict is the center of any story. If you want to have an engaging, interesting story, there needs to be some kind of a conflict there. Conflict well, said that. I just agreed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You you agree. Conflict drives. Conflict drives our lives in a lot of ways, and that's what like that parallel I think is what makes stories and games revolving around like presenting worlds and presenting these interesting narratives. That's that's what makes them engaging. Um, as for the meta transgression side of things in. Uh, in games, I want to take it from the angle where you were going on, where you were mentioning where's the value in it, where's the value they see in it. Because the other portion I majored in when I was in school was game design. It's power fantasy, it is strictly power fantasy. There is no desire among that particular crowd to experience a particular narrative, a particular immersion into a world. It is simply a desire for a raw power fantasy. That's why we end up with ideas like, you know, the combat wheelchair and these ideas of trying to forcefully represent the self in a tabletop game where part of the goal of a tabletop game is to immerse yourself in someone that isn't you, in a world that isn't yours. It's... A desire, I personally think it's more a desire on the ends of the people who want this. It's a desire to grasp a world by the horns and say, you bend to my will. I could do whatever I want to do and not be limited by anything. I have the power here. And if that's the kind of a game you want to play, all right, yeah, go ahead. Play that game. I'm personally not going to enjoy a game like that. And chances are, if 
you try to come to me and want to play in a game like that. Yeah, I could maybe, I could maybe uh, do that for you for two or three sessions. But here's the thing: that can't last. Power fantasies never last. It's like playing through a game with God mode on, playing through God of War with God mode on. It's fun for about the first half hour to an hour, whipping the blades of chaos over your head, shredding through centaurs and, and satyrs and ripping enemies to pieces as Kratos and, and being able to feel like, yeah, I'm the God of War. You can't do shit to me. And then it gets old. It gets route because what are you really doing? What are you really accomplishing? Well, you're not accomplishing anything. It's, it's a temporary fix. It's like a high. And in my experience playing on I mean, the few occasions I've played with people that want that the games have never lasted because that feeling never lasts. It's a temporary feeling and it's one they become so fixated on that it, it almost becomes like a drug for them. And so they play three, four sessions, fall out of it, start talking about the game with their friends and their little core group of people in their lives for a few weeks. And then they start looking for a new game to bring that same character into. The satisfaction is exceedingly temporary and it's disappointing that there is that seeming disconnect where they can't draw the line that for one, representing a negative aspect of reality in a game is not an endorsement by the person representing that. It's a way to explore it. It's a way to engage with it that should hopefully add interest, depth, verisimilitude, uh, texture to the worlds you're presenting. And it's supposed to garner greater interest. There's a disconnect there where the chords, the outlets, they're, they're, not, they're not sinking. And it's I feel bad for them in that sense because that is an entirely huge aspect of the tabletop gaming world that, that's that's what makes these games memorable. That's what makes our campaigns, our characters that that grew to stand with us in our hearts, the ones that we remember fondly. That's why we remember them fondly, is because of that texture, because of that conflict, because of those transgressions, and finding ways to overcome those in a way that feels satisfying and, and real and gives the character growth and lets us feel like we're growing with them, ideally speaking. With if, if you don't have that, if you deny yourself that, you're never going to feel fully satisfied with this hobby. I genuinely believe that. If you're the type of person out there, spe speaking to anyone out there who might feel this way, who, I mean, if you feel this way, I imagine you're probably not watching the stream, but on the off chance. I hope that one day you realize that that feeling is always going to be temporary. And each time you get that hit of that power fantasy, it's going to last less and less and less. And eventually you're probably going to end up leaving the hobby behind to move on to something else because it's not going to be satisfying for you. And those that don't, well, they're going to get mad. They're going to rail against it. They're going to try to force change that is ultimately harmful, I think, to the hobby as a whole. Because you're not coming from a place of good faith at that point. You're coming from a place where, you know, you have this specific thing that you want and you're not feeling satisfied with it. Well, take a step back, maybe. Consider why you're not feeling satisfied with it. Maybe consider the fact that the other side might have a point. Unfortunately, I do think there's a lot of bad actors out there who are not willing to take that step back and consider it or for 
whatever outside reasons they might have, be they, you know, be they a certain political leaning, be they a socio so, social leaning, be they just being a generally angry, embittered person who gets a kick out of making other people miserable. Unfortunately, those people exist. For whatever reason, you know, there's that group out there who is going to look at our hobbies, look at the things they like, look at any aspect of pop culture, really. Not not just this, but any aspect of pop culture. That's not the first time we've been targeted. No, no, it certainly isn't. I mean, we had an entire moral panic partly centered around what we do back in the 80s. Um, you know, there, there's always going to be those people who are going to try and lash out against uh, whatever's in, whatever's popular, no matter how popular it is, whatever niche is out there to try and use it for their own uh sometimes nefarious ends. And for those who are seeking that power fantasy and who end up getting wrapped around the finger of these less, uh, these more disingenuous people. I mean, I, I can only hope that someday you, you wake up and that, that, you, that you notice what's happening and that you can come to see that, there's a lot to like about this hobby if you're willing to engage it on its terms. And you probably will have more fun if you're willing to step out of your comfort zone at least a little bit at a time. And you might find something a lot more satisfying than just engaging in a constant power fantasy that is only ever going to feel less and less satisfying over the course of time. I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to bring it up uh, when I was talking about transgression, but playing something other than yourself seems to be transgressive now or writing mm -hmm. a setting or a world uh like i'm fascinated by hindu mythology and i'd love to write a game based based around that sort of sort of world but you know i would get <laughs> i would get torn to pieces because I'm, I'm not south asian right um so that would be transgressive as well you make it sound like like we've all known new players who come in and are munchkins right which is a more straight-up power fantasy. I'm going to play a, a strength 18 slash 100 barbarian, and I will cleave everything that stands before me. That's the kind of power fantasy that we're used to seeing yeah. and Indeed. dealing with. So are we dealing then with a millennial slash zoomer wave of munchkins that have all joined <laughs> at once, but they've got a different power fantasy? Oh, yeah. Uh, can, can, can I interject, GM? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. The the uh, power fantasy that uh, that uh, um, I'm most worried about is is not GM Dave's example of a power fantasy where 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 some someone wants you know they they, they don't want their character to die they they, they don't want the you know, they they want all only good things to happen to their character and to win every time and the possibility of losing is is absolutely inconceivable. The one I'm worried about is I think the one that Grim is worried about the where where the the player is not playing a character the player is playing themselves therefore everything that happens to the character is a personal affront yeah to them they and don't that have is what i was trying to get at i don't know if i did it successfully but that is kind of what i was trying oh, that to is get what you're, at. okay that is what you're getting yeah. at okay yeah yeah because the, the, those those are the people that that the, those are the 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 uh ideological zealots that that harm society as a whole you know those, those are the people who who uh who who can't separate real real from not real and then become personally offended at at, at things like i said that 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 don't actually exist we, i i see that a lot now 
um, is especially, you know, online and in, uh, in online games that I've watched is, uh, they're not personally invested in their character. Their character is an, ex is, is them. And anything that happens to their character is a personal affront to them. And therefore meta transgressed, you know, they're like, Oh no, mm -hmm. you, you've actually harmed me personally by, by uh, you, you in this fake world harm, harming this 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 fake person, or 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 do or doing it in this fake way, and that's just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, GM Dave is is also right that you know, the the whole uh, uh, have having absolutely you know being able to win every every time takes away from uh, story. It, it eliminates it. It eliminates the story. And for me, without that, is also not fun. Okay, I. Have to go and get something to eat before it gets too late. So I'll uh, hand over MC duties to to Max. And can we go, Aaron, Max, OG? Hopefully, I'll be back quicker than that. Or you'll you'll both you'll all bloviate, I'm sure. So. Oh, okay. You don't want <laughs> to hear Aaron's part, is what you're saying. Back, back uh, in a minute. All right. <laughs> all right, Aaron, go ahead okay. and then give us your uh, five cents. Meta transgression. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Well, I was actually going to start with transgression. Transgression. Um, okay. You know, it's it's funny that Grim is departing now because I actually wanted to talk about one of his games. Uh, so he he has the the, the game actual fucking monsters. Uh, subscribe. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, yeah. And the it is the title of the game. It but is, basically, yeah. the whole oh, thing wait. is. So what? There you go. Okay, okay. Okay. So the whole the whole thing is built around transgression. Basically, you're playing characters that sustain themselves on a supernatural level by transgressing in some capacity, whether it's causing just in incredible amounts of suffering to uh, NPCs in the world, or um, or you know just like surviving through you know cannibalism or something like that. Ultimately, they always have to do something bad because the whole point of the game is to play these characters that are terrible until they get their comeuppance because they 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 missed they're out monsters. On... Yeah, they're monsters. They're actual. <laughs> they do monsters. monster things. They're, yeah. they're not. They're not the Twilight. Weird, it's in the title. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is something that I I absolutely adore. Um, and you know, from what he was saying about publishers um, or design. Absolutely. I mean, there are there like basically I had to tone down what I really wanted to do with the uh, the hospital uh, module uh, dramatically because of the fact that I knew that there were certain buttons that if I push, then, you know, my first module could be my very my last one that could that could ever be seen that could even be on drive through RPG. And there are certain games that like there is a game I am dying to write right now. But here's the thing, I can't I can't do that because if I do, then there is no no way that, that I'm going to have any kind of future in this uh, hobby. Um, the only way for me to do it is to do it anonymously. That's the only way it could possibly be done. And uh, so that's you that's the first Alan Smithy of game design. <laughs> I'm probably not the first. I'm, I mean, there is there is encounter critical, isn't isn't there something something like that that was uh the uh yeah i think i think that's what it was called the one that was released kind of like a joke game but uh yeah oh look i found this thing uh but anyway that, that's kind of but yeah so i i think that it's incredibly important uh, i think that transgression in rpgs is more important whenever my games are uh 
less fatal because uh, whenever I have a very fatal game, then, you know, you have so much to worry about just getting from pl place to place that, you know, you, the, the incentive to, to do things is uh, a little bit more uh, inherent to it. I, I, I would say whenever we're playing my, the, the games that kind of have the power fantasy and that, in, you know, so whenever I would run my fifth edition game before I learned how to tweak like tweak it in such a way that the power fantasy isn't as terrible. Um, in that case, you know, using using transgressive themes would often uh, make the players a lot more invested. So I think it's very important. And I think that it's a really a, a big problem that people want to just paint you in a horrific light as, as an individual. If you use these themes in your games, they want to say, not only should you not do them because it's problematic, but it also is a representation of you as a person in a negative way. And I think that that's a pretty reprehensible way of looking at things. I also think it's really untrue. Um, you know, for me as an individual, I like to run things that have transgressive themes, but you know, if you ask the people that I grew up with, they're going to tell you that I'm basically kind of a saint. I'm actually very much a prude in how I handle like real life situations and things like that. I'm like, yeah, come on y'all. Y'all don't need to be acting like that. You know, uh, I, I, I've never even smoked marijuana. <laughs> Part of that's because it's illegal, but, um, you know, so I, I would say that it's it's inaccurate, it's unnecessary, and it's harmful to the poten potential that we could have in the hobby if people weren't trying to go out and stifle, uh, you know, people's what you can do with games. So, and you even see that in in you know the comments. So, uh, at one point uh, when when we were showing what Grim has done, somebody said, "Oh, Gore, he's a freak." Basically, um, you know, Tales of Gore. And, uh, you know, to that, I say, uh, fuck you personally. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's where I stand as far as that goes. Now, as far as the meta transgression, um, I would say that as long uh, I'm, so for instance, I'm okay with the, the, the paladin that's going to chop the hand off of the thief. If that's the kind of game that we're going to play, um, you know, you really have to define those, those parameters ahead of time and figure out what exactly you're wanting to do because in uh the public game that i'm running alignment is uh very strongly featured so if you have somebody who's behaving in a particularly uh chaotic way especially if, it, if it's like an active kind of chaotic way you know as in like i'm an agent of chaos i'm i'm not just you know someone who i don't really care about the law i don't really care about that kind of stuff no if you're actually trying to uh you know tear things apart you know, from the seams, then, uh, yeah, obviously the, the cleric is going to take issue if you start trying to, uh, push, push things in that direction on a cosmological scale. And so, yeah, the paladin might want to chop your thief's hand off. So you might want to be careful about how you go about it. And, uh, similarly, uh, you know, but like I said, it's all about just what you agree with as far as what kind of game you're going to play. So, uh, and really that, that goes as far as thematics too, just with, playing a transgressive game. You know, whenever I advertised my hubris game, I said, look, this setting is fucked up. It's really, really bad. Um, and so the very first session we played, you know, the, 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 the players learned, yeah, uh, nobody's allowed to have sex here unless they're a noble. Uh, and if they're a noble, then, you know, they, they, they uh, basically can have sex with whoever, whatever peasant they want. And the peasants want to, because that's the only way that they can procreate. And then, then, you know, the actual, the king 
uh, you know, sleeps with his sister. And that's how they, they're the only ones allowed to have spawn in that way. And it gives them particular magic powers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so basically the people, the players in the game, they're like, wow, that's really messed up. That's cool and interesting now. Uh, and uh, then, then, of course, we had the thing where, you know, somebody's like, well, I want to change the system, you know. Uh, and you know they want to be the the bringer of light in this dark dark world, and we had to we had to ask ourselves, is that the game that we want to play? So uh, I could go on, but I won't. Okay, who is next? Uh, uh, OG or was it Max? No, it was me, and then then OG. But if OG wants to take it, he can. I don't care. Um, oh, there's so much. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> nope. do, so you, do you want me? Do you want me to go first, then, so you can compile your? I mean, I'm gonna be scatterbrained either way. Okay. Uh, so let's let's address the first ones uh, again. Conflict is the story. There's more than one kind of conflict. If you think conflict is only combat, no, there's dramatic comedy, whatever. You know, there's only five stories you can tell, and only 35 ways you can tell it. Blah blah blah. Uh, then the second one was addressing like you know how to be a publisher and how to deal with the PC as a publisher. Anybody remember this warning? That used to be in all the games. What happened to this warning? It got replaced with gender nonsense. This used to be in every game, and you understood. <laughs> I don't know when this became a thing. I played for 40-some-odd years and didn't care who you are, didn't care what you thought. As long as, The only rule was don't be an ass. Other than that, I, you know, if you if you are, um, I played with you know um, drag queens and trans and the women and military and victims of PTS and all the things that are getting X carded now, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody was like, oh, orcs are racist. No, they're just these are just the tools of the game we're playing, and you just accept that or you go away. As long as you're not an ass and trying to pee all over the table. Nobody cares. But then something happened, and I don't know what happened. And, you know, the first time we've been targeted, and it won't be the last, but now we're being targeted for being whatever this Feelings is. happened. It's that simple. Feelings I happened. I had feelings before, just I guess not as many, or I don't know. So, and then the third one was, you know, people kept saying historically accurate D&D, &D, and, you know, if, we, if I was running historically accurate, if... We were playing historically accurate Dungeons and Dragons. All our characters would have been stoned or burned at the stake for being witches <laughs> because the Dark Ages sucked for anything and anyone that was different, no matter where you lived. There was no progressive PC culture in the Dark Ages, caveman, you know, the industrial revolution. The This is a new thing. So if you think, you know, SJW... PC culture is politically is historically accurate. It's not. Your wizard would have been killed day one. Your wizard in a wheelchair probably would have died from dysentery because you got the least amount of food because everybody thought you were going to die anyways. Or your parents just would have sold you off to the church or killed you or sold you as a slave, as a jester. So, yeah, okay. Um, so, so, yeah, you can't make it historically accurate and make D&D. &D. You want to play a historically accurate game? Play a historically accurate game. <laughs> so I think the, the you know the the part of the problem of the transgression and the meta transgression and I have a great story about meta transgression and the playing yourself is at some point in time the game stopped being about being a hero and started being about the tra the transsexual half orc 
Cupcake Girl, the, the, the power fantasy. I mean, the min-maxing power fantasy is going to be in every game, at every iteration of the game, no matter what. It's just going to be an aspect of game. But then this, this, you know, the, the Cupcake Girl showed up, and everybody now wants to be the Cupcake Girl. And you can't kill the Cupcake Girl. Now apparently you have to ask their permission before you kill them. When did that become a thing? And in the old days it was you're supposed to be the hero. That is the story we're telling, the heroic journey. And now it's, I want to be the half-orc cupcake girl. Well, that's, you know, session zero. We should have discussed that, that this was the half-orc cupcake girl game. And we were all going to play, because I had a friend who ran a game called Princess Quest a couple years ago where everybody was playing, you know, basically Adventure Time princesses. And it was a great game because everybody agreed that was the story. And then Cupcake Girl totally fits in Adventure Princess Time, but Cupcake Girl does not fit in the world of hubris or in any dark fantasy. So you can't bring that meta transgressions into the game if you understand. Again, it goes back to respecting the rules of the universe and the, the session zero of the universe. If everybody agrees at session zero, we're running Cupcake Girl game. Fine, we're running Cupcake Girl game. But if you know, nobody agrees and we're all going to play hubris and then somebody shows up wanting to play Cupcake Girl and they're offended because we all agreed to play hubris. It's like, no, you were here. We all agreed to play hubris. So why are you meta transgressed? This game isn't about you. These are the rules of this game. These are orcs are tools of the game. They're not racist or sexist. They're tools. Oriental Adventures was not historically accurate and it was not meant to invent anybody. It was meant to capitalize on the ninja phase of the 80s. <laughs> so. Um, well, hold, hold on. Let's, let's use that for just a second because look at Cyberpunk, which you just did a video on, and, uh, and Shadowrun, how they're going after games like that, saying that it's exploitation of Asian culture, the Asian panic scare, blah, 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 and all that other stuff, and how racist it was to make those games back you know, in that same era. There's nothing uh, racist about Cyberpunk. My <laughs> wife's Japanese, and, she'll, and she was on our show when we talked about the whole Oriental Adventures thing, and she thinks these people are ridiculous. If anything, Cyberpunk is the most embraceive genre because it's the genre that says be whatever the hell you want the technology exists that if you want to be a half zebra give me a thousand dollars in two hours i will make you a half zebra because i have that technology so how can you say mike poundsmith is racist how can because he's black how can you say this is a racist asian phobic transphobic game system the whole point of cyberpunk is be whoever the fuck you want because you're going to die in a you know a blaze of glory anyways if you want to be a half zebra, I can make you a half zebra. There's nothing transphobic, racist, whatever about this game. Dunno, Hebra sounds a bit uh, anti-Semitic to me. <laughs> Hebra, Hebra. I'm a Jew. Uh, as, as the son of a Jewish man, I give you a pass, OGGM. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Jewish. As the former neighbor of a well, Jewish you man, you've you, you been more clapped than me in that regard. <laughs> As historically and genetically German, I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, you know, so many people got upset about Oriental Adventures. That, that's kind of what started this whole bullshit, right? And it's like Oriental Adventures is not historically accurate. And it's not meant to be historically accurate. It was, hey, this ninja Power Rangers phase is going on. How can we capitalize on the fact that right now, at this point in the history of the 80s, America is very obsessed with Asia? 
we will make it oriental adventure to capitalize on the ninja phenomenon. That was <laughs> it. That was the only reason it was made. Well, what they always oh, no. miss. No, what you know what you miss. just did to me? You know what you just did to me? You you had me flash back to the movie Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> what I always miss about Oriental Adventures is the Oriental Adventures had sensitivity readers before sensitivity readers were a thing. Yeah, they had uh, a whole bunch of various Asian gamers read through the book and make sure everything was. was yeah, 50 people say they well they didn't consult or you know Oriental writers like yeah they did. I know one of them. They totally consulted Oriental individuals. Um, so yeah, um, I, th I I don't know how this started. The meta transgression. My first experience with meta transgression was like five six years ago. I'm running a, I'm running a game, and it was a Thanksgiving game. So I run every Thanksgiving night of the dire turkey, and it is a total homage to black and white films, where the the whole premise, no matter what setting, is. You're going to fight a giant turkey. It's a Thanksgiving game. Nobody does Thanksgiving games. Everybody does Halloween or Christmas games. I'm running a black and white 1950s, you know, giant monster. And it is called Night of the Dire Turkey. So I'm running this scenario. And this one girl starts crying because she was upset because we were hurting the turkey. <laughs> so that's like my first example of meta transgressions. Like this isn't about you. You do understand this a this isn't a real turkey. It is a giant, sixty foot tall, fire breathing turkey. And b the whole scenario is about killing this turkey before it destroys the city. It's not a real turkey. I understand you're PETA. You love your animals, but this is a game. Why are you upset? And she left the store crying. And I was like, oh well, I guess this game's over. <laughs> so yeah, I I I. I guess on some level, I kind of understand it. Just it's it was never part of the game until it was. Everybody was welcome, and now it's like you can't. I can't. I don't know. Can we still run the game now without offending someone, or is just is it just has this PC culture ruined the hobby in the, in its attempt to save the hobby? Tasha's is the perfect example, you know, of the most recent because when they released Tasha's, when they first released Tasha's, they said very clearly. This is what it's going to be about. And for the entire year, this is what it's going to be about. This is what it's going to be about. Tasha's came out and people complained. It isn't what you said it was going to be. And Wizards of the Coast, not that I like to defend them, but their response was, no, it is exactly what it said we were said it was going to be. So that's that's my two cents. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, just Max. I, I missed Aaron singing my praises, apparently, as my headphones cut out just as he was, he was saying that. So. <laughs> Uh, well, then, you know, you, you would you, you missed uh, an elaborate five minute proposal that was uh, that was done in song with some amazing choreography. Damn, damn. Oh, well. And, and b by the way, I answered yes in your stead because it was amazing. Yeah. So, Max, you're up. So my notes are so disjointed. They cover two pages now. <laughs> on this so uh, i hope i'm gonna go in order so i want to actually want to answer I, I, I don't know if anybody else did that's not a knock it's like but a lot of people had some really good points but i actually want to answer grim's question to start and then uh make some comments so good examples i'm going to generalize here because i think they knocked it out of the park with what they've already said uh but the good examples are are global problems 
global issues, slavery, colonialism, uh, climate change, if you want to add that in there, whatever. I mean, the, how, how do we address these things? Worldly problems, you know, that the game master puts into the game world, whether it's as cliche as an empire trying to take over, the orcs trying to take over, or something more, you know, dramatic and, you know, or subtle. But world-defining problems, I think, are good examples of transgressions that include the real-world problems of, uh, you know, let, let's put one on here. Oh, about to get banned on YouTube. <clears throat> Just warning y'all. But how blacks sold their own people from Africa to the English, to the whites, to the Germans, to the Americans, to, you know, whomever. So, you know, when you address those things, doesn't that make you want to conquer them, though? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't that make you want to i mean that that's that was one of the notes i wrote down don't you want to defeat slavery wouldn't that be isn't that so much better than what i'm going to now say is a bad example which is representation or personal conflict and, and to go with gm dave's uh power fantasy thing i thought that was a perfect word i was actually looking for a word as i was writing the notes and i thought the power fantasy hit it in uh, personal conflict to, to the modern gamer seems to be more important than world building or large scale conflicts. They would rather worry about what the bartender or that you don't call the, 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 ser the, the serving lady a wench or some crap like that at the table instead of worried about real problems of, you know, the pirates, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, can't talk, um, uh, intercepting Rampaging trade routes and pillaging. Yeah. yeah yeah well intercepting trade routes and so forth or like the the chicken or the sorry the turkey a moment ago they'd rather worry about this some sort of PETA mess than look I'm 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 not PETA but I'm about as animal rights animal loving as it comes I don't like animal cruelty in any form at all but I will absolutely go out there and slay a bunny if that bunny is trying to be it is a vorpal bunny plus five you know what I'm saying so uh it just needs to be done fire breathing demon spawn uh christmas critter from south park right yeah <laughs> so uh so th th so with the power fantasy the way i see it as is these players and i'm talking about the players now they, first of all they see that their characters it's difficult to die yes there are rules gms can put in place but generally speaking in modern gaming it's difficult for or especially dnd fifth edition it is difficult for players to die there's the character power fantasy the player power fantasy comes from the player trying to lord over the game whether it's threatening the gm or insulting the gm or we're basically saying you are going to let me play this oc you are you must allow me to play this tiefling there are no tieflings on my world we never touched planescape well i'm playing one and if you don't do it you're a bad not only are you a bad game master you're a bad person and i'm going to stop you from uh, even running games here the the other uh, one of the other questions that you asked is like uh or in tone, I just wrote scared question mark, but I'm only scared, if you want to use that term, to run games at conventions. Outside of that, if I get kicked out of a gaming store, I don't care. If I And I'm not even really scared, except for the fact that I paid the money for the convention, I don't want to lose it. But other than that, I plan on wearing this shirt at the next convention. I'll have another one underneath, just in case. But, uh, uh, but I don't care because I literally, and pardon me for saying this, I, I love you guys are on the panel here and so forth. You've been great guests, whether this time or multiple times, but I don't fucking care about people's feelings, okay? Feelings don't fucking matter to me when it comes to the rules of the game or what happens at the table. I will never use an X card. I will never use consent in gaming. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. I, I just won't do it. Uh, with that said, there is a sense of decorum that people are supposed to have around other people. 
You know how to, you don't just go up to, you know, your, your fast food restaurant. Well, maybe you do. Where are you from? I don't know. Heathen Dog's from Detroit. Maybe he has to do this just to get food. But you don't go out and go, yo, bitch, give me a burger. You don't do that. I mean, there's a decorum that you're, that you're supposed to have. And I think we all know what that's supposed to be. These people just feel empowered. And I've got notes all over the place here. So, um, let's see, this was leading somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was writing it up when somebody put it. I think it was Shazer, but somebody put it in comment. Uh, but uh, absolutely, if you take if you take offense to what I say, well, that's theft. I didn't give you offense. You took it. That's theft. Give the shit back because I want it. That's my offense. You don't get to have it. I don't. I don't intentionally give offense unless you've already started something. Uh, See, so, so my worlds always have some form of slavery, whether it's through upper class, lower class, whether it's through, uh, you know, orcs taking humans while the orcs go wage war. I don't know. I mean, just I, I always have some form of that there. And of course, there's always a free land, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, that might fight against that. Well, you are not you. If we were the group, the six of us here were the group. You are not at first level going to change the politics of the planet. You are not going to convince the king that slavery is bad. If anything, you're going to be thrown in the dungeons if you try to do that. I mean, which goes into the realistic thing. Somebody said that you can't have realistic D&D. I agree with that. But you can have realism. And what I mean by that is you can have realistic reactions and behaviors within the game world concept that, and it just makes the game better. People will react in a certain and appropriate way. The king or the prince or whatever, the noble of the land isn't going to let you give him the middle finger without something happening to you. And if you think that your character at level one is going to get by with that, not in my game. Now, maybe when you're level 15 and you could snap your finger, teleport him to the moon or something like that. Yeah, you might think a little differently about that. But again, you just don't... Your character is just a cog in the wheel until it gets to the point that it isn't. And that, that's what frustrates me, is I see this with low-level characters so much. Um, see, uh, it is a player's responsibility to conform to the world. That's kind of a transgression now, I think. Where, where it's a metal it, it, one anyway, yeah. Right, right. It is your responsibility as a player to conform to the world. So if GM Dave is running a game and I'm in it, I don't get to dictate to him, hey, GM Dave, I know you said that this is going to be an Arthurian knight type uh, adventure, but I'm going to play a necromancer with a pet ghast. Cool, right? Let's do this. No, that, that doesn't make sense. Well, no, that's my character. That's what I'm going to do. That that's. I don't care that your world is Arthurian Knights and shouldn't accept that. You, you have to... Everything is... And I say this so much. You all have probably heard this. I don't know. But with the imagination, all things are possible. We already know this. All things are possible with imagination. So stop saying that imagination is prevalent. What is more important is what is probable or what is plausible in accordance with the game world set up by the game master. Whether that's a setting like Forgotten Realms or that's, uh, you know, a, a homebrew world. Maybe the homebrew world, world has three gods, one for neutral, one for evil, one for good. Or maybe it has two gods uh, that are competing against each other. Or maybe it goes Abrahamic, where, you know, we think they're gods, and we think it's a prophet, and we think they're three gods. You know, whatever. My, my point being is, if you do that, you can't come in and say, well, I, I worship uh, Toth. No, there are no Egyptian gods here. Well, that's how I built my character. Too fucking bad. <laughs> like, and, and I again, using the transgression thing, I, I really believe that they've put the personal conflict and brought it to the table, not just to the game, not just to the character, but to the table, 
and, and made that kind of the cause du jour. Um, Heathen Dog took my pluralism comment, so I'll just leave it at that. But uh, does anybody... Hey, he- I'm a thief. <laughs> does anybody here, uh, other than Heathen Dog, because I already know he knows this, know what our three tenants of RP Gate are? Hashtag RP Gate. I do, but I can't rattle them off off the top of that's my head. Fi- that's fine. I don't expect you. <laughs> I honestly don't expect you guys to. That's that's our motto. You don't have to have it, of course. Yeah. But it's escapism. This is what this is our belief. This is what tabletop role playing games are. Look at that. It's right there. Escapism, not representation. Entertainment over activism and organic diversity. This means don't gatekeep gatekeep people un- uh, unless, like uh, the OGGM said, they're assholes. Don't gatekeep them. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Uh, organic diversity from natural inclusion. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care you know, what, what you do in your personal life. I don't care if you're polyamorous or whatever you want to call yourself. I'm still going to use the English language, not some made of baby talk words. But the point being is I don't care what you do. Just come to my table and be cool. Be a good person and try to get along with all the other people there. And you're going to be accepted. I don't care who you voted for. I can't remember if I put it in your chat or somebody else or on Discord or somebody else. But I was gatekept from a game. Again, this is on multiple videos that we talked about. Because I voted for Bush in 2000. This was uh, 2002, 2000, no, it was before I went to Kuwait. So it's 2002 or early 2003. I got kicked out of a game because four people said, I will not play with a with a, a war for oil or whatever the hell that damn comment was then. Four people. The Game Master liked me. He wanted me to play. And I didn't come to the table and talk politics. They did. But because I was a conservative, I got kicked out of the game because four people said they wouldn't play with somebody like that. So let's see who's really doing the gatekeeping, going back to the transgressivism here. I think there's more transgressivism at the table, which seeps into the game. So does, that, does that make sense? And like, I don't think it started in the game. It started with the people, whether it's the orcs are racist or, you know, uh, you know the, the, the Asian fools who say the Oriental Adventures is wrong and you know, whatever else. It started with a cause du jour and they found a focus. Well, if I feel this way in real life, well, it must be true in a fantasy game, right? Because you put it in the fantasy game, you must actually be a closet or overt something or another istophobe. That's bullshit. I'm an istophobe in the game because it inspires the conflict, because it's part of world building, because it's part of the world that's there. I'm not an istophobe in real life. Isn't it Gygax? And I, by the way, I don't sleep at the altar of Gygax. I don't think he was perfect. I think he set the right tone. I think that he understood the genre of what he was building. But I don't, I absolutely do not believe that every word he said was correct. However, he was very poignant about the fact that he said people don't want to play themselves. Well, it's weird how that's changed. I've got that book, Role-Playing Mastery. It says in there, it's because it was was going against the Satanic Panic at the time, where it states people don't generally want to play themselves. They want to play something different from themselves because this is escapism. How that changed, I don't know. But my, my point in that is I'm going to play the character that I can't be in the real world because I can play me all day. So... I, to, to bring it back to the transgressivism, um, I, I really do believe that that uh, that the good examples are the, are the global the global scale ones. Even maybe not so much at like level one, but you can start at local scale. Something bigger than the characters that they want to change. Maybe it's just a corrupt low level politician. Maybe it's a you know a, a theme of abuse or something that you can cater at that level. And then as they grow more powerful, uh, they can attack bigger issues. But they're turning it into the uh, the representation or or the personal, and and that's the that those are the bad examples. So, I have a couple more notes on here, but that's good enough. I th- I think I rambled enough there. 
All right. Uh, Grim, uh, Grim, you were muted. Yeah, Grim, uh, go ahead and uh, check out chat. And if there's if there's any chat that uh, that uh, um, you know is is in, involved in your topic and, and something that that you want to uh, you want to address, then go ahead and do that. While okay. while you're looking, uh, um, I want to say that uh, um, your topic uh, wins. <laughs> for uh most most thought provoking and hardest to to wrap your head around and not because of your language captain professor yeah. <laughs> no it, it was words yeah okay. yeah you and your big words yeah yeah get wrong, that wrong words next time no, no, it was it was just ju just because uh it is so hard for a lot of people who who have problems like this to empathize with with others i mean uh people people who who are meta transgressed i think uh, are a little sociopathic they're 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 they have a little they have a little bit less empathy for other for for humanity than than most they 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 don't have the ability to separate uh what what they believe to what may actually be real and it it's it's hard for me to admit there are so many of those people in the world that i don't want to but god damn it i have to because i've seen them i've i've, I've read them and they exist and it pisses me off there's nothing i can do about it because if because uh the, the only the only thing that i could do about it was to somehow have godlike powers and snap them out of existence and then <laughs> i'd be just as bad as them and god dang it i'm stuck so yeah, thank you for the frustration. Appreciate well, it. Well, I want to thank Bloodworth for subscribing on Twitch. So that's, that's oh, thank you, Bloodworth. dollars. Appreciate so thank you very much, Bloodworth. So a quick run through the comments. Uh, so Indigo Dragons saw a Twitter post of a 5e DM who cried after accidentally killing a PC in a fight. Well, you didn't kill them. Did the you? dice did that. <laughs> the you dice know? did that. They got unlucky. Um, and... It's okay to be upset at something that happens in the game. I mean, people watch weepy films, people watch horror films to be scared. Sure. You know, it, but then as, as the GM, maybe you should try and make that death meaningful and impactful and, and take a breath. Um, but you, the main thing about that Twitter thing upset. is that she didn't know how to handle it. And she said she didn't know how to handle it in one of her tweets. And yeah. she'd been running it for two years, and that was the first death. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Sad see. on so many levels. Uh, Charlotte says the problem with my example is that all D and D settings have been turned into current year Seattle. Um, yes, that's pundit's catchphrase. But yes, despite it being pundit's catchphrase, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love <laughs> <But> that. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've talked about that. We talked about that earlier, didn't we? How every setting is now homogenous. Yeah. <laughs> but my my view is broader than D and D. It's 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 all games, and this happens with all, all games it's just worst in DD, i think i'm kind of yeah. on the fence about whether i want them to redo dark sun or planescape now because i just know they would genericize it yeah I, I, I would love to see dark sun come back oh but dark sun there's no way there's absolutely no, no. Nobody else they won't. buy the rights you know i mean they I, I believe they've already said as much that they're never gonna they're not gonna touch dark sun they're, gonna, no. they're, 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 they're not going to touch that with a 39 and a half foot hole. <laughs> Fear is too great. Uh, 
there's a lot of SJW, anti-SJW stuff there. I'll just, just skip over that. There's nothing there that hasn't been said a billion times. Um, uh, Shadzar says, Lamentation of the Flame Princess almost died because it went niche into the porn crap. No. Um, no. <laughs> I went into the porn crap, and I'm doing very well, thank you. <laughs> uh, what Lamentations did is their production quality is really high, and the postal fees went up in Finland, and he, you know, his whole involvement with... Um, God, I can't even remember his name now. Zach S. Uh, with Zach, yeah, that... that didn't do him any favors. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they associate lamentations with what Zach supposedly did, and yeah. and because I hit it with the axe with Zach playing with a bunch of porn stars, which I thought was great <laughs> until I found out what a jack jackass he was supposedly is. I loved I hit it with my axe. <laughs> hey, as long as everybody is a willing participant, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know shop mostly trolls, but he does say something interesting here. If a wizard is in a wheelchair, it might make sense to bring them along if they have all the spells. Well, in which case, they're either going to heal themselves, depending on the system, or be floating along on a disc or carried in a palanquin by summoned monsters or something, at which point the wheelchair becomes redundant anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Unless you're talking like a master blaster type thing with a midget wizard on a backpack or something. Well, I, I I always think of a uh, uh, C-3PO on top of Chewbacca, but C-3PO with a rifle, you know, like... Hey. <laughs> Sorry, not, not midget, little person. That's oh, well, it doesn't matter. L little person's probably also bad. As a matter of fact, uh, just just the fact you said both those words, I got to put that up there. Gnome and dwarf. <laughs> um, yeah, most of this seems to be kind of kind of rehashes, really, or people having conversations amongst themselves, which is always... Oh, that's, fine. that's fine. So, uh, yeah. Back to you. Come on, you missed my bait, man. Kevin Rolf did nothing wrong. He didn't. <laughs> There's no bait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if they had a problem with him, personally, I think they should have brought it up with him at the table rather than going behind his back and getting him thrown out and banned. Yeah, yeah. That's when you bring it up, in the moment. I mean, that, that's just one of those cases where, where uh, this whole anti-transgression craziness just clearly ruined somebody's uh, gaming hobby, which is really sad. All right. Well, the only one we have left is Max. And if everyone wants to end now, it's fine. <laughs> hey, hey, we've, we've been um, waiting this whole time for the time bomb to get down to zero. I want to see I, what happens. I'm used to talking to myself. It's okay. <laughs> well, the first thing that's going to happen here is I'm going to share my screen. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to show some Legion Mist stuff for a second. All right. We have stuff. And we have masks that have orc faces on them. We have Orc Lives Matter. Here's Heathen Dog shirt. Players are the natural enemy of a good story. Player agency not allowed. This is what, <laughs> um, what's his name? Bruce Lombardo just bought a cup with this one on it. Truth is a new hate speech. This is one of my favorite ones because it really makes people mad. Half orc? It's okay. My dad walked out too. Uh, ain't woke, ain't broke, uh, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand. Mockery is not hate. Look, you like Palladium? It's got some stats on there. I saw a bunch of people do D&D &D ones. I said, hey, let's do Palladium. Why not? 100% uh, uh, was it Orctosterone-powered? Orc Gotta have that one. 100% uh, toxic orculinity? Can't ban that. It's not a real word. 
let's see comma comma pipe comma is one i get the most comments on and oh here you go this is for aaron the pedantic the only good goblin is a dead goblin you did bar but i but, uh, if you want to be a lich there you go buy a book i don't know and all right let's uh, but that's on our red bubble store i'm going to it's uh actually i can't put this link in there because it's kind of the back inside well yeah maybe i can let's try it let's see what happens it's the worst that can happen doesn't go anywhere boom there you go remember right click and say open new tab don't don't leave the stream that'd be mean Okay, so my topic, the good news is this might be a little shorter now because half of it was taken up with Aaron's topic, but I'm, I'm twisting it just a little bit. And this is, uh, so I'm going to frame it, so, so bear with me a moment here as I frame this, but it's about tabletop role-playing games tribalism. Okay, so, and I'm not talking about I like this game, you like that game. That's That's been around forever, like, oh, I play the better version of this, or I play the better game. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about and this. The irony of this just gets to me because it happened at our Discord yesterday. <laughs> but this person is a shill, or this person is a hack, usually based on generational, but it could be based on you know other other reasons for the opinion. So I have found that grognards and the furry critters alike can't accept any playstyle different from their own. I mean, we've been seeing it in the chat today. If you want to look at that. Gog grognards with the basic DD game and the you know and the uh, the game over player mindset the critters with their homogenized furry story games and so forth and i'm exaggerating on both ends of the spectrum uh, intentionally here so and i found people like aaron to be a rare breed for example somebody who's new to the hobby but some somebody who started with 5e but who prefers osr that's that's in my experience that's incredibly rare so my question is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, do you believe, generally speaking, the hobby, or the first question is the hobby, has moved past Dungeons & Dragons, the original basic and advanced Dungeons & Dragons tropes, and playstyle? As in, sure, there are people who play them, OSR and so forth, but generally speaking, the hobby is done with them. It's only us people who are keeping it alive and so forth. That's number one. Do you think the prevalent style and tropes of the 70s and 80s are mostly passe, relegated to the TTRPG history. Been kind of the same thing, but just, again, keeping the frame there. And what types of tropes, if any, that aren't a part specifically D&D, do you think are over? Again, if any. And, and now, uh, the last thing I want to say about this is, oh, we know the OSR exists. We know some people are trying to keep that alive. But I'm talking the, the breadth and width of the hobby. Because as I'm looking at Kickstarters, I'll see one OSR versus nine newer, you know, rainbows and unicorns type thing. So hopefully that's enough information there. I have my thoughts, but I'm going to do what Aaron did, and I'm going to mute, and uh, I'm going to start with uh, who hasn't gone first ever? The OGGM. You haven't gone first ever. You get to go first now. What was the first question? <laughs> I didn't know there was any <laughs> well, well they're, they're, they're all kind of just wrapped in. It's basically, <laughs> do you believe, generally speaking, that the hobby has moved past Dungeons & Dragons, the original Dungeons & Dragons stuff? Do you believe that, you know, that there are tropes from the 70s and 80s that just are passe? You don't do okay. them anymore. And even bigger than that, what types of tropes do you think are dead? As, as a Grokenard, and the, the idea that Grokenards can't adapt, that's in each individuals choose to adapt or not. I could, I will play anything. I'll play any style. My, my play style has maybe gotten better, but it's still basically the same way I played when I first started playing as a Grokenard, which is just sort of this tongue in cheek, 
very hyper sort of silly. I still play tongue in cheek, very hyper sort of silly. I infamous for playing quirky skill monkeys and just appreciating the fun of the game. I can play dark and serious and, you know, I can play Hulk or whatever, but generally as a Grokenard, I will adapt and just play to, but I think I'm a rare exception. I have run into Grokenards who cannot adapt and who feel they are left behind. So is D&D now a separate entity from D&D first and second? D&D is a name that is applied to a rule set. The thought behind has definitely changed. D&D now is not D&D. That was first zero edition, first edition, second edition, second edition, Blood Wars, second edition, you know, three, 3.5, this version, box set, because there's like, what, 21 different versions? And everybody has their favorite version, which is why the OSR and the retro clones are so amazing. The name hasn't changed. The idea of I'm going to roll a D20 and hope to roll high hasn't changed. The thought pattern has changed. I am not the target audience for D&D 5th edition, even though I did enjoy, I will play it, you know. Um, I'm not the target audience for Critical Role. And I understand that. Um, there, I am the target. Now my target audience is the OSR. That's, there are some stuff that's coming down the pike, new games, you know, unicorns and cupcakes that look amazing. You're like, wow, could this game be the next paradigm shift? And then there's plenty of games I look at the Kickstarter and stuff, and I'm just like, what? No, why? <laughs> I, I don't, there, you know. Why is D&D the number one selling? Because D&D, you know, has the formula that works. But look what number two is, Call of Cthulhu. So obviously the market's out there if you have a good thing. But if you're, you know. Um, so so, so let, me, let, me, let me poke this just a, a little bit. Please do. So how, how do I, I want to ask this? Um, then where does this tribalism that you see come from? When we sit here and say we want everybody to play. We want everybody to play however they want. Read chat. You can see Shadzar saying one thing, Shot saying another thing, and so forth. Uh, session zero. Session zero. I think second session zero is the, the no matter what game. You agree that this is what we're playing, and this is the way we're going to play it. And if you're not comfortable... But you're, but you're playing it wrong. Okay, well, I can't run it that way. You're welcome to find. Let me, the, the one I have used, but again, I play mostly at a game store. The one I have used a lot is my game doesn't seem to be for you. Let me help you find the game that is for you because there's eight other games going on at this store. That way they don't leave the store. But Session Zero, we're all going to play. We're all going to play, you know, uh, Star Wars. We're going to play Star Wars this way. And then somebody comes in. And, and you know what? I now have access to this wonderful technology that allows me to cut and paste everything we agreed upon and put it on the web page. So you can't come in seven sessions from now and say, oh, you're not following the session zero. It's like, no, this is what we all agreed on. You want to change that, we could have another session to change that. But if we all agreed that we're going to play Hubris the way Hubris is written, you can't come in five games from now and be upset because your Princess Cupcake got slaughtered by the Lovecraftian slime monster, we all agreed. So, do so. you think that any? So, do you think there are specifically any tropes that, well, may be true for the OSR as long as we hang on to it? Uh, I think that, I are think just that, generally, that, generally done. There is a preconceived 
one of the many preconceived tropes, and I know a certain green-haired individual recently did a video about this, is that you know you can't play suboptimal characters in D in in OSR, and the OSR is all about just save or die. Both of those are completely untrue. You can't. I years and years, every character I've played is is suboptimal. Every almost ninety percent of the people I played with played suboptimal characters because they were more interesting. So to say, to, so that comment, and then the other that, you know, death death is impossible in D&D now. And, you know, in the old days, you walked out the door, you died. No, that's completely untrue. Death has always been like the common cold in Dungeons and Dragons. You will get better. <laughs> if you, Unless every game I've ever played with, all the way back to first edition, Unless you wanted that character to stay dead, you'd find a way to bring him back. You might have to drag the guy's finger with you for 15 levels till you have enough money to cast Resurrection. But if that guy wants that character back that he played for first level for five minutes and that character died, everybody went out of their way. So it's like, okay, we're going to bring Bob the Fighter back, but it's going to take a while to make enough money to get you re resurrected. But then like, I was like, I'm going to play something else until Bob the Fighter gets resurrected because I want Bob the Fighter. So, no. The first trope, people have been playing suboptimal characters for as long as I know. I, I, as people still choose or not choose, whatever reason, that's each individual, but that's not. That's a trope that people think has gone away that existed in the old. That doesn't. That needs to be brought back. It doesn't. And the the death thing is like, oh, I, you need to ask my permission before you kill me. No, I don't, because chances are you're going to find a way to bring yourself back if I'm playing D and D. If I'm playing another game, then that might be different, but. Nobody stays dead in D and D. It's it's the it's the Uncle Ben rule. <laughs> all right, all right. you got to do uh, is just remove one one or two spells and true. They'll, they'll still find a way. They will find a magic fountain. They'll the blackmail a god. I, I, I've done it personally, where I've fought tooth and nail to bring a character back from the dead uh, for like I would say. Years. I would say get over it. Get over it. Roll your 3d6 in a row. See what you get. Uh, if they're <laughs> worth surviving, then maybe you'll be a little bit more careful. If they're not, then this is the one that checks out for traps. Exactly. All right. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try asking this question one one more way, and then I'll move on to Heathen Dog will be next. I'm, I'm going I'm to do like an alternating thing here because we haven't done that yet. Um, so. Again, I, and I'm using the examples. I'm not. I'm literally not trying to call them up, but it's just such a perfect example because if you read our chat, uh, you know, Shadzar and and uh, Shot, or just look at Twitter, and you've got you know, uh, you know some grognards on this side and the critters on this side, right? Where they're telling you you're playing the game wrong. Is this just tribalism? Is there a wrong way to play? And how? And and I mean that. Is there a wrong way to play? Uh, it could be a game system. It could be there are wrong systems. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, not just bad systems like uh, the, this system sucks. But uh, I mean, Sh Shazer likes to give me a bunch of crap because I'm in the middle of the story game versus the the uh, tabletop role playing game. And he quotes that whole back end of whatever you know, first edition AD and D book where Gygax says this first, that's like I don't give a fuck what Gygax said. Okay, dude's dead, and I don't live at his altar. I do respect him for what he started, and I absolutely will take his word over Matt Mercer's word. But I don't live at that altar because I feel that the hobby has morphed to some degree. Uh, 
but without getting how, how would you answer if somebody sat on this side and said you will play story game and if you don't give player agency you know you're a bad person or that's not how you're supposed to play you're playing it wrong and you've destroyed the hobby how i mean how do you take that and remove that tribalism so that people start to art is never wrong it can be improved it can be done differently but art is never wrong People are going to be offended by my art, just like people were offended by Robert Maplethorpe's art, or people were offended by the Statue of David and they cut off the penis, you know, or ran through the Pompeii and cut off all the penises of the statues. And all those penises are stored in a secret museum somewhere, which I think is awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so, now I had to put up the subscribe banner because you said penises like eight times and, and you said the phrase <laughs> secret penis museum. So there is a you know. secret penis museum. That's a new okay. quest for me now. All right, <laughs> the all right, secret uh, penis museum. It's in the Vatican. All the, when they went to when they went to Pompeii and all the statues, they cut off, they knocked off all the statues because this was during the you know the church's censorship thing, and the same thing with Statue of David. They're all stored in a box somewhere in the Vatican. All right, I'm going to move on to Heathen Dog. Then you've heard I frame this multiple different ways. And I did that intentionally because yeah. I want to keep it somewhat open. Uh, you know, for the discussion side, but I think you understand what I'm trying to get at here. If not, just ask me, but I'm going to let you go. And, and what do you think? How do you manage or what do you believe about this tribalism? If it's even real? Okay. The, the, uh, tribalism thing, uh, is I believe a normal human endeavor. I mean, uh, people, uh, uh hum humanity as a race, uh, it was, has grown to, uh, live most comfortably in small communities, small communities that have a like mind. So people will search out small communities that think like they do. Now, is that, uh, is that the, the best way to go about living in, in, uh, in a time of, of mass media and the 24 hour news cycle and the, and the ability to pick up a phone and call someone halfway across the world and get instantaneous communication and instantaneous knowledge of, of, of something that you didn't know before you have the magical smartphone in your hand to, to uh, that's connected to the library of Congress that, that has, you know, all the information you could ever want. Is is a is a tribal community mentality now advantageous? No, no, it's not. Is it ingrained in us still? Yes, yes, it is. So tribalism is real. Social tribalism is real, and it exists in all facets of all societies. And the the uh, the tabletop role playing game uh, society is no exception. And it has existed, and it will always exist. But um, again, I have to use the I have to use the whole pluralism thing. If, if uh, I, the the the, uh, the the people who are going to make uh, the the most positive change are the people who can who can hold two ideas in their heads at once and realize that both can be true. The, the those are the ones who are the peacemakers. The, the, those are the ones who are the bridge makers. The, those are the ones who uh, who uh, who. Uh, advance uh, their their social uh, circle to the next level. You know the to you know a, a tent pole big enough for all. You know the, the those are the people who build communities that are larger, and that's that's where humanity has to go. And you know I I believe that uh, we had we're in the tabletop RPG. We had we have a bump in the road right now where where tribalism is at this moment 
very stark and absolute. But I believe that uh, especially people like, you know, Aaron, the pedantic and, you know, and, and other people like him who, who can see both sides, see, see merit and, and, uh, and uh, uh, bad idiosyncrasies with, with, with both sides can actually bridge them together sometime in the future to create a new tribe that has more members, a larger community. Okay, what was your next one? Uh, no, nothing for that other than I would say, okay, what would be your resolution? But although I think I, I like your pluralism comment on this one in the fact where you've got somebody here saying this is how a game is supposed to be played. If you make a character background, you're a bad person and you're not playing the game right versus if you don't have a 30-page backstory and the game master doesn't let you have it, you're a bad person. I mean, you're never going to be able to mash them two together, but how do you explain to both of those that no, you don't get to have the absolute and you get to have the absolute. And then the the follow-up, I guess you'd say, comment on that is, do you think that some aspects of the game have simply just changed and moved by what it was at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I do believe that, uh, that um, uh, the general feel of tabletop RPGs has changed uh, over time. And that's the same for all all things that they, they, they will eventually change over time. They will grow. They, they will change that. They, they will become not, but the, the, the problem is you don't want it to become something different. You want it to become something more. And the problem I see now with the, with the tabletop role-playing community is that there are many people who are trying to push it to become something different and not something more, something uh, less, uh, something exclusive instead of inclusive. You don't think my way, then take the highway. That that is not growth. That is change for so much as projection. Yeah, the pr pr projection that 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 my tribe's mentality is the correct one. There is no other one. You, you, will, you will fit yourself into what I believe is right. Nothing else is right. That is, what, that is what I feel anecdotally is happening right now. And that, that is, that is uh, uh, not becoming more, just becoming different. Becoming different is bad. Becoming more is better. And it doesn't have to be more in one place. It's just no, more no, overall. more generally. Yeah, yeah. You know, generally, yeah. Because, uh, uh, it, you know, if if uh, if if something becomes more, it will, by definition, in be more inclusive. It, it it will it will be able to fit more under under the umbrella of its own definition. But okay. becoming different, you you are again by definition leaving something behind. Because you can no longer be defined as that. You are now different. And I believe that the tabletop RPG community is, instead of becoming more, it is becoming different because of a few uh, le legitimately bad actors. And that's, that's really sad. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the floor now. Let's see. Uh, skip nope. that. So, uh, go Grim. Huh? Nope. Go Grim. Go Grim? Oh, yeah. Well, go Grim or get... go home. 
I was going to give Grim last. I, I was going to you know, find no, Stone. You, but... If you let Aaron go, he's just going to propose again in song. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> all right, all right, Grim. Michael, do that's the story. I'm going to have to go in a minute. You have to okay. carry on without me. But, um, so okay. yeah, I'll get my get my two cents in here. All right. Um, tribalism's always been with us. I mean, generally as humanity, but also specifically in the hobby. So first of all, you had different people interpreting the original rules in different ways and getting into arguments over that, albeit much more slowly on letters pages and things. Mm. As soon as you had a new edition, you started having edition wars. <laughs> that's, that's always going to be with us. As new games began to emerge, people began fighting over which was the best game, which was their favorite game. It's, that's just how people are. But it was more collegiate, I think. Um, people enjoyed the banter and the argument for its own sake. They weren't necessarily trying to force anybody to stop playing the game that they loved or to play it in a certain way. It was just that they were really dead set keen on their game that they liked or the way that they played or the, the rules interpretations that they had. And arguing about it was kind of a a way to to boosterize their own interpretation of things so i think it's always been in the hobby but there's something different happening now in that you're not arguing the case for your way about doing things you're arguing that anyone who doesn't do it the same way is somehow evil and there are people on both sides who do that with varying degrees of seriousness and hyperbole but it does go on on, on both sides and only one side really has the institutional power in the the leading companies uh, uh, at the moment. And it does make things very difficult. Uh, I did, had a quick comment on the suboptimal characters. That was, what a ridiculous comment. Because if you're playing old school, really hardcore, you're rolling 3d6 for each stat, putting them You're going to have a five or a seven or whatever, yeah. Yes, yeah, I miss that. No, my clerk <laughs> has a five intelligence and I embrace it. Yeah, you, you might be shit. You might have low rolls and everything, but get really lucky or it forces you to play in a different way. Where I don't see... First level characters. I missed that. Yeah. Because then you were hardcore yeah. and you made it to the second level. Yeah, jump Where on I my don't server, see man. suboptimal characters is in 5th edition. Mm -hmm. Like, you never see, well, almost never see certain combinations of class and race because everyone wants that bonus, which is part of the justification they've given for getting rid of the racial bonuses and so on. Um, I don't understand that mindset. I, I love playing suboptimal characters or playing against type or because it's challenging and it and it's and it's fun. Um, so I think that's more of a problem with newer versions of D and D. Is I, I, I showed somebody Raceland stats, you know, the guy who would be a yeah. god. Showed this person Raceland stats, and he said, I would never play a character with stats that low. Uh, is D D over? Uh, in the form that we knew it, probably not. Um, whenever things go too far one way, they tend to go back the other again. Um, so I think if you if you look at the most non D and D D and Ds, I think fourth ed is the is the peak, and fifth edition is actually moving back down the curve the other side, back towards more traditional D and D. Okay, not in a lot of ways, but. In enough ways that it's recognizable as a shift in yeah, direction. Definitely. definitely. I agree. Yeah. A, a, a step back. Um, Fourth edition was a it, That's a separate conversation. Yeah. 
interesting fantasy and what type of fantasy comes and goes, ebbs and flows. So, you know, people are always, always finding Conan anew. People are always finding The Lord of the Rings anew. Bell bottoms um, always come back. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> in in some form, D&D yeah. will exist as a continuation forever, whether it has to go OSR or people using old books or whatever. It, it's going to continue and there will be products for it forever, uh, I, I suspect. I think the rainbows and unicorns problem will take care of itself in the same way that the third edition glut did. I talked about that earlier, so I won't go back over that again. Genres that are over genuinely over i think straight science fiction without any kind of twist to it traveler kind of clings on by its fingernails <laughs> um as a game but people just don't seem that interested in straight sci-fi they always want some kind of some kind of twist so you either have science fantasy or um everybody Firefly, wants star wars uh, or star Cowboy. trek or, or yeah, Firefly. Or, yep yeah so uh, nobody's gonna play the expanse role-playing game I mean, that's hardcore sci-fi. That is. Don't, it doesn't strike me as a particularly playable setting, though. Though I do love the series. Yeah. yeah um, you know, hyper-realistic science fiction is hard to play at a table. Yeah. Just to be honest, it's quite frankly, it's scientific and boring for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that was who the main need, thing who for needs Traveler. Newtonian thrust physics. Right? <laughs> um, Gothic horror's probably played out at this point. Um, yeah, what, what, yeah. The the world of darkness killed. Well, not, if, not, I don't want to say killed it, but ran it, ran it down. If it was gonna, if it was gonna come back, um, then the new edition of Vampire would have would have made it come back because people just didn't like the new world of no. darkness. But it hasn't. Uh, plus, despite White Wolf probably being the first woke company in the gaming space, they yeah, the the new owners, the new material has been eviscerated by by people. So. And the other thing, the last, the last thing I think is probably nearly done is boutique games, the really hyper expensive collector's items. That bubble's got to burst at some point as well, I think. But yeah, that's my comments on that. And I really do have to go. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, this went long. So, so let me thank you for, for being here. This has been four and a half hours so far. Maybe next time we'll have two topics instead of one each. But hey, learn the <laughs> lesson, lesson learned, you know. But uh, no, honestly, thank you very much for being here, Grim. Really do appreciate it. Your insight. You 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 turned us from like you know a level five kind of low brow to a level fifty, you know, more high brow. So thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. But uh, uh, I'll chat with you in, in Discord a little bit here, but uh, yeah, tomorrow or something. But thank you very much for being here cool. again. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. So uh, we still have Aaron. See, now you're not over your logos properly. <laughs> All right. Um, we have Aaron and David. No, I started with Dave. No, I started with OGGM, nope. so I skipped. So, Dave, you'll be last. So we'll go with Aaron next. All right. Well, most of the things I would say we've pretty much been covered. Um, the, the tribalism is very deep, and it has all kinds of subdivisions. I mean, I argue endlessly with people that are absolute uh, AD&D purists that say, no, you know, Gygax created the perfect game. Use the things that are exactly in the book or your, you know, th that whole thing. And you know, we, we get in complete knockdown drag outs. And I don't think that's going anywhere necessarily. Um, I think that the hobby is really moving behind the kind of D&D that I love. Uh, or moving beyond, I should say. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's going to come back. I, I think that um, 
they have done a, a, as thorough a job as possible to make people uh, completely obfuscate what D&D used to be or what uh, people like about old school gaming. Um, you know, and this was one of the things that I dealt with whenever I came in was everybody said AD&D was so complicated, nobody ever wanted to play it. And so by the time third edition came out, you know, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is a good game now. Uh, we, we don't need AD&D anymore. Um, and then there's also the, well, it's basically just a tactical war game. Uh, and that's it. There's really no character. There's no setting or anything play like battle that. Tech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and those are the, the kinds of things that people coming into the hobby are told. Um, and honestly, even within the OSR, there are a lot of people that, yes, they are playing games that have old school design, but they are running them more with a uh, story in mind. And uh, they are willing to employ illusionism and, uh, you know, plot armor. If you look at Morkborg, which is supposed to be a very old school uh, game, if you look at what people's conversations are about how they run it, they talk about how the story that they're presenting and all the all this kind of stuff and make sure that and it's like this is a game where your characters are so fragile that they're, you know, why would why would you even be concerned about any any kind of coherent story, you know? Um so I, honestly, I think that we're going to keep it from dying and, you know, we in small numbers are going to keep it from dying completely, but I don't think it's going to make a resurgence anytime soon. Um, everybody that I know that is coming into the hobby um, with very, very few exceptions, they are really wanting to do the, the actor character actor portrayal. And that's mostly what they're into. And then whenever, uh, they, they think about, you know, the kind of stuff that I talk about a lot of times, what they say is I'll, I'll just play a video game instead. And, you know, I'm like, no, 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 you really don't get it. Like a video game will not produce this experience, but they're not willing to investigate. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's moving past us. Yeah. The, um, you, the, the whole, the more becoming different instead of becoming more. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so that's part of the reason why I'm really trying to be an evangelist for it, if at all possible, but uh, I, I don't have like, I have hope, but I don't think it's ever going to be like a resurgence. You know, I think it's going to be a survival. So That's pretty it. much people like me who have been playing forever, OGGM, you know, Shad's around here has been playing since first edition, so on and so forth. We're, we're going to keep it alive through our machinations of playing it. But as a hobby, we're not going to see somebody again, other than the OSR, which I, I'll be honest with you, I don't fully know how niche that is. Like, I know there's a lot of it out there, there's a lot of people play it, but I want to see where it is 10 years from now, or if yeah. it's even still called the OSR, or, it, you know, and what survives to that point. But well, I mean, even, even that is so thoroughly tainted by people just saying the OSR is just bigots, you know? So people want to disassociate from that. And there are people that say, well, we'll call it retro gaming. Well, you, you can't really call it retro gaming because not everybody who's in this, this division is wanting to play it in the, you know, the Gygaxian way, you know? So what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. GM, Dave, take us home before, before I rant. <laughs> uh yeah, the, the tribalism's been there from the start. It's it's always been there. It was slower in a time when information spread slower. Now that information spreads faster, it's much more pronounced. And I mean, uh, Max, even though you guys already know, you've seen me talk about this in other aspects on my channel already with the way it's changed the comic book industry, the way it's changed the video games industry. Th this is something that's been happening all across pop culture. This is just 
one particular corner of many where it's happening. This hobby is one corner of many where we're seeing this all over the place. Yeah, that could have just and, <laughs> Yeah. And there are plenty of people, there are plenty of people who are trying to build, you know, build bridges to bring people together on this. I think to use kind of a, a metaphor, I think part of the problem though is people are trying to build the bridges from the top of one hill to the top of another hill. And the people at the top of those hills are always going to smash the bridge before it's finished because they're not interested in hearing what the other side has to say. The people at the top of their hill want to stay at the top of their hill. That's where they're comfortable. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's the hill they've chosen to die on. You know, we got to move, you got to move down closer to the middle, closer to people who are more willing to listen to the other side. There's always going to be a group that just, they're set in their ways. This is how they're going to do things. They're not going to change. You're not going to convince them. It's, it's never going to happen. But between them is that quieter majority that is a little more willing to hear things out, that is a little more willing to, to uh, consider that, well, maybe I should try this other thing. Now, is it as easy to convince people nowadays? No. We're in a, we're in a hot spot where tensions just in general are flared for a lot of people. People are less willing to listen to the other side, and that extends to this hobby as well. Um, it's just uh, it's just a general. I mean, it's just the general kind of thing that happens with any moral panic. You know, you're going to get people in all walks of life for all sorts of things who are getting flared up and upset about whatever, and they will tie that to just about anything they can. Um, but in in the case of whether or not the the old the old way of doing things is is dead and gone. I don't think so. Um, as with anything like this, you're never going to fully get rid of something like that. It's going to it'll find ways to survive and go on. I kind of agree with Aaron in that I don't think there's going to be a huge resurgence of it. But yeah, was repeat of the critical role. Yeah, except, um, Stranger Things influx. Yeah, but going forward though, I I, th I think. Uh, you know, Grim makes uh, Grim made a great point in that. You know, yeah, a lot of these things they, they take care of themselves. These are these are cyclical. These are cycles. You know, we we see these cycles repeated all throughout our history. This is just we're experiencing. You know, we're experiencing a rough patch and yet another one of these cycles. The things that we enjoy, the way that we like playing, as, as different individuals, they are going to come into and fall out of fashion multiple times. We're going to see, in at least a small way, I think we will see the way that uh, you know that that you Max, you OG, you Heathen Dog prefer to play. Like they're going to cycle in and out. The way I prefer to play is going to cycle in and out in terms of what's popular. The way that Aaron prefers to play is going to cycle in and out. It's never going to fully die because there's always going to be a subsect of people that like playing a certain way, even if not publicly. They're going to do it privately in their own homes. One of the one of the things you guys might have noticed is I haven't brought up any inform anything about convention play or comic book shop play or game shop play because I don't play in those I don't, I don't play in those areas. I never have. I've never had an interest in it. I will meet people online. I'll invite them into a game. I meet people locally. I, I would meet them at my schools, at my work, invite them over to my house to play. I play in a very private setting, and generally speaking. It, it works out great. I've, really, it's only online that I've ever run into issues. <laughs> I've run into issues with people vehemently disagreeing with uh, 
with you know how I like to do things. And it's like I kind of take the approach that OG takes. It's like, well, you know, if you don't like the way I play, that's that's okay. You know, let me see if I can talk to somebody who might like the way you prefer to play and find you find you a home where you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it more. But I, I don't I don't think it's ever really going to I don't think it's going to die. It might fall out of fashion for a time, but fashion is cyclical. You know, what was out will be in again eventually. I mean, we're seeing that now with, uh, you know, we, we saw that now. I mean, with uh, with the way, just relating it to Hollywood, with the way all of a sudden, oh, comic book movies were the hot thing. Well, now people are starting to get tired of them. People are getting tired of uh, the same old thing. So now you're starting to see the, the counterculture of that. You're starting to see the... Um, um, oh, why am I blanking on the term? Uh, uh, deconstruction of that. Things, <laughs> yeah, well, you, you see, yeah, you're starting to see now the like you, you had this the big rise of comic book movies with Marvel. Now you're seeing deconstructions of that with with series like The Boys. Boys, yeah. you, you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna run into these cycles repeatedly. It's it's gonna happen again at hey, some no, point. Before The Boys, there was Mystery Men. Oh yeah. Yes. Very, very true. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're, it's. I mean, that's 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 where I kind of sit on it. I don't think it's ever fully going to die. It's just going to find a new corner to hide away in until the light shines on it again. Hmm. All right. So, so the reason I brought this topic up is because thanks to uh, last week's episode where we got Chris Gonerman and Clownfish TV spun up. <laughs> Uh, that that was fun. I don't uh, even know how that happened. We we were completely even keeled on that. No, no, no. So 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 well, we generally were. Chris didn't know that Clownfish was mad at him, and when we exposed that, he was he's like, "Wait, WTF on that?" And then said his side. They said their side, and I'm just like, "Oops!" And I and I basically wanted to apologize to both of them because I wasn't trying to stir a fight. I literally just, like, I said it on the stream, I saw the information, like, an hour before we went live. I said, hey, this is commentary. This is stuff we can comment on. Let's comment. So, uh, yeah, it, it went uh, it, it went sideways on that one. I just wish the people who I really wanted to go sideways on would get mad at me like that. No. But, uh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, but uh, I mean, looking at, like, what, what was you know said there, and then looking at what happens on Twitter, and like the stuff that we talk about, yes, it, I'm using Twitter because it's a nice extreme example. Coming over here, looking at, you know, as how many times does Shadzar tell me that I'm playing the game wrong because I want stories in the game and so on and so forth, which I think he should be saying that more to Heathen Dog than me, but whatever. Maybe it's because I'm just more vocal about it. But, uh, yeah. you know, the thing is, is... I'm not playing D&D wrong, and you can take this, and you can take that, and sit on both of them. Not on my fingers, though. Do it on somebody else's, because that'd be gross. But, uh, <laughs> but and because I'm not playing it wrong if it's at my table in my fucking game. I mean, that's... But this is where that tribalism comes in, where you have one person, well, well if you don't allow gay transgender uh, orcs in your game, well, then you're some sort of istophobe. And the other person says, well, if you allow a dwarf to play a wizard, you, you're not playing the game properly. I mean, that, that's me. I'm on that side. I feel that way. But at your table, I don't care what you do. I would never allow a dwarf wizard at my table because I think it, it ruins the, the, the trope and it ruins the feel of a dwarf. Just like I think Gygaxian is the right feel for Dungeons & Dragons. Not for Earthdawn, not for GURPS, not for Cyberpunk, not for, let me look at my games up here, Earthdawn and Battletech and D&D &D and, and uh, Forbidden Lands and Astonishing Swords and Sorcerer Hyperborea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Those are all different games with their own feels, but for D&D, I absolutely feel that the Gygaxian way is the right way, and 3rd Edition destroyed that. That's now the WotC game, that should have been called WotC 1st Edition. I probably wouldn't even care if it was, because I'd still be playing D&D. Right now, I've literally, tr I, you know, I should pull it out one day, but I've actually scribbled out on my 5th Edition, one, my 1 5th, well, I have two 5th Edition books, on my Player's Handbook, I scribbled out where it said Dungeons & Dragons, and I put WotC 3.0, because that's but really what it is. So, you know, he Dog was saying about that whole, uh, uh, um, you know, growth versus change or, or change for was a change for more versus change for sake of change. I th that's the problem. And this is where shots wrong in all his come or not all, but a lot of his comments there. They are. They have literally come in and destroyed comics. So to say that we're overreacting is bullshit. They've, they've come in and now they can't destroy the t tabletop RPG hobby because we don't need professional creators to draw stuff. We just need people with imaginations to write down a couple of rules that anybody can be a, a game designer slash player. That's the benefit of this. But they've absolutely destroyed comic books. That's why Comicsgate exists. They're trying to do it to anime and almost succeeded until Japan stepped back for a second and said, screw you and your Western ideals. <laughs> We're not taking that here. Uh, thank God. Uh... But, yeah, they have destroyed D&D. &D. It is not Dungeons & Dragons. It is WotC 3.0. So, uh, but, you know, to, to be on top can of... I, can, I, can I interject something in here real yep, quick? Shot, Marvel movies is different from Marvel comics. Yes. Marvel comics, that side of the industry, is making almost no money. It no, is on the verge money. of dying. And yeah. look and look what AT and T's doing with DC. They're, DC's dead. DC's done. Watch Ethan Van Skyver if you don't believe me. He, uh, he was a you know, what, how does he say he's a twenty six year pro blah blah blah. D, it's, it's, movies are absolutely the only reason they even keep the publishing side now is for let's test this out to see if it'll work for the movies. So, uh, well, they they're doing the YA novels too, but they don't have to. No, comics died. Look, okay, Heathen Dog. Yeah. You guys used to have the comic book review for the Legion with Weekly yeah. Livestream. Yeah. How many comic books did Garthon used to buy back in the day? I think uh, when when we when we started, uh, every week his local comic shop would set aside something like 25 to 30 books. Yeah. Okay. How many does week. he get now? Three. Okay. And why is that, generally speaking? Nostalgia. But no, no, not why does he get them, but why is he only getting three compared to 25? Oh, be, because uh, people, how am I, how am I going to say this? Uh, artificially interjecting activism created bad stories. Um, they got shot, shot, that number isn't correct at all. I don't know where you got that, but that number isn't correct at all because uh, sites have actually posted what the real numbers are and it's nowhere near that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, act, uh, uh, shoehorning activism, uh, social social commentary into into comics created bad stories, and if you have if you have enough bad stories in a row, people stop buying your book. I mean, look what they did with with uh, was it? I don't do comics, but Captain America, and they made every story they they turned Captain America into a black guy, which I don't care about. Although I don't like changing characters, I think that's a dumb idea. But and then every every issue, Garthon was saying, "Oh, look, he's standing up here again, saying, look at me, I'm black. You have to accept me.'" Nobody wants to read that crap. Yeah, just, just, dude, just, you're, you, Captain America passed the, passed the shield to you. You be your own Captain America. Doesn't matter that you're black. You're Captain America. That's, that's better. <laughs> that's, that's better than what you were before because you're freaking Captain America. And then, you know, Captain America turned into a Nazi 
that was fun. Yeah. So, yeah so, but 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 the yeah. point is is somebody who was absolutely adamant about comics constantly did reviews on comics went from twenty five to three, and he's not the only one. Indie comics are 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 doing. I mean, fairly well. It depends on what you consider well. There's certain good uh, good ones out there. Again, I'm not the comic book master. Watch Ethan Van Skyver. Watch John Malin. Watch um, uh, was it your boy Zach? What the hell is the name of his channel? Com- Diversity- comics, Ma- formerly Diversity in Comics. Yeah. Now Comics Matter with your boy Zach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're they're the ones that can pr- to articulate this a lot better than I can because I just don't care about comics. But. So and Shadzer is trying to get me riled up in chat, which I think is hilarious. But but exactly, that's the tribalism. Shadzer is trying to do the tribalism. So personally, I like a hybrid, old school, yet storytelling game. How how do how do I mix that? Dragonlance is the best example. I remember when and people who've watched our, uh, uh, the streams before know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it again because I don't know what you've watched. People used to call us dirty campaigners. Oh, you dirty camper! You just want to play Dragonlance. You just want to, you just want to sit there and just have your 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 big novels and your epics. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But that can still be done in a sandbox environment. This is why when Aaron, Aaron and I were disagreeing about what story means, I don't care about the term story. I literally don't. That's why that's why I was being you know where I was with it because I don't care because I don't think it matters because everything can be a story. So who the hell cares about the goddamn term? But. As far as like one dungeon to the next, I've already said that. There has to be some meaning behind that. As what my character does at first level versus fifth level, I want to see some character growth. doesn't mean I have to sit there for eight hours and go thee and thou and pretend I'm a thespian or do the critical role thing. It just means I want a little bit of interaction between the the characters at the party. I want some interaction between myself or the group and the NPCs. Now let's go club some goblins over the head, break down some doors, and if the dice roll up and say my character dies, that is part of my character story. There's no plot armor. There's no, well, I gotta save you because I think your character is too important. No! I want the game to dictate the story. I'm not gonna write a novel after it, but I want to be able to envision it, to imagine, to sit down and say, wow, I remember when I was a little scrub and I did this, now I have these abilities and I can do this, and we moved on. Remember when we were fighting goblins and it was hard and now we can wipe out 30 of them in one go? You know, that's the story, you know, build it up into whatever the epic, and it doesn't even have to be epic, but whatever it needs to be. But, and, and you have to do it within the GM's world, and I said that in the other segment, but you have to do it within the GM's world. I want the game, I want the dice, along with my actions, or my acting, which I don't have any, uh, to tell the story without plot armor, without being railroaded, and without putting my character over the GM's world or setting. Because I will tell you that I don't care about the rules of the game, I think the Game Master's world or setting is the paramount. Don't care what Gygax said, don't care what Shadzai writes, don't care what Shot writes. The Game Master's world is paramount. After that comes what system are we using? After that comes whatever the hell I care, I, I am concerned about. That's my order. And that's what makes the game right for me. Your mileage may vary, and if you play differently, good on you. And I hope you're having fun. And, uh, so, okay, so about changing the hobby. I don't care about any change of the hobby. I don't. I don't care what games you play or create. Or what species or orientations or genders you espouse in your game. Make it, play it, enjoy it. Have the people around you enjoy it. What has pissed me off, and why I have an actual hatred. Take that to the bank. I literally hate these people. And I mean that. At least in this one environment. I might not hate them driving on the road, but I hate them in this one environment. 
is because we invited them into the hobby, introduced them to these worlds of imagination, and they they repaid us by calling us problematic istophobes and destroyed the heart and soul of the cornerstone, the foundation of this hobby, Dungeons and Dragons, and they're laughing at us about it. If so, if one of them watches this video, they're going to be like, yeah, we did. Or they're going to say, we didn't destroy it, you, you were just playing a bad game. That is my problem. That is what Heathen Dog was talking about with this type of change and so forth. Do I think the OSR is going anywhere? I don't care. I'm not like, yeah, OSR! And I'm not like, oh, down with OSR. I have some OSR games. It's just, it doesn't matter to me. I have my collections of games behind me. If this hobby were to die today and it, and all the books became banned, you just get to keep what you have. I have so many games behind me, I can play for the rest of my life and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter in that regard. But what I do want to stop is I want, I want this puritanical bullshit, whether it's the 80s puritanical, you know, satanic panic crap, whether it's now the, the 2020s uh, SJW, whatever term we're going to use this week uh, about, you know, puritanical, you have to play this certain way and just say, play the goddamn game the way you want. You are not right. I am not right, except for at my table. The OG GM is not right, except for at his own table. Aaron the Pedantic is not right, except for at his own table. And GM Dave is not right, except for at his own table. Heathen Dog's never right, so I don't care. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> I but, thought I was going to be always right at every table and you went the other way. I did. I went the other way. I'm sorry. And and, and that's the point that I'm making. Oh, wait, I, wait, wait. I said the F word. Hang on. I think, was it Grimm that said it before? That, that uh, you know, there's always been, it was more collegiate? I agree with them. I remember bantering with people like, Earthdawn's a better game. You want to try it? No, we only play D&D, blah, blah, blah. But then I brought in Earthdawn. All of a sudden, people were playing Earthdawn. I, I converted them over. Uh, you guys with Palladium, like, you should try Palladium. I'd played Robotech and so forth, but I'd never played Rifts before. It's like, okay, let's play Rifts. Well, I think there are some games better than Rifts and some games worse than Rifts. The thing is, is if you're playing and having fun, and I might rib on you like, oh, you're, you're Star Wars West End games. Oh, my God, that's crap. It's got pips. Pips are so horrible. Well, you know what? Are you having fun with it? And fucking play it and have fun with it. Jesus. I mean, actually, that's one of those Heathen Dog and I, we disagree on that one. I like West End Games version better than the D20 crap because I don't like the D20 system, generally speaking. I just don't like it. I don't like the, you know, the 3.0 GL stuff, and I don't like the SRD stuff. I just don't. It's I, I don't like how they're formatted. It's not my type of game. But he prefers that, for this, for Star Wars, at least. For Star so, Wars, yes. But now, do, do we give ourselves, do we give each other good natured ribbing over that? Yeah, because mine's better than his. He plays a garbage game. But we're not trying to kill each other, cancel each other, hate each other over it like they're doing now. And if anybody's, I'm not reading chat, but if anybody in chat saying that's not happening, you're full of shit. You're not reading or you're insulated from it and good on you. Stay insulated from it. Don't buy games from people that hate you. Watsi and Paizo hate you. Well, they hate me. Uh, they probably hate all five of us here. <laughs> but just don't do it. Don't give them your money and buy from people who do like you or at least respect you. And buy the games from people you respect. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at, at that. Um, if anybody has any final comments for me on that, the last thing we'll do is if we have time, um, let's get people to call in if anybody wants to, to argue with us. Uh, it and is, then It is dinner time where I am. Is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's almost 11 p.m. here. So, so are we going to forego the call-in stuff? Yes, we're going to forego that. Okay. We had a long day today with a lot of highbrow stuff. All right. All right. We had a lot. Of, my brain is fried. I did. I did. I thought that my stupid little dice 
you know, posit was, 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 was going to set the tone. I was so wrong. It was, we had, with the exception of Aaron's, it was in discord when everybody was going to talk about, <laughs> but uh, I honestly thought that we were going to spend about 20 minutes to a half hour at each topic. I really didn't think it was going to go this long, but man, we all had a lot to say on it, which per, for me, I like that. But as you can tell, Grim didn't have the time for that. I'm sure some of you guys are like, Oh my God, dude, it's been almost five hours. Well, Sorry. Uh, well, next time around, maybe we'll have three people on, or maybe we'll just have two topics or something like that. We'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, I sincerely, 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 Aaron, thanks for coming back. Absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. OGGM, for the love of God, thank you very much for stepping in for DM Bloodworth. He's got he's got some big shoes to fill now. You were here Plus, forever. You, know, you, you don't look as old as you are. That, that's good. Or at least as old as you as we think you are, based as on what you said. You are, yeah, because from 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 what you've been saying and from the from how long you say you've been playing, we I, I figure you're like you're like the the old grandmaster of uh, my pay on the mountain who's 140 years old. But you look great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, there's one thing I forgot. What? I didn't read through chat. Although I think most of the guys here were commenting on it. Do you guys want me to quickly read through it or no? No, it's 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 all uh, it's all Shadzar make making fun of you. Yeah. Well, and shot. It's Shadzar and shot yeah. making fun Shadzar of each other and then me. So okay, all right. Well, and then GM Dave, I've actually wanted to have you on the show for a while. I didn't know how to make that happen because this whole limbo thing with me. Like, hopefully, I might have orders soon, and that means I'm going to be gone off the show for a few weeks, and then I'll be back in the states. But they'll get set back up, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully be doing this again. I'll just be doing it from Babalama, and. Uh, yeah, but uh, thank you, thank you very much, all you guys. I can't uh, can't thank you enough for this. I really do appreciate it. And see y'all again sometime. Absolutely. At at the same time, well, Heathen Dog, because the time frames is probably better at it than me right now. But uh, you know, if you ever want us to come and and destroy your show, go ahead and invite us. And uh, <laughs> so, but with that, I, I guess. Um, I'm I'm just gonna just talk us out. I mean, any we don't even have we don't have to do links today. Do you think, Ethan Dog? Other than to say thank you for everybody watching. Yeah. If you donated yeah. money, uh, um, great, awesome. Yep. If, so if not new, at the very least, go 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 to all, all these fine fine people's uh, channels and go ahead and subscribe. Yes. Get give a watch to, to to one of their videos. Sponsor, uh, support. Yeah, you know, notification. Remember. Yeah. Or the algorithm. Let's break up. Yeah, yeah, please mash that like button. Also, when this goes live, these are going to be broken into six separate segments for YouTube throughout the week. When they go live, I will have everybody's links in the description so you can just watch, the, uh, mash them right. there and, uh, and and check them out because everybody here deserves uh, subscribe and everybody here deserves, uh, deserves our support. And I hope to have Except all for of them GM back Dave, at one. Uh, go ahead and dislike all his videos. Wow. Oh, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's reverse psychology. I'm getting in their little minds. See, see, I would say dislike all the heathen dogs videos, but those are mine. Wait a minute. Stop. Ha! <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to hit the theme song here. We have, we have one, we have one thing that we do here when we sign out. Sing. Words of wisdom. So it's like basically a final, like, you know, 10, 20 second comments, uh, just your final comments here. We'll start at the bottom with GM Dave. Uh, what are your final words for wisdom for everybody? I'd say probably just the same ones that I end my videos with, which I'm sure I don't really need to tell this group, but I'm going to say it anyway. In this wonderful world of tabletop games, you're not going to have as much fun if you just sit back and watch. Get in there and game. Nice. All right, OG GM, what do you have to say? 
Words of wisdom? Hmm, I thought I already did that, but I guess the start small. Hmm. You know, just whatever your game is, start small. And remember, it's at the end of the night, it's just a game. Yeah, fair. All right, Aaron, what you got? I would say that, uh, that for for DMs, I would say um, be honest to your players about what kind of game you're running. Don't pretend that you're running a hardcore game, but you're pulling people out of the fire behind the scenes. Uh, I've had that happen. It's terrible. Uh, and with players, um, be sure that you are showing up for the game that the DM is trying to run and that you're not just showing up to play a game to portray the character that you want to act as. Uh, I guess that's pre pretty much it. Mm. All right, Heathen Dog, you get to get covered. Oh, goody. Well, my words of wisdom for today are, uh, if, we ha if we've learned anything from, from listening to all these different, different points of view that aren't all that radically different. I mean, most of us here are pretty moderate, to be yeah. fair. Okay, okay, not you. But mo <laughs> most of the rest of us here are pretty moderate. Just to, if, if, you, if you don't like the way someone plays a game, then go and find another game. If if the people who uh, who you who uh, who you have to play with don't want to play your game, find people who to play your game. You're going to do that. It's going to happen, especially in the age of the internet. You're going to find people to play with, and don't say they're wrong. Just say they're 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 not for you. It's not my flavor. I don't like Rocky Road ice cream. I like mint chocolate chip. Nothing wrong with Rocky Road. I just like mint chocolate chip better. Fine. All right. My words of wisdom are going to be actually just a repeating of uh, hashtag RPGate. Remember, games are escapism, not representation. It's more important to have entertainment and not be an activist. And always remember organic diversity from natural inclusion. Play with the people who are around you. Don't kick anybody out unless that person's an asshole or your group's too big. But let everybody play. Enjoy the hobby and spread the traditions, the proper traditions to them. And if they go in a different direction, let them go in a different direction. Ask them to create their own game. But play and have fun and let everybody play and have fun around you.